Orson, come in, Orson. More calling, Orson. Come in, Orson. More calling, Orson. Come in, you blimship. Here I am, Mort. What did you do this week? Oh, sir, I played the Wizard of Oz. I gave the Tin Man a heart. Is that another of your weird analogies? Oh, no, sir, just a movie metaphor. See, what actually happened, sir, is there was this robot. He was nothing but a bunch of nuts and bolts, and I helped him become a person. You built a monster? No, sir. I made a friend. If you made a friend, why are you so sad? Oh, sir, I lost him. Can't you make another? No, sir. Well, I could, but I haven't got the heart for it. What do you mean? That's a... You know, when you create someone and you nurture them, they grow. Well, there comes a time when they, they have to lead their own life. <laughs> or die their own death. And now your friend is gone forever? Oh, no, sir. No. I'll always keep him right here. <clears throat> Till next week, sir. I know. Episode 55. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the Leftovers. leftovers. All right. Hey, uh, this is episode 55. It's our double nickels episode. We have hit 55, Jake. Yeah, I can't drive 55. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was uh, Jake's Sammy Hagar tribute. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, what movie was that in? Oh, Christ. I... Back to the Future 2. Wow. Bam. There you go. Yeah, when they went to Biff Tannen's fucking casino and shit, that shit was like, they were rocking that, man. <laughs> they were playing. Did it come out the same year that movie did? Were they trying to sell that CD? I don't know. But you know what? I always enjoyed the music from uh, the Back to the Future films. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck what everybody says about Huey Lewis. I love Huey Lewis. I love Huey Lewis. I even love the news. Yeah, I love Huey Lewis and the news. And the news. I like them both. I, I don't like them so much, uh, like, uh, separated, but yeah, you get them together, you got fucking magic. It's like the Sharknado of music. Yeah, fucking sports is one of the greatest albums from the 80s. Exactly, and Christian Bale will back that up in fucking American Psycho any day of the week. Really? Yeah, fucking yeah. Do you know, you don't remember that whole speech from American Psycho? No. 
he, there's a whole scene from American Psycho where he's like uh, got a buddy of his, not actually a buddy, but just kind of like one of these uh, stockbroker douchebags that he brings back to his place. And he's talking about the sports video and this guy's fucked up drunk, right? Okay. The whole time he's got like an axe in his hand and he's talking to this guy about how amazing sports is. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I don't think Huey Lewis really came into his own when, until sports came along. And the way he's saying it, he's saying it like a professional, like, you know, like a music critic. <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. He sounds like he's the guy talking from movie phone and shit and uh he's the whole time he's got like all this like plastic down on the floor because he's gonna fucking kill this guy it's hilarious years later i think it was uh they did uh like a parody and it was actually huey lewis and he was going to they showed him as christian bale's character from american psycho and he was going to kill kill weird al yankovic (laughs) and it was hilarious and it was like um for i I want a new duck or whatever yeah and it was uh it was like a funnier die fucking thing it was really funny that is funny yeah so yeah check that shit out man i don't confession i've never seen american psycho oh you've got to see it it's like it's a cult classic yeah yeah you got to see it man it's just so fucking bizarre and they pay homage to like a lot of like horror movies and shit that come out you know it's really good american psycho they should definitely grand theft auto should get the rights to american psycho and do a grand theft auto american psycho oh gotcha where you're the character like in a a sandbox game yes yes but i don't know if they really want to promote serial killing but who gives a fuck anymore? I, I don't think Red Theft Auto is yeah. worried about its image exactly. at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, welcome to Double Nickels uh, 55 of Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah, I'm not doing the Sammy Hagar ever again. Never so. again. Never you got again. It. Hit, your, hit your rewind button if yeah. you want it again. Yeah, and maybe get some uh, fucking uh, David Lee Roth next week. Oh, yeah. There we go. He's my favorite yeah. of Van Halen lead singers, so that's what we're talking about. Me too. Yeah, totally yeah he's agreed. the best. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a special announcement to make. <laughs> Not you, Frank. <laughs> yeah, no, it is you, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Frank Hammer is back on the podcast. Frank Hammer, two weeks off. How does it feel to be back, Chief? Good. Very good. <laughs> Time. All right, I'm not going to sugarcoat this shit. You were a drunk-ass motherfucker <laughs> two weeks ago when we did this shit. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? It's right. like it should be, you know, seriously, like if I just brushed it under the fucking carpet, <laughs> under the rug, excuse me, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, they're not even paying attention. You were a drunk-ass motherfucker. Yeah, I I tried to listen to that episode, and I think I just gave up around the three-hour, 30-minute mark. It, 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 it was hard no, to No, see, see, the thing is, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me pull back the curtain. I know I say that a lot, but I'm going to pull back the curtain. All right. I'm not going to embarrass you, Frank. You did that on your own. Oh, anyway. hell yeah, I did. So anyway, like, okay. The the episode, you know, Frank came in here. That fucking bottle. Holy fuck, Frank. Jake, what were you talking about last week? You got here and you said your friends, you you uh, um, had a bottle of UV vodka. Yeah, four of us used about... 70% of it mixing it with ginger ale and all got pretty, pretty buzzed off of it. Right. And drank, Frank, you, yeah, Frank drank, it kind of rhymes. But anyway, 
you drank an entire fucking bottle. <laughs> yes, I did. There was a lot of things that contributed to that. I was busy that day and it only ate once like six hours before we started. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, making great choices, yeah, Frank. No shit. <laughs> making and great then, choices. I hope after you left, you picked up a prostitute too and then, uh, I don't know, threw a, br- <laughs> threw a brick through a fucking bank window. We need the uh, Frank Choose Your Own Adventure book series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was uh, old school and I became Frank the Tank. At least I kept my clothes on. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Thank God. Thank God for that. <laughs> no, see, the thing is, it's like people listening to the, the thing, they fucking loved it, Frank. I mean, you got a lot of fans. People enjoyed it. Seriously, like more people came out of the woodwork and like said, you know, I, I okay, I put it out there. Like I had the Batman v Superman footage on my phone, and I'd be happy to send it to people. Half of those motherfucking messages <laughs> said, "Hey, um, yeah, I love your podcast." More Frank getting drunk, <laughs> and then it said, "Yeah, can I see that video?" Holy so, shit. Yeah. That's funny. We had a meeting without you, Frank, and decided that you have to do that every San Diego Comic-Con. I heard that last podcast. Yeah. It'd be different if it was planned on, but yeah, that nobody was banking on that. You know, a lot of families me. have like Christmas traditions and shit, like certain <laughs> foods that they only eat at Christmas time and certain things that they only do at Christmas time. San Diego Comic-Con, you know what? Your gift to us and to the listeners is getting drunk off your ass and making a fool of yourself. So that's happening every San Diego Comic-Con. You've got to get yourself prepared for this. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll make sure that I uh, prepare the liver that way I can maintain a conscious state of drunkenness for a while. Yeah. It's going to be like drunk history. Yeah, eat. Don't eat this time. Yeah, no shit. We'll see that. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, don't eat this time. we got to recreate the same. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I, when I came, I meant to bring a, uh, a glass, like a eight ounce glass that way I could kind of monitor right. how much I was bringing in. And I forgot it and what the fuck did I okay, have? Okay, there was I... nothing about what you did monitoring anything. Right, because you it was drank a... with reckless abandon, Frank. <laughs> it was a 32 ounce styrofoam McDonald's cup. You can't see inside of that to see where you're at. I just kept drinking. Yeah. And then it only took what? Maybe three or four times. For, I mean, anybody who's really gotten drunk, you know, you start feeling pretty fucking not... good. You stop. Tasting it, I'm not so. buying this excuse. You still see the bottle, though. You look over and you see that you've got a bottle that's. And this is this is completely true. Like, and nobody can tell this on the podcast, but like, I got a wandering eye. I'm almost all the way blind in my left eye, and that's where the bottle was at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that along with an increasing state of drunkenness, I was probably just lucky to grab the fucking bottle. <laughs> you blame a lot on that wandering eye. Like the time you picked up the prostitute, and it happened to be a dude. The, you couldn't see the fact <laughs> that he had a dick. <laughs> Because of that wandering eye. It's a, it's a well, nice escape clause. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like uh, yeah. Eminem in 8 Mile. You know, if, if you go there first, who else is going to be able to bash you for it? I you should have known when she said her name was Andre, but whatever. Andre. That's beside this fucking point. I thought she forgot the A. I thought it might have been Andrea. Yeah, okay. I mean, Walking Dead, she'd get on anything that moved to figure that out. Now you're going to tell chance. me that your left ear doesn't work either. No, it works. All right. That works good. I'm fucking with you, Frank. Know, it's good to have you back. I'm glad to see you back here. Yeah, welcome I'm, back, Frank. I'm glad to be I here. I wouldn't have been glad it. to see you back the next week. I needed two weeks off. Right. No, yeah. seriously. I needed a fucking Frankcation. <laughs> and I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 but I, now I, we're in a place where I'm glad that we have you back. Good deal. Yep. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here. All right. Good deal. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now get the vodka. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. It's San Diego Comic-Con somewhere <laughs> in some time stream of the Holy universe. <laughs> some time stream. It's fucking San Diego Comic-Con. All right. This week, guys, though, uh, on a more serious note, we lost the legend, Mr. Robin Williams. 
And uh, I want us all to talk about, uh, you know, what he meant to us growing up and, uh, and maybe you like your favorite movies and, and favorite Robin Williams moments throughout the year. Who wants to, years, who wants to, who wants to start with that? Oh, I'll talk about it. Um, yeah, Robin Williams, unbelievable. So tragic what happened to him, you know, and, um, I guess the good of it is, is it brings a lot of social awareness to depression. Sure it does. And the realness of it. And, you know, yeah. that it is something that we need to look into and to try to get help for people in that kind of situation, you know, whether big and famous like Robin Williams or just anybody, you know. Do you we, think, you know, of course he had to be on all the time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think he enjoyed it. But I think, you know, like, uh, as far as comedians go, like, there are certain things that they do in order to stay on all the time. Do you think, you know, do you think that all the cocaine and things like that kind of attributed maybe to this? Like, chemically, that stuff can mess with, like, your serotonin levels, which keeps you happy and things like that. Do you think that over the years with him being clean that maybe he never felt like he could get back to where he was? I mean, he was still funny, but... That's got to take a toll on you. Yeah, and a lot has come out about how he, it, he just learned himself that he was in the early stages of Parkinson's, right. and that had brought along a lot of the you know extra depression on yeah. top of all yeah. the stuff he was feeling. I um, have you seen the Watchmen quote that's been going around? No, that's um. I mean, it'll take me like literally less than five seconds. But it's, it's been going, it's been passed around a lot and a lot of people are saying that the whole thing really reminds them of Robin Williams. And let me read it real quick. It's, um, please. Man goes to doctor, says he's depressed, says life seems harsh and cruel, says he feels all alone in a threatening world where what lies ahead is vague and uncertain. Doctor says, treatment is simple. Great clown Pachili is in town tonight. Go and see him. That'll pick you up. The man burst into tears and says, but doctor, I am Pachili. Yeah, I remember that quote. Yeah, and I think that's a real poignant quote. I've often heard people say that comedians are so sarcastic and funny because it's like they're trying to mask their own pain. Yeah. Well, it's that picture of the sad clown. Yeah, Yeah. who makes the clown laugh kind of thing. Jerry Seinfeld has come out and said like that before himself. Like he feels like the sad clown sometimes, so – yeah, and I can I can see, you know, it's just got to be so much things. It's hard to know how he felt. But, you know, it seems like his family want us to celebrate his life and what we love about him. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it'll be a nice excuse. You know, the best thing out of this is we can all become aware of all of how great some of his work was and yeah. some of his movies, you know. Oh, they're timeless. And, I mean, kids are going to laugh years from now about everything that robin williams has put out there yeah and i've been a big fan forever too i was always really into stand-up comedy even as a real young age yeah and i can remember um always being excited when hbo did their comic relief every yeah. year yeah and they had robin williams and billy crystal and Whoopi goldberg were the three hosts and they would each do comedy sets and it was right. always robin williams that appealed to me most when i was seven years old sure. you know i think the other two may have been over my head but yeah. robin williams you know and what made him so great was it made seven-year-old me laugh, but I'm sure if I went back and watched that footage at the age I am now, I would laugh for all kinds of different reasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was a great comedian. I mean, great movies. I'm sure we'll all, we'll talk about the movies and everything. I, don't, I can blab on forever about how great Robin Williams is and how much I'm going to miss him, you know? Absolutely. His energy level is just like nobody could beat it. Yeah, Dane Cook, you tried, but give it up, man. There's Robin Williams, and he's he's eternal. He's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, from Good Morning Vietnam mm-hmm. to Hook 
Yeah, let's. What are your favorite movies, Jake? Uh, I'm a huge Hook fan. I know it's kind of um, everyone likes to shit on. It is one of the worst Steven Spielberg movies. It gets a lot of kind of critic smacking, right? But it's you know I love it. I was right at the age. Um, I remember every freaking Marvel comic book having an ad for it for like six months straight until it finally came out and right. everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I, and Robin Williams was great in that. He always was great being that like man child. Yeah. You know, he, there was even a movie basically where he was a man child that um Jack where the kid grows up real fast. Yeah. Um I was also a big fan of Toys. Do you remember this movie? Was I a, remember it was Toys, a Barry yeah. Levinson movie. Yeah. Another movie that kind of critics critics hate on, yeah. but I was just right at that age for it. I really loved it, you know. It was a, a little Willy Wonka-ish in the way he had the toy factory and stuff like that. Yeah. And, I always had a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah. And Good Morning Vietnam, of course, is one of my favorites. You know, it, he, Robin Williams is great. What are your, like, three, four, five, six? I mean, there's so many. Right. What yeah. are your, like, favorite movies, Frank? Uh, Hook is my absolute favorite of his. And the big thing with that is uh, it's rang further true for me as I've grown up uh, than when it first came out in theaters that he really was the boy that, never grew up robin williams and then for him to play hook it was just amazing to me at the time and it's one of the re- biggest reasons why i'm sad he's gone is because you know he was a big kid and i always loved everything he did yeah he was great and he does it all in, in hook you know he 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 is the boy that grew up and it kind of has to come back to him yeah, I actually just watched Hook about a month before all this happened, just because um, I read uh, whatever movies come out on Netflix every month. I see the list, and I saw it was on the list last month, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch Hook." Right. It, it was great to rewatch again. Yeah, I remember the first movie I saw him in, and it's one of the first memories of a movie that I have was when he was in Popeye. Oh yeah, and Shelley Duvall was in that too, wasn't she? Yeah, Shelley Duvall was Olive Oil and Popeye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're talking this is early '80s, and um, that, that's one of the first memories of a movie I ever have because I remember the house we were in when it came on, and I couldn't have been more than four or five. He yeah. was he was the perfect Popeye. You know, he really was. He right. had the face and everything down, and, and the mannerisms <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Just uh, he he is almost a real life cartoon character just yeah. in himself, you know. Yeah. And then the first serious role I ever saw him do was Goodwill Hunting. No, oh, yeah, I think before that maybe Fisher King. And then the Dead Poets Society. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big Terry Gilliam nut too, so I love the Fisher King. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, he made so many people laugh over the years, and was such an inspiration to so many people, and. um I mean, I don't think things helped like when his best friend, you know, Christopher Reeve passed away. No. I mean, those two, if you didn't know, they were best friends. I mean, they were, uh, they, they, I don't know if they were roommates while they went to the Juilliard School for Acting, but I mean, they were, that's where they met and, uh, in their acting classes at that school. And like, that's when they become like best friends. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you lose friends like that, and I'm sure like Christopher Reeves was a guy like he could call when he was being down. I mean, I'm sure those two shared many moments, and yeah, just to watch his friend go the way that he did, and, and that was sad too. But so, like my favorite movie of his of all time is going to be Goodwill Hunting because that movie speaks to me mm-hmm. every time I watch it. 
I get something different out of that movie. And uh, I'm also a big fan of What Dreams May Come. Oh yeah, but and uh, and then also The World According to Garp. Yeah. I love I love that movie. I haven't seen that in forever. I need to watch that again. John Lithgow. And, yeah. Doesn't he play like a cross-dresser in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a good movie. I love um, it. Birdcage is great with Nathan Lane yeah. and everything. And Williams is almost the the most normal person in that movie, and, you know, that's, which is almost a little bit of a difference for him. Well, it's just amazing how Robin Williams got to start anyway. I mean, he started off like a character on Happy Days. Yeah. He yeah. played Mork on Happy Days, and it went over so well, and they saw this guy was so talented that he got his own spinoff show. Yeah. You know? So, wow. That's something I didn't know until recently. I mean, not not just recently, but like, you know, some years ago, I I always just thought Mork and Mindy just was Mork and Mindy. I never even knew it was a Happy Day spinoff yeah. until reading some trivia years later. A lot of things came out of the Happy Day show. The whole term, yeah. uh, Jump the Shark, that came out of Happy Days. Like, there was an episode, like, the show had been, like, one of the strongest series of all times, and then all of a sudden there's an episode where Fonzie had to, like, he was skiing and did this stunt where he had to jump the sharks. Yeah. And that's where that term came from. Yeah, that trivia I did. Because that's know. when the show started to go That's when the show, really shitty. yeah, became, yeah. yeah, insane. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the plot line, because uh, when uh, Mork was on, because, was he trying to take Fonzie? Or was he trying to take Richie? I know he was there to take somebody, and Fonzie was using like his cool to combat his powers. Yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever seen an entire episode of Happy Days. I'm, I'm that's a blind spot for me. I like Happy Days. I yeah. like that good wholesome bullshit. Yeah, because yeah. it started off Fonzie was the asshole bully who was going to beat the shit out of Richie for sitting in his booth. What about the movie Patch Adams? Oh, Patch yeah. Adams is a good movie. Have I ever told you guys that two years I got to meet the real Patch Adams? Oh wow! Yeah. I got to meet the real Patch Adams, which yeah. kind of bizarre. He looked nothing like Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, the real Patch Adams was he black? No, uh, <laughs> the real Patch Adams uh, is like this six foot five guy, real thin, kind of lanky, <laughs> and had like a like a ponytail and a blue streak of like he dyed his hair blue, like he had the one blue streak and. Um, he was, he, he was basically the story was, um, he has a business partner, partner in Champaign, Illinois, and I was working at a bank at uh-huh. the time and his business partner set up his, the account for this, uh, new hospital that they were going to open. Okay. And so like, uh, he had, Patch Adams had to go in there to sign, you know, to be on this account with him as his business partner. And we had expected him to come in. There were some young kids from like his like school or whatever, his his clinic that came in there and kind of prepped us so that he was gonna be coming in and Okay. The day he came in, it was just like, Wow, here's the guy from that movie. <laughs> and he's just as bizarre and eccentric as you would expect from like the movie. Um I remember like um how out of nowhere he just started just they were setting up the account he'd look at the kids they just start talking about bizarre shit like out of nowhere he started talking about emily dickinson Oof. and started talking about how she was uh secluded and she wouldn't leave the house she's the poet yeah and yeah. she she wouldn't leave the house but she'd look out her window and write poems about what she saw out of her window and um one day he was he was talking about this he's like one day she saw uh, out the window, she was looking at a rock and she wrote a poem called How Happy is the Little Stone? 
And as he was reading this, like he had like this epiphany and it just hit him. And he said in the bank that I'm working at, I'm reading a poem about a fucking rock. <laughs> and I just started like, oh my gosh, this guy is just off the wall and bizarre. So I'm sitting at my desk and I'm listening in and, and I feel him looking right at me. Patch Adams, I can feel his eyes on me. I'm looking and I'm just typing. I'm like, God, I can feel him looking at me. He's going to say something. <laughs> so the bam, he says, hey, how do you get your hair that way? Because like I've got kind of like uh, spiky hair and shit like that. And, and, and me being me, I know this guy is like, you know, just gets the regular like deer in headlights responses from everybody and they just don't know how to take him. Um, I, so I, I just said, I hang upside down from my ceiling every morning and blast myself with hairspray. <laughs> and the guy is so eccentric and bizarre. It's not like he was even listening to me. He just went on and started talking about something else. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy. So, uh, yeah, met the real Patch Adams. That's my Patch Adams story. That's all I got for you. But back to Robin Williams. I mean, even after his death, he, I mean, he's leaving us with things to watch. Uh, Robin Williams has four unreleased movies that we have yet to see him in. It's kind of sad. Yeah, one's a Night at the Museum movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I read what the other ones were. Uh, he's going to appear in uh, Merry Friggin' Christmas. It's an indie comedy that's set for November 7th. Uh, Robin Williams and Joel McHale play a uh, father and son who hit the road to retrieve some forgotten gifts in time for the holidays. Um, it's also got uh, Wendy McLendon Covey, Lauren Graham, and then Oliver Pratt star in that movie. Uh, his other holiday release is going to be Night at the Museum. It's called The Secret of the Tomb, uh, which wrapped in May, and it's going to open December 19th. He plays Teddy <clears throat> Roosevelt in those, is that he right? He does, okay. yes. Uh, Williams, yeah, who's going to reprise his role as Teddy Roosevelt, and... Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see those. I think he always does a good job in those movies. Yeah, those movies are fun. Uh, next up for uh, Robin Williams is going to be, uh, it's called Absolutely Anything, and it's a mostly live-action comedy. It's in which uh, Williams voices the animated character of Dennis the Dog. Uh, Kate Beckinsale and Simon Pegg are uh, leading the non-animated cast. Hmm. Um, and then it looks like his uh, final movie um, Williams also has the Dito Montiel drama Boulevard, in which he plays a married man who picks up a gay hustler. Uh, that one premiered at Tribeca Film Festival earlier this year, uh, but uh, has yet to secure a theatrical distributor. Bob Odenkirk is also in that film, but I, I think we can expect to see that movie come out now. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, you know, beyond all that, Williams before his death and this was a few months ago that they kind of announced this he was planning on coming out with a mrs doubtfire 2 yeah i'd heard that and And, yeah i'm surprised also none of us mentioned um aladdin talk about that for a second i guess i I mean yeah talk about aladdin um, that was a huge movie i think um there's a whole generation that's probably sad about you know robin williams passing away associating him with the genie yeah and how huge of a character that was i mean and what a ahead of its time character too, pretty kind of almost inventing the goofy sidekick character in cartoon movies for right. the next, you know, 20 years to come after that. Yeah. And, you know, almost reinvented the whole genre kind of with that performance. Yeah. So, I mean, what an amazing performance. If they would have had, um, you know, Oscars for cartoons back then, I'm sure Aladdin would have, would have won that. Yeah. It was hilarious because he was very contemporary and would use things from modern times as props and stuff, and it's set back in whenever it was. 
So yeah, and it was truly Robin Williams too. I remember they had a direct-to-video sequel. It was like Aladdin Two: Return of Jafar, and they got um, Dan Castanella, who does the voice of uh, voice of Homer Simpson, to do it instead of Robin Williams. Right. And it was just disappointing. Yeah, like, and I love Dan Castanella too. You know, he's great. But yeah, but it, it how was, can you how can you fill Robin Williams' shoes? He's it, a legend. Exactly. Born in Chicago. Oh, nice. His personality was just electric. Yeah. Dan Castanella just couldn't even come close to it. They, you know, I wish they wouldn't even have bothered with it. Any final thoughts on Robin Williams before I ended on something here? No, no, no. I mean, I could talk on and on about how much, you know. But oh, Baron von Munchausen. Yeah. That, I love that movie, and just his clip in that was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he he was great just for his little blip in AI. Yeah. Where he's like the fortune teller yep. in AI and everything, you know. So, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. It's a sad, sad thing. And and it. when I first heard about it, it was just like, I don't know, man. It just really upset me. I had the. it was so shocking to me. I thought it was just, you know how it's always a hoax. Everyone's always dead every other day yeah. on the Internet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, geez, now it's the Robin Williams hoax. And then it's right. like, oh, man, friends are texting me and everything. Right. So it's nuts. When they're linking it, though, to a credible website, then that's that's when usually you can tell. I'm with you because I always think it's a bunch of bullshit. But I had the same – I mean nowhere near the same gravity did it hit me, but I had the same reaction when Paul Walker actually died because yeah. I think it was a week before that they were running a hoax saying that he yes. had died. So yes, people they thought, did. They yeah. did. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't think I've had a fr- multiple friends text me about a celebrity passing away since Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, right? Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, you, have, you do you guys remember like the, the? I'm sure they still have it, but the like the text service called Cha Cha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there was one called KGB, and I actually like did like side work for KGB. People would like text in their questions and I would get on my computer and answer their questions and I got paid like 25 cents for each original answer and like I think 15 cents or 10 cents for like each like pre-generated answer. Okay. The and they they would like text you if they needed help on the on on these lines and the day that Michael Jackson passed away, I mean it blew up. We need more agents on here like they needed, you know, people were just flipping out and freaking out that Michael Jackson passed away. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, it was nuts. So yeah, I think since then, I ha- there hasn't been a bigger reaction as for a celebrity death to me. I hate to get really, really deep here. Yeah, but do you think that sometimes these Hollywood deaths are attributed to the fact that they are part of this Hollywood scene, like? Michael Jackson, had he not been this amazing, you know, king of pop, just grown up and lived a regular life and not had the pressure from his parents and Robin Williams being in the spotlight all the time and having to, you know, perform and work and and hearing criticism when he's such a sensitive guy and you can tell that he is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, do you think that Hollywood and, and, and these things pay a part in you know, let's say Robin Williams just is a regular guy that worked at like a Ace Hardware store. Yeah. Do you think that Hollywood plays a part in sometimes the demise of these people? Some people can handle it. Some people can't. I think yes and no. I think, you know, yes and no. In an alternate reality where Michael Jackson didn't have all the fame and everything, you know, right. yeah, you know, maybe all that wouldn't happen. And 
maybe the same goes for Robin Williams too. But then again, maybe not, you know. Maybe his problem was his problem, and maybe Robin Williams working at Ace Hardware is so stressed out about what the customers think that the same you know the same thing happens. Right. I mean, it's hard to say. I still got to think though that I mean, all that plays a part. It's one thing when you know your boss gives you a mediocre review at work or something. Then it's another thing when you see headline after headline or news clip after news clip about why this or that didn't succeed because his show with Sarah Michelle Geller got canceled. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That that might have hit him kind of hard. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people say stuff like that, but it's not like the guy was having problems getting work. You know, I don't I don't think it was so much of that. I mean, that's why we have four more movies coming out still. Yeah, I mean, he was on project after project after project. You know, I, I don't. I'm sure he did have problems. You know, reading bad criticisms, but I, I think at the end of the day, if this. He just had his own issues. It's all internal is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, we hear about Robin Williams. We hear about these stars overdosing and taking their lives. But this is something that affects everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I don't know, most people, unless you've had an amazing life, at one point in time, you thought, man, you know, I've, if you've gone through a rough time, you've, you've thought about suicide. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get too deep and I'm not trying to. But I think everybody has at least some time in their life thought about it. Yeah, that's you know we're getting all it's like the leftovers now for I real. Know, I, know. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying to be real here. You know. I mean, it's it's something like sometimes the, like the shit just piles up, and I think everybody's gotten to that point in their life that man, God, if I just ended it all, I wouldn't have to deal with this shit anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I agree exactly with what you're saying. I think. To each different person, what the shit piling up does to them, does to them is something right. completely different, you sure. know? And some people can handle the shit piling up on them, you know? And it doesn't, you know, send you into that kind of thing. And some people can't handle it, you know? And yeah. that's, you know, people just need to reach out for support. Yeah. And be able to talk to someone and open up to someone, I think. I hope a lot of other comedians and people out there in Hollywood that are, like, thinking about anything like that because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with any of these actors i mean for all we know there's a star out there that saw this happen and it opened up their eyes and like like now they're seeking some help and some treatment so yeah you know what i mean yeah that it would be bizarre if there was you know more of this kind of thing happening with celebrities then it would be almost be undeniable what you're saying is maybe it is this lifestyle yeah but yeah i don't know um, I just wanted to finish with a uh, – Robin Williams, his wife, made a statement after he died, and I just wanted to read it if it's okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Ro- she says, uh, Robin spent so much of his life helping others, whether he was entertaining millions on stage, film, or television, our troops on the front lines, or comforting a sick child. Robin wanted us to laugh and feel less afraid. Since his passing, all of us who loved him from the millions of people whose lives he touched um, – his greatest legacy besides his three children is the joy and happiness he offered to others, particularly to those fighting personal battles. Robin's sobriety was intact and he was a brave and he was brave as he struggled with his own battle of depression, anxiety, as well as early stages of Parkinson's disease, which he was not yet ready to share publicly. It is our hope in the wake of Robin's tragic pre- uh, passing that others will find the strength to seek the care and support they need to treat whatever battles they are facing so they may feel less afraid. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, another thing I, I wanted to bring up real quick before we move on is there's been a lot of real just jerky internet trolls, too. I know I've stayed away from that. I don't want to read that bullshit. Yeah, and I and I'm not going to quote any of that stuff, but like to the point where his daughter has now had to leave Twitter and Instagram and everything cuz people are harassing her and stuff like that. You know, don't be a fucking troll, people. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have criticisms and argue with someone and disagree, but to be hateful just to enjoy being being hateful. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. Even to the point where I've seen some people on Facebook say something as simple as, okay, he's gone. It's sad. Can we move on now? I mean, nobody's going to stop talking about it. They're just making an ass of themselves. Yeah. That's very trollish behavior to me. Yeah, I don't even want to. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about them. Fuck them. So, but yeah, I just wanted to say how much that disheartens me to see, like, his family members being harassed and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So on an upside, though, I, I think I've seen quite a bit more, you know, positive, you know, supportive reactions and people being genuinely sad as opposed to that stuff. Yeah. We're not trying to be a downer on the show, but, you know, this is a pop culture show and Robin Williams, I think, has affected us all through. I mean, we've grown up with Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah I remember there being talk, um, rumor that he might get to be the Joker in a Batman movie. I mean, uh, he wanted the to Riddler be the Joker too. and the Riddler. Yeah, that being a big thing. That would have been awesome. Too bad we never got that. Too bad Jim Carrey was the hottest ticket then in town. Yeah. Because, man, I, uh, well, they even, he even talked to Christopher Nolan about being the Riddler, I believe. Yeah, I think that happened too. Yeah, I, I don't mind that Robin Williams didn't touch that Joel Schumacher movie. <laughs> right, right. But, but yeah, that would have been great. Like the Riddler, the serious Riddler in an well, old yeah, movie. Yeah, you look at some of like the uh, darker portrayals of him in movies. What was the movie? Uh, like one hour photo. One hour photo. Yeah. He definitely could have pulled it off. This guy had such a range. I mean, he's one of these actors that have the range. They can do comedy. They can do drama. They can do, they can do a horror film. I mean, you're looking at guys like, you know, like Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. And, uh, that, that can that can pull these roles off. Um, he's one of them, and, and it's a sad day that uh, you know that we won't get anything new after these four movies come out. So yeah, I decide. Um, we're gonna take a break. I don't feel like we should just like jump into our regular banter and wackiness. Um, so we're just gonna take a quick break here before we come back, and um, yeah, then we'll we'll start off with uh, with good pop, bad pop, maybe some other things. All right, hey, we're back. All right, um, let's see. I want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, we, I'm starting a, uh, and I announced this on Facebook. I'm starting an NBA fantasy league for the leftover army. Yeah, go, go. I hope you win. I hope I win too. I'll be honest with you. Last year, I didn't do too well in the NBA fantasy league, but. In all fairness, when I went through the draft process, I kind of got fucked. I went to select one player, and it, it, it and it gave me another player, and how, I was a little pissed. How many people you got so far? Uh, I think we got uh, eleven people so far. I oh, think nice, but nine of them have actually officially joined. So I mean, if these are, if these, if they don't join, uh, it looks like I got eleven spots left. So if you want to join, if you're interested in playing in our uh, leftover league, uh, 
send an email to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com with the subject Leftover League. And as soon as I get that, as soon as I read it, I'll send you an invite and you can join the league. There might be a prize for the winner. And I'm talking a cool fucking prize. They'll definitely get name dropped on this show and that'll impress everyone they know. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be laughing, Frank. No. <laughs> Nothing's bigger than a name drop on I've Pop Culture an, Leftovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking I'm going to go over the prize with you, Jake, when we break or something like that. And if you go for it, then we'll do it. All right. Cool. So, all right. Let's see here. Um, how's everybody? I don't know, man. How's everybody been? I've been okay. I got my company ball game tomorrow. Um we get box seats at Bush Stadium every year, and if you're a manager, you get to go. Best, Bush. Best seats in the house, too, Frank. Frank's giving me the O face. I love the Cardinals. Yeah, Frank. I'm not even a big fan, so that should make you hate me even more. No. But you can't help but go. You're right behind home plate. Um, it's like the box. There's a private bathroom, fully stocked alcohol in the fridges and cabinets. That is amazing. You got catered in food and shit? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, every year I go. This will be like the sixth or seventh year in a row. That's yeah, that, awesome. yeah. That's why we're recording on a Saturday this week. So, yep, yeah, I'm messing everything up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wanted to make the announcement because we're recording on a sta- Saturday and we're starting late. We're not going to have any emails this week. Yeah. And we're doing the same thing next week. We're recording on a Saturday, so no emails. We just won't have the time. We wouldn't get out of here until really late. Yeah, you guys can blame me for that one. I got to drive in the morning to this game. But episode fifty-seven, we are going to tackle all of the emails that I've gotten piled up. So. Don't worry. I've got your emails. They're ready to go. I'm going to read them on episode 57. Yeah, we will tell everyone why they're wrong. So this is our double nickels episode, but 57, <laughs> that's our uh, Heinz ketchup episode, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, that is how that works. Yeah. The, in poker, they call that the hand, too. Yeah. God, for our 69 episode, oh, I don't, hell. Frank, you're not showing up. <laughs> yeah, that shit's just me and Brian. <laughs> but who's going to run the camera? Uh, we don't do a video podcast, Frank. Yeah, Purely right. audio only. Yeah. yeah. You don't need any help with that. Hey, Jake, on the last episode, you'd commented about if I hated Michael Bay so much, why did I have uh, Transformers Age of Extinction? Oh, you've had a whole cover. fucking week to think about it. So no, I no, can't no. Wait I listened to, to that yesterday. I can't wait to hear your fucking bullshit <laughs> rebuttal because you've had a whole goddamn week. Well, to prove to it, if you go back through my timeline, I'd put that up at the same time as I changed my profile picture to Optimus Prime doing a facepalm. Mm-hmm. So it was the intent that if you looked at my profile, you got that bullshit in the background and Optimus going, oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm supposed so, to relate your cover photo to your profile yeah, picture. Yeah. Gotcha. That was the yeah. intent. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's followed by me and Jake doing the facepalm for your bullshit excuse. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, that, that's exactly what it was for. I did that immediately after I saw that pile of shit. So on a side note, though, uh, as much as uh, – and we, we talked about all this on Facebook about the Michael Bay involvement. And I do agree with you, by the way, what you said last week where people were saying that the re- actual reviewers were calling him out on it. Now, that is bullshit. You're talking about Teenage Mutant know. Ninja Turtles, right? Yeah, yeah. That is bullshit because those guys should fucking know. But I will say that my my kid made me go see that with him, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No. It, it really wasn't. I was expecting it to be a complete pile of shit. But I mean, there were, I definitely you know I I would give it an extremely weak taste. It because like you said, it's a kids movie. But if you kind of just paid attention to the turtles, they were kind of fun. So 
it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Although Megan Fox is horrible and she needs to quit getting face jobs now. <laughs> yeah, Megan Fox, not good. Not good. Nope. Who could have been better? <laughs> as a better April O'Neil? Emma Stone? Oh, yeah. hell yes. Yeah. God, anyone could be fucking better than – Whoopi Goldberg would have been better as April O'Neil than Megan <laughs> Fox. Yeah. <laughs> You could have got any of those chicks from the fucking view and they would have been better. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Get them, any of them. Right. Uh, Megan Fox. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to move on to Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yeah, drop it. All right. Good Pop, Bad Pop. Yeah. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right. According to Billboard.com, the compilation of songs picked out by writer-director James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy, best known as what we call it, the Awesome Mix Volume 1, has not only reached the top of the Billboard 200, but is the first soundtrack ever to do so without featuring a single new song. Instead, the album only consists of pop and rock songs, that were released in the 1960s and 1970s. That's awesome. Fucking A, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm surprised it's the first time that's been done. You and know? it was James Gunn in a movie called <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Brilliant. <laughs> it is. It's brilliant. It is. Yeah. I'm not being sarcastic. Holy fucking shit. This movie has created such a fucking stir in pop culture. That these songs resonated so much with people, so much, that our listener Dan West had never heard Come and Get Your Love, but now he said he's listened to it 200 fucking times because yeah. he's, he loves the song now. It's great. It's great. Be careful when uh, you're trying to Spotify that song because there's two different um, versions that have been recorded by the same artist. One's a little bit slower and one's a little bit faster. I thought you were going to say, like, the second one is kind of like the movie The Ring. If you listen to it, you've got 24 hours to live. Oh, Be no. careful. Don't listen to that second one. You'll have some freaky bitch with fucking well, fucked up hair coming up through the fucking toilet trying to kill you. Yeah. Shit. It's really odd, though, because there, there's, there are real subtle differences between the two. Yeah. But, like, the, the hook is you, Yeah, you want the original one played in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you want me to talk about a couple games... And they're not they're not video games, but they were released. Um, real quickly, yeah, I, go for it. Um, I noticed this week that they released um the high def clip of Baby Dancing Groot all over the place. Did you see how that got dropped? I you, saw you, how it got dropped. I didn't watch the video though. Yeah, it's I um I kind of think that the reason that that clip is available on high def from all these outlets is because they're getting ready. To, they're going to make this toy. They want to sell a ton of this toy. Well, people are already starting to make the Groot. Yeah. on Etsy, and you can buy one on Etsy if you want to. I think they're making them out of like styrofoam and painting them and stuff like that. But they don't dance. Yeah, exactly. I, right. I'm pretty sure that they're making this this clip right. so everyone can see it, whether you see the movie or not, so they can just sell as many and make this right. thing the hottest. It's going to be the Tickle Me Elmo of 2014. Yeah. Was- I, yeah I, after fucking uh, San Diego Comic-Con's episode, I'm ready for a laughing, drinking, snorting Frank. <laughs> Yeah. Tune you know in next I mean? year, you'll hear it. Right. <laughs> you'll have to video that one. Did, it was either IGN or Nerd Bastards when I clicked on the link for the Baby Dancing Groot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had an article in there, and that was James Gunn 
who did that. Oh yeah, I read that too. It. James Gunn did that. He said a couple of his friends actually busted him out and said, "We recognize those dance moves." Yeah, he made everybody leave the room because he was too embarrassed. But that's that's great. That's hilarious. It what is, were these dancing moves? James Gunn did the mocap for Baby Dancing Group. No shit. Yeah, yeah that's all James Gunn dancing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And he said he knew he what what song he wanted to put it to before he ever even put it together. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Yeah, he said he tried to keep it under wraps, but like literally a couple of his friends busted set him out for for recognizing the moves very cool <laughs> all right i want to talk about two games uh today and they're not video games uh the first one it's called marvel dice masters um avengers versus x-men uh, i already want to play this game uh it's a uh, card game that sets two players in the role of masterminds that are controlling the actions of teams that consist of powerful heroes that are pitted against one another uh, each turn starts with a roll of the dice dictating your available resources and how you can send team members into the field and to strike your opponent, reducing the opposing mastermind's life to zero. If you do that, you win the you win the game. Yeah, this sounds right up my alley. Sounds no. just like magic. Yeah, a little bit. It's like you're the Beyonder, though. It's like you're the Beyonder staging your own secret wars. Yes. <laughs> if you're interested, you can visit WizKids event system to find a partic- uh, participating retailer that's located near you. You can register now to play in the event for your chance to win the exclusive, some of their exclusive prizes. Uh, for more additional game information, you can also visit the Dice Masters official website. Yeah, so, well, there you go, Frank. WizKids is uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, Junior Division who makes magic. Ah, oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Jake, you tried to get me into magic a couple weeks ago, and I started playing it, but I kind of side-shifted into Hearthstone. Oh, so. yeah, you dirty traitor. Let's talk <laughs> about this game, you dirty Hearthstone player. But um, yeah, the dice game sounds great, though. Is it just one dice? Are they special dice for characters, or is it just a controlled dice for the game? I guess I'd have to go to the website and You're find out. You're getting into some of the logistics I don't know about, Chief. I'm yeah. sorry, man. I love Those are like, I love those types of games. Yeah. Any kind of collectible card game. You know, I'm, I'm just creating awareness. Yeah. I've awareness always- for the game. It's out there. Um, let me name the game real quick, and you can finish your thought. It's uh, Marvel Dice Masters Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah, I got super excited at first when you brought it up because I've always wanted a collectible dice game where instead of a sealed cards in a bag, you get a sealed dice in a bag. Uh-huh. And you don't know what kind of dice you're going to get. And each dice would represent a different hero or villain. And each dice would have different amounts of sides and different, like, things on each side and everything why aren't you jake there is an avenue for this why are you not doing this on fucking kickstarter yeah i shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast (laughs) now you've got you know we've got listeners that play games austin shadow and kevin sparenberg who i kevin sparenberg is doing a uh both austin and kevin are doing a dungeons and dragons podcast right now which Kevin, I'm gonna listen to the episode, uh, I'm gonna listen to your episode that you put out and I'm definitely gonna plug you on the next show. But, you know, Austin Shadowin does his own Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So like, Jake, wh- you know, seriously, you're just like leaking. This could be like a million dollar idea. <laughs> yeah. You could be featured on Kickstarter next week, but your dumb ass is fucking telling everybody, <laughs> everybody about your idea. And I think it's a genius idea. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I think. I just don't think it's genius that you're telling everybody about it. <laughs> Our listeners are gonna gank your fucking shit, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, no kidding. I, I don't know what I was talking about. Yeah. Ignore, ignore everything. <laughs> you know what? The best thing about doing a podcast, I can edit. Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Yeah. I like your Vampire Weekend t-shirt, by the way, Chief. Thank you. Yeah. I bought it at the show. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, I'm off the rails. Who gives a fuck? That's what Pop Culture Leftovers is about, right? Yeah, we go off the rails. No shit, Frank. You went off the rails a few weeks ago, didn't you, you son of a bitch? Oh, holy shit. Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. He didn't even use the rails. No fuck. Ozzy Osbourne can sing the song, but you know what? That motherfucker is your engineer. Fuck no. And you were Ozzy Osbourne behind a fucking train. You were going off the rails on a crazy train, you motherfucker. <laughs> I had not realized until I listened to last week's intro that I really talked about Gal Gadot's wig. Oh my much. god! And I even left out a couple clips from Did you just? saying it because I was like, "Oh, three's enough." <laughs> yeah, three, three's enough. Three's company, but my god, dude, you, there was like four or five of them. She looks like a woman wearing a wig. I can imagine. The, <laughs> like the last thing I remember about that podcast from being here was the Mike Tyson stuff, and then that's it. I checked out. Yeah. Dude, it was <laughs> yeah. fucking nuts. I can imagine. IPod, iPads flying everywhere. And that literally does not no happen shit. with me. I, it was I, a Frank Nado. Yeah. There were, there were uh, iPads going all over the fucking place. Yeah, I got the fucking crack. I was not here. <laughs> Seriously, I was worried for you. It does, yeah, it was, it does not happen. The last time I got that drunk was on my bachelor party two years ago, and I did that on purpose. I was at home and sure, ready for it. Sure. It's a safe, it's a safe environment. Yeah, this was not intentional at all. Right. But yeah, I fucked up, but yeah. We love you, though, man. Yeah, we're glad I, you're back. I'm honored that we're his safe place and he, yeah. he can be that comfortable. On a slightly you. serious note, I, I'm really glad. I mean, there was Oh, you put that, Adam Sandler's happy place to fucking shame. <laughs> He's got midgets on fucking, like, you know, little tricycles and shit and women serving him beer and fucking, like, lacy garments and shit. <laughs> you know, you put him to fucking shame. <laughs> Your fucking happy place was, like, oh. Mike Tyson in a fucking Western outfit. Yeah. Like, solving mysteries with you. And that you were great. just, you were going off. It was fucking Insane. I've showed that to people, but I mean, I wasn't expecting that. To you come actually up, showed that to people? The uh, Mike Tyson mysteries? Oh, I thought no, you did the no, episode. Not the podcast, no, the- no. I mean, I'm I'm honestly really embarrassed about it. A, a couple of listeners picked up on it, and like David Isaac and Dan West, uh, you know, they mentioned like, okay, Frank owned up to it, and he didn't mean to, and let's like move on. It doesn't bother me a lot. I mean, I'm a little embarrassed that it happened. I felt bad that I did that with you guys on you know the Comic Con episode. But uh, yeah, no, but, don't no. Now it's a fucking tradition. But it's one thing if you're ready Seriously. for it, and that's what we're going for. Seriously, you got some people like fucking you know putting like uh, you know decorations on their Christmas tree every fucking year. But no, <laughs> you know our tradition, our tradition isn't any of that shit. You know, our tradition is having you getting fucked up up a bottle of UV vodka every fucking episode. I, Not every episode, but every San Diego Comic Con episode. <laughs> I swear, my mission this week is going to be to find a. Uh, copy of the Gal Gadot wig and then paste it over myself when I was bald and make that my profile picture. I told you last week I called it that Frank yeah. would have the Gal Gadot wig on in the profile <laughs> pic. It's not done yet. <laughs> Jay, here are really digging these fruit slices. <laughs> I can't stop. Jesus, man. Okay, Jake, 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 before we started recording again, he's like, Brian, do you want to, do you want a fruit slice? Like these Brock's fruit slices. Every time I look at you, it looks like you got a fucking like dip in your mouth, dude, because you're like, you're eating so many of these fucking fruit slices. Holy shit, dude. This is like where Jake gets all of his vitamin C from all these fucking, from fucking candy. God damn it, Jake. <laughs> Jake's got his head down just laughing. It's hilarious. He's just chewing. He's like, let me chew my fucking slice. You're going to make me choke? 
You better eat your fruit slice before I'm gonna I stop. kill you for it. No, I'm going to stop. Yeah, no shit. Dude, he laid one out for me and he totally snaked it back. Where'd it go? <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, he did. It was a great one. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to stop right now and I, I, I'm going to say this seriously because I, I always think about saying this kind of stuff for <laughs> the podcast, but I never do. And I give you guys a lot of shit, and I uh, and I kind of I'm an asshole sometimes, but I do have two of the best podcast hosts on the show with me right now. And oh. I, I mean it. This I, is real. I appreciate it, even even when I'm chewing on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Frank, you know whether whether you're you're in here and you're you're incoherent and not making any sense at all, whether you're drunk or not, which seems to happen to be the case, but. I, you're great. I'm, I'm glad that you come on the show every week. Um, I'm glad you finally got on over the fact that you are not a leftover and you stopped fucking pissing and moaning about that bullshit. I never bitched about that. Yeah, you did. I'm not tasty enough to be a leftover. <laughs> that was a joke. One time. In one, an time. one time. I'm not going to let you live it down, you motherfucker. Yeah, right, right. No, but I, you got. You gave me my own drop, man. Who else has got that? I don't well, know. I do. Not. Jake, Jake has a drop that says Jake sucks. <laughs> Peening, but yeah. No, it, it's special, man. It's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. You have no idea. I've been kind of bummed the past couple weeks not being able to be on, but. It, oh, we needed that break. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, you know, I, I like, okay, like, uh, like a married couple and they got their kids around them all the time. They love their kids, but every once in a while they just gotta get the fuck away from them. You know, they don't wanna fucking go to Disneyland on vacation or Six Flags or wherever the fuck parents go. They wanna fucking go to Rio, okay? That's what they wanna fucking do. They wanna fucking go to Las Vegas. I can't take, fuck it, take you to fucking Las Vegas? Oh, jeez. It'd be like the fucking hangover all over again. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Two bottles of UV vodka later, we're trying to piece okay. the night together. Yeah, Frank's got a face tattoo and a baby, <laughs> a baby monkey and a western hat on yeah, holy shit <laughs> we like no seriously guys you guys are the best you guys are the best and i don't tell you that enough but you guys are the best and i mean that ah, i appreciate it and it's- i told jake if jake if you ever leave the show i'm done the show's over yeah i'm not going nowhere it, it's too much fun this is our release every week you know Right. Well, I've got a few releases throughout the week. They usually take place in my bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm using a pop culture leftover spanker chip, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Quit hoarding out in the spanker chip, man. You, gotta, you share the company on those. Ooh, no, no, no. All right. Well, individuals. No, we're not sharing one single spanker chief, Frank. We'll each get our own. I'm married. I don't got to deal with that anymore. Oh, no, yeah. You, got you, don't, you don't get sex at all <laughs> when you're married. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's exactly that's when you needed more spanker chiefs. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you didn't know me when I was single, man. It, it, yeah. Taking those long showers when you're married, right? Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> what's that other game you were going to talk about, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> it not be Dirty Cookie or some shit. All right. The second game I want to talk about is based on the uh, Valiant, Valiant Comics. Uh, I don't know. I don't think any of you are reading any of the Valiant comics. I read them in the day. Exo Manowar and yes. Harbinger and yeah. um, Archer and Armstrong. Right. And, and Quantum and Woody, Shadow Man. Turok was one back Turok, in the day. Eternal Warrior. But uh, this, uh, there's a uh, another game. It's called Valiant Universe. And it's, uh, it's from Catalyst Games Labs. And it's based on the Q system rules originally developed by Catalyst Game Labs Cosmic Patrol, which is another game they have. It's a game that's inspired by the golden age of science fiction. Uh, now, this Valiant Universe game is a standalone game that requires only dice and friends. Pretty awesome. 
the Q system style of RPGs is to create a lightweight game system that gets out of the way during gameplay hmm. uh, and then doesn't interfere with the story that the group is telling at the table. Uh, this game is a lot looser than a lot of the uh, role-playing games, and it isn't as structured as a controlled narrative. Uh, in the Valiant Universe role-playing game, you aren't playing a collection of powers or stats. You're playing a character in a story. Yeah. In addition to the statistics for each of the characters, you'll also have various cues for them. And this is where the cue system takes its name, name from. Cues are hooks into a character. They can also be quotes or statements, but the idea is to help you, the role player, understand a character and then help to fit them into the story. Stories also have their own version of cues that are called tags and serve as the same sort of purpose. Now, in this game, you re- you create your character, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, everything in character creation is player-driven, so that means that each choice has to be made by the player. You do have a game master, or what Valiant likes to call a lead narrator in the game, but it switches from person to person, with each person playing being the lead narrator at least once during gameplay. Now, that's interesting. That is very interesting. That's really what sets it apart from just being a D&D clone. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the game sounds very immersive, and you're able to play characters from the Valiant universe. So, uh, Shadow Man, Exo Man of War, uh, even Quantum and Woody. So check it out. You can get more info at CatalystGameLabs.com. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition just came out, too, last month, you know? Yes. Yeah, Kevin Sparenberg was asking me if I was going to be playing that. I haven't... You know, I haven't played D&D probably since in my 20s. Yeah. You know? It's a lot of fun. And you know what? Fuck everybody. I have done some live-action role-playing before. <laughs> I've LARPed before. You know what? I, I I need to ask the listeners for some help. There's a movie I'm trying to identify, but I can't remember that. Maybe you know it, too. Yeah. But it's all these kids are LARPing in this building. It's like, and this crazy, it's a horror movie, and this crazy monkey gets loose. Oh, no, and starts killing these people while they're LARPing. Frank was like, Frank like knew what you were Frank, talking like, about. Knew, yeah. And as soon as you well, said the monkey, yeah. Frank was yeah. like, yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. out. I'm out. No, there was a movie, uh, I think it's called Gamers. I'd have to double check with the wife because she had me watch it a few years back. That's got some people live action role playing. But it's kind of similar to like the guild. Kind of. Yeah. So I, I didn't know if that was where you were going with it. But, yeah, once you said the bit about the monkey, that was yeah, not Yeah, but what one of our listeners know what you're talking about. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think the movie's the name of the monkey. And, and they're like, it's an abandoned building, so they use it for their LARPing, and then it's like LARPing gone wrong, the horror movie with the crazy monkey. Right. I mean, the movie is horrible. All right, guys, got a question for you. Yeah. Favorite talking monkey, go. Gosh, I can't even quickly name a talking monkey besides. Come on, Grape Ape, Lancelot Link. Come on, keep them going, motherfucker. Gorilla Grodd is the first one that <laughs> came up Grodd. in my head. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> I got a goat. Well, Grape Ape, I guess. I, I don't know. Grape Ape. Grape Ape. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going with Lancelot Link. Lancelot Link, Secret yeah. Secret Chimp. I used to watch that on uh, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon all the time. back in the day, yeah. yeah. All right, I don't know why the fuck I brought that up. <laughs> anyway, all right. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys have anything for Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. I don't know what kind of week you guys had. I went and saw a movie this week. Yeah, please, you did, you did. <clears throat> Tell me about your movie. Yeah, I went and saw The Giver. Um, now I've never read the book, but it's based off of a popular youth adult book. Okay. Um, a lot of people say it's like kind of the, the big one that kind of set the youth adult wave going, you know, with, um, 
kind of like the Maze Runner and the Hunger Games, kind of that feeling. Type. I saw the Maze Runner trailer. Yeah. And uh, real quick, what are you guys thinking about the Maze Runner trailer? <laughs> I think Maze Runner looks good. I, well, I'm yeah. excited for it. it. Doesn't? I'm not thinking it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Right. But I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, it looks exciting. It's fun to see these movies that I don't know much about. And right. just kind of see see what happens, you know? Right. Even but, after Frank sees him, half the time he doesn't know much about him anyway. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, Frank. I, I, I love am. you. But yeah, I went and saw The Giver. Who's um, the director? The director is Duncan Jones, um, and it stars um, Jeff Bridges, Meryl Streep. I've seen the previews for this, yes. Yes. What'd you think? It was okay. It was a low taste it for me. Okay. I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of go on and on without spoiling the, the junk out of it. Right. But just um, – it's it's very strange. It basically takes place in a future and you don't know what year it is and whatever's happened. But now they have like a better society. And in this society, no one really has feelings anymore. No one knows love. No one knows hate. Right. Everything's just functional. Everyone, yeah. you, it's like the law to use words, only words that are functional. You can't be vague about anything. But they feel like this is a better society. Yeah, no one knows any better. Right. And one person has to be like the guy that remembers everything the way it used to be, basically. Okay. And, and how is he treated in the film? Is he like – is he like uh, secluded to like uh, a certain area, or is this a yeah. guy that's able to walk about freely? He's able to walk about freely. Okay. And it, a lot of my problems with this movie is that I was the world was really fascinating, but they didn't really do much in the way of explaining how anything got to be the way it was. So great concept, horrible execution. Yeah, great concept, horrible execution. Right, like this show. Yeah, <laughs> um, almost. Very- <laughs> it's not even a great concept. What am I fucking kidding myself? For? <laughs> it kind of had similarities to Pleasantville and the style of it, in, in that the whole movie was in black and white. Because, oh, because yeah. the characters had so little emotion that they didn't even see color anymore. Oh wow! And so the movie would represent that by being literally in black and white. Yeah. And then the character who would receive all of the old memories from Jeff Bridges' character, who Jeff Bridges plays the giver. Yeah. And he gives this kid who's going to be the new person that has all these memories, the memories, he starts to see things in color and okay. starts to see emotion. And then the movie opens up in color after that. Right. Is there a scene in this movie where there's a woman in black and white in a tub and then she uses the faucet to like make herself orgasm? Whoa. <laughs> that does not happen. Oh, that's just pleasant, Phil. No, the, mem- <laughs> the memories bring the color, not the sex. Wasn't that a fucking disturbing film? Yeah, uh, the scene in that movie? Yeah. 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 Pleasantville was, was an interesting movie. It was an interesting movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, I'm glad I saw it. Um, I'm I'm not going to give it a low taste. I'm going to go ahead and give it a toss it, I think, though. Okay. All right. Wow. On the fly. Yeah. Boom. Jake is just, you know, like, more I talk about this, he's like, fuck that movie. Toss it. I feel feel like (laughs) saying things like low tasted is a cop out. If I'm low tasting it, I might as well just toss this thing. Right. Right. Well, I guess low tasted is just like your McDonald's menu, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I the when it was over, it felt like it just got interesting. Yeah, like the and I don't want to talk about how it ends, but when it ends, you're like, oh, and then it's credits. That sucks. That always sucks because like, um, there's certain movies that I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. John yeah. Carter. Okay, yeah. But like at the end of that movie, that's when it really started to open up, and I was just like, I can't wait to see where this goes. And the only place that it went was like it was a bomb in the fucking box office, and I'm never gonna get to <laughs> fucking see a sequel. Exactly. But it really opened up at the end there, and really 
I wanted to see where it goes, but I hate it when a movie ends like that. Yeah. Where they don't, where they don't grab you in the second act. Yeah. And this was a really short movie and I didn't know that going in. It was probably only like an hour and a half, hour 40 minutes max. That must have been good for you. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that going in. So it made the ending seem even more abrupt. Like the Uh, second it got interesting, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see. Oh, yeah. End credits. God damn it. Wow. Yeah. Did they set it up for a sequel? I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about the book series. I, I, I think it's just a one, one go. Yeah. And and I like I said I maybe in a couple episodes I I'll, I'll give everyone a couple more weeks to see it. Should I just go ahead and blurt out with it? Yeah, well, a spoiler? Yeah, spoiler. Nah, let's not do a spoiler. But like, what's like the main thing? Like, what's the main concept of this movie to like really make like the? That's like, the, the problem with the spoiler thing. It's really <laughs> it, yeah. You need that in order to give the yeah. It's like at the end, did it mean this or did it mean that? Right. And whichever it meant kind of defines what the movie's point was in the first place is it up to the viewer to figure that out i feel like it is up to the viewer to figure that out okay so it's it's really so depending on the viewer they might get like they might give it a taste a viewer might give it a taste sure i know i've heard from people that have read the book aren't too big on this adaptation i guess they were they kind of made some weird changes i guess in the book when the giver gives the receiver the, the memories he doesn't remember them anymore right and they're gone forever, and the movie didn't do any of that. Hmm. And I guess the, even the ending is a little bit tweaked from the uh, from the book. I guess the book is even more vague than the movie, which is insane. Which but. is bizarre. Which, what's which kind of like bizarre for me, like listening to you talk about this, yeah. is like I can expect this kind of a review from somebody that actually watched uh, that read the book. Yeah, but you're coming like fresh in, not reading the book, and you're still kind of like wishy-washy on this movie like you know what i mean you didn't really care for it all that much yeah i didn't really know at all what was going to happen in this movie like i i kind of came in it i oops i'm spilling drinks now i've turned into frank nato wow (laughs) (laughs) i've passed the gene oh shit don't no one get shocked you got that yeah i got it yeah so yeah i lost my train of thought on that shit knocking over drinks um but yeah i i see what you're saying i i didn't even read the books but it just it just felt kind of flat to me yeah. It felt like a, a really interesting world they created that they kind of explored in, in all the wrong ways. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a miss. I, I I don't recommend anyone to see this movie in the theaters. I mean, save your eight bucks. Maybe red box this thing. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about uh, – no, thanks for the review because that's going to save me some money from going into the theater. So, yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Save your time. Save your money. Yeah. Did you say Redbox this? Yeah, Redbox it. Okay. I, I'm interested in talking about it with someone else who's seen it. Yeah. Like, because it, it does leave some discussion. Yeah. So. Maybe send Jake an email and, uh, you know, we can uh, maybe bring that up on our email show. We're going to do a big email show on 57. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll do a spoiler thread on the Facebook or something. Sure. Too. Um, I wanted to talk. There's a 10-day auction. For the holy grail of all comic books, and it started on Thursday. What's going on? Oh, nothing. I've got... What, what's going on? All right, let's pause it's here. Night. Huh? It's Saturday night. That it is. <laughs> it's Saturday night? It's Saturday night. Okay. Is Elton John coming over? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Saturday night's <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> it's all right with me. <laughs> So, sorry. All right, hey guys, we're back after after that. <laughs> yeah, we had an incident. 
<laughs> not involving me. <laughs> not involving Frank this time. No. Yeah. Frank, uh, Frank's hallucinations came to life. <laughs> <laughs> but we all saw it. Real quick before I talk about my next good pop, bad pop. Yeah. For all the Whovians out there, we got fucking Doctor Who season eight starting next week, next Saturday. We're recording on a Saturday this week, but Doctor Who, one more fucking week. Yeah, nice. Um, does everyone get to watch that around the world the same day? Is that how that works? I believe so. Um, BBC America, I think, is still playing it on the 23rd. Now, uh, there are some theaters out there. I know Phantom, uh, excuse me, I always say Phantom. It's fathomevents.com. If you, if you have a theater that, uh, that, uh, participates with fathomevents.com, they are going to be showing it on the 25th, two days later. So on a Monday. So if you want to see it in a, in, you know, in a theater with a group of people and a bunch of people dressed up like whoever, Amy Pond, River Song, Doctor Who himself walking around and, Whatever, I mean, who knows? You may even see a fucking Dalek or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it could be a lot of fun. Exterminate. Do they yeah, still do that? They totally still do. <laughs> nice. Man. It's good stuff. I mean, so I'm looking forward to uh, Doctor Who uh, Season 8 with the new Doctor, Peter Capaldi. You know, that's the thing. Uh, we're going to record next Saturday. And so while we're recording, the episode is actually going to be aired. So I'm not going to have a Doctor, Revu- uh, Doctor Who Season 1 uh, season uh, eight, episode one review until the following week. So I do want to apologize for that. That's hard to say, Doctor Who review. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who review. So, no, looking forward to Doctor Who. So uh, not next week, but the week after, you'll get to hear my thoughts on Doctor Who. All right, now one of us is getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not it. <laughs> yeah, Vegas odds say Frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, or maybe no. me. <laughs> All right. I wanted to talk uh, about uh, there's a 10-day auction, uh, like I said, for the uh, holy grail of comic books that started on Thursday. It's the highest known graded copy of Action Comics number one. It's being auctioned on eBay. Whoa. Uh, this is the first appearance of Superman, if you're not familiar. I've read the book before when I was a kid. Of course, I read like a reprint. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't want any fingerprints or <laughs> any kind of like oil from my finger on what, a book that beautiful. But uh, the book, it's been graded as a 9.0. Wow, that's crazy. It's hard to get a 9.0 of books that came out last year. No shit. Uh, this is a book that is 76 years old and is in better shape, like I said, like like you said, than any other copy that's out there in the world. Um, the owner of the book recently turned down an offer for $3 million, opting to take the book to eBay. Wow. Do you really think, what do you think? Do you think he's going to make more than $3 million on eBay? That was a bad move. I, I think it was a bad move, too. Yeah, yeah, come on now. The original owner bought the comic for $0.10 cents from a newsstand in 1938 and then stored it in a cedar box for about four decades until a local dealer in West Virginia purchased it in an estate sale. The issue then passed to a third person who held on to it for 30 years. The book is now on eBay to purchase. A portion of the proceeds will benefit the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, which is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury. Oh, nice. Very cool. The other highest-graded copy of Action Comics was once owned by actor Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Who is also, he's a huge Superman fan. Uh, 
He uh, he was almost cast as Superman in a movie, and he named his own son Kal El. Yeah. Oh, how crazy that movie would have been! The Tim Burton Superman. Tim Burton Superman. Yeah. Now the current owner of this book, Darren Adams, said. It's been humbling to own this book, and I can check this off my bucket list when I sell it. I can always say I own the most valuable comic in the world. Yeah, I just got on here on eBay, and I got I got seven fifty on it. Think I'll get it? Oh, on uh, the Action Comics? Yeah, seven dollars fifty cents. Oh, seven dollars fifty cents? Yeah, that's my current bid. Dude, I think it's yours. I think so, too. Wrap it up. This guy should have got that three mil. No shit. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a reserve on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure too. So It's actually on their auction site. You can't go to like their regular – like you have to be pre-qualified to even oh. put a bid in. No, yeah. Right. It makes sense. Right. So, yeah, I'm uh, – I'm putting a second mortgage on the house. <laughs> when, did, when does the auction end, do you know? Uh, it started Thursday of last week. It's a 10-day auction. All right. We'll have to update this story then. I'll be interested to hear how much he gets for it. Especially if, if it goes over 3 mil. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to bet new. New. I don't think it will either. Yeah. Nope, nope. All right. Let's see here. Now that Michael B. Jordan uh, has wrapped filming on the Fantastic Four He is ready to focus on another movie. Um, One that we reported last year that he was interested in being called a movie called Creed, Mm. uh, where he would play the son of Apollo Creed from the Rocky films. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rumor back then when they first started talking about this was that uh, Creed's son was wanting to talk – to walk into his father's footsteps and be a boxer – and he wants to be be trained by none other than Rocky Balboa himself. Hmm. Uh, Rocky, though, in this version feels like this kid doesn't have the drive because he didn't grow up like his father on the rough streets. And he was raised in the lap of luxury. So this movie will really have Stallone in it if it gets done? Yes. Wow. Um, it sounds like a passing of the torch. Yeah. But to Apollo, Seed's, uh, Apollo Creed's son. Because in the films, like, I think it's um, – like um, Stallone's kid never really got into the whole boxing thing. I think he like works on Wall Street or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. So um, with that storyline, it doesn't work. But like to pass this on to like the next generation, which would be Apollo Creed's kid, I think I don't know. It could work, and especially with an actor, an up and coming actor like Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, how, I wonder how much training he has in boxing. I wonder how much work he'll have to put in. Yeah, he definitely can't do like a heavyweight, yeah. in my opinion. Unless, I mean, well, look at Stallone. He's really not a heavyweight, but in the movies they make him look that way. Yeah, is he going to get all jacked up like Stallone? Yeah, I think he can. I think he's going to get pretty jacked up for this film. I mean, they'll get him on some trainers. He's a young kid. I mean, absolutely. Why not? They had to have him in pretty good shape already, too, probably to be in the Fantastic Four. It's probably like he's not in that bad of shape already well he played a football player in friday night lights too yeah so so yeah michael b jordan hadn't forgotten this movie and he recently addressed going forward on the film while talking with source magazine he said creed's another one that's definitely happening for sure yeah i'm not going to let you guys down i know there's a lot of rocky fans out there and i'm one of them so from one fan to another i'm gonna make sure we do a good job with this Sly's not going to let anything happen to his baby. Yeah. So that leads people to believe, like, yes, you know, Sylvester Stallone is going to be making some appearances in this movie. You know? That's cool. I'm excited to see that. I think maybe a little bit of the story that will come into play is, like, part of the reason he really hasn't trained anybody else 
was because of the events that happened in Rocky Five with, uh, you know, Tommy the Gun Morrison. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he kind of got burned there. But on the flip side of this, I mean, Stallone's a family, <laughs> you know, Balbo is a family friend of the Creeds. Mm-hmm. But in a way, he watched his father die in the ring. So, like, this, you know, I'll be honest with you guys, the Rocky movies, mm-hmm. some of my fra- favorite movies of all time. I'm with you. They there. really are. What's your fave? Rocky, the original. Yeah, what's your fave sequel then? My favorite sequel has got to be um, – I've got to go – and I know this sounds silly because it's not a great movie, but Rocky Four. Ah, Four's my favorite too. Because <laughs> the speech at the end. Yeah. Like, you know, if uh, if I can learn a little bit from you guys <laughs> and you can learn something from us, <laughs> then we can all learn something from everybody. And like, you know, it was just like really, – it was like – it was at the height of that whole fucking like, you know uh, – the the whole tension between the U.S. and Russia and shit. They even had like right. a guy play Gorbachev in that movie, and it was. I mean, yeah, these movies you can, can you can think that they're dumb and about a dumb boxer, but I mean, even then, it was like making a political statement. And you know what? Another fucking thing is Rocky the original back in 1976, the bicentennial year. That movie won Picture of the Year. It sure did. I was right. I was going to bring that up when you said you can think these movies are ridiculous because at one point they definitely weren't thought to be ridiculous. Exactly. It's definitely the uh, ultimate underdog story, you know, the ultimate cinematic underdog story. Yes. I mean, th- yeah, the original story was like, yeah, the guy that Apollo Creed was supposed to fight couldn't do the fight. So they wanted to do something for the bicentennial and – you know, what's better? What's, what's a more hopeful story about just taking like your average Joe that's out there trying to like work his way up into boxing and have him go against the heavyweight champion of the world? Yeah. And it was a great story. It was a great movie and it was a great performance by Stallone. I don't care what anybody says. He did play a great performance in that movie. You can say that, oh, he plays the same performance in anything, but Stallone's a smart guy. Yeah, he is, and he's still relevant today. I mean, Expendables three came out this weekend. He's still putting shit out there. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago that he did the uh, the newer Rambo movie either, and I loved it. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I love all it. the Rambo movies. Ram- I love Rambo all- three a little a little eh, a little shaky. Yeah, but Rambo the original was fantastic. Rambo two was great because I wanted to see that motherfucker in the jungle. Hell, fucking yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love those fucking jungle movies. I love that shit. I love it when they're in the fucking jungle. Give me some Predator, the Predator. original. Predator. Yeah. Fucking A. They don't do not see fun. nothing like that anymore. No. no. And the Predator remakes kind of sucked. Yeah. Where they dropped them all off a plane or whatever to be yeah. hunted. Yeah, I never saw that, to be honest. The Adrian Brody film? Yeah. Fuck you, I liked it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. Liked it. Maybe I'll check it out. Didn't- Not really a fuck you, Frank, but I did enjoy the film. <laughs> like, I did, because, like, there was the scene in the original where um, the Native American dude is on the fucking stump and shit. They yeah. recreate that scene, and in the original movie, they fucking step away from that, and you never get to see it. In this movie, they get to show you the fucking fight, and I like that. I appreciate right. that. Sometimes I like it when they revisit that shit, and I think they did a pretty good job in it, and I'm sure there's people out there that don't agree with me. But I, I'm a sucker for the fucking Predators. I am. I love the Predator movies. Yeah, I, I like them a lot, too. The first one and the second one are great. Yeah, no shit, dude. They got some of the biggest, baddest motherfuckers in that first one. I fucking loved it. You oh, had yeah. real fucking men. Real fucking men. <laughs> Jesse Ventura. 
fucking, you know, uh, Carl Weathers, dude. I don't care how fucking, when you were a fucking kid and you saw Dutch and fucking Carl Weathers and shit and they fucking slapped hands and you saw those fucking rippling biceps, you were like, holy fucking shit, these guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. They were like real life action figures. They were. They yeah. were. See, I come, I go on the flip side of that scene you're talking about with the Native American fella because yeah. at the, when you're watching him, you know, prepared, you know, he's going to lose in yeah. the first movie and it's kind of, almost poetic that you don't see it i mean you just already know them cutting away from the fight you already know he's gonna die yeah the old less is more kind of yeah no i like that from the first film but in the second film they didn't shy away from it right you know it could go either way but i i I grew up with those movies i'm really tired of the trend of and i'm not talking like uh the teenage mutant ninja turtle stuff like when they're doing remakes like Footloose and mm. Total Recall and that, I'm sick of that shit. Robo-cop. Red, Red Dawn. Oh, but you can give me a Dirty Dancing sequel all fucking day of the week. I'm fucking kidding. Fuck that. <laughs> okay. Nobody puts Brian in a corner to watch that fucking bullshit. <laughs> I didn't like the original, so right. fuck it. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Dirty Dancing. They used to make me do um, calisthenics to that when I was in fifth grade, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Oh, my God, are you serious? My mom made me listen to that in the fucking car. Yeah, just the soundtrack every day. Oh, my God. My dad would make me listen to that, too, because that was right around the time that uh, we moved back from Florida Mm -hmm. to Illinois. 16-hour drive, he'd do it, and he'd just put that fucking tape in and let it slide from one side back to the other. And I was sitting in the back, and this is the time when you don't have, like, fucking Game Boys and Nintendo. DS and all that shit and that smartphones. I had to look out the fucking window and listen to that crap. Oh, geez. All right. You probably know the answer to this. I know you know the answer to this. All right. Mind blown. Who sung that She's Like the Wind song in that fucking soundtrack? <laughs> Was that Bette Miller? She's Like the Wind. Du, du, du. That it's song? Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze sung that what? fucking song. No, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, crazy Swayze. Yeah, huh. yeah, he tore it up on that song. You know, yeah. they're still talking about doing a fucking Point Break sequel. Oh, really? A sequel? God, at this point, who even knows what that movie is? Or like a reboot or whatever. Yeah. yeah. If they do a reboot, you just got to have Gary Busey come back. That's all I'm going to talk <laughs> what, about. What pres- Frank, you are, <laughs> our, you, you are our Gary fucking Busey. <laughs> Holy shit, I just made the connection. <laughs> you are our Gary Busey. Oh, shit. What what president mask do you think they're going to use in the uh, Point Break remake? The president mask? Yeah, is it still going to be Nixon and Reagan? Oh man, yeah, they have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll make make another bet. It's going to be direct to fucking uh, Blu-ray release. Yeah, no oh shit. yeah, all the best movies are right. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, guys. Last week we talked about the new miniseries Houdini. Yeah, and uh, that will star Adrian Brody as Harry Houdini. And we'll focus on his life and his magic. Now, Sci-Fi Network has a new reality game show where magicians will compete with one another called Wizard Wars. Have you heard about this? Uh, No, I I want to hear more. Hey, Frank, the last time you were on the show, you performed a magic act where you made a whole bottle of vodka disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! It's gone. (laughs) It wasn't gone forever, though. Oh, God. Then you followed it up with the uh, <laughs> reappearing act. <laughs> yeah, no, you followed it up with the vanishing dignity act. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, low you blow. Gave, you gave the audience a twofer there, didn't you, Jake? Yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. No, I know, I know. God, I know. you guys are so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the show Wizard Wars it takes magicians that will compete against each other in competitions where they have to invent and create new tricks to go on to the next round. 
Now, there will be rules and props and other things that will be thrown into the competition to make it harder for them to adapt and up their game. Uh, here's uh, the info from Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi debuts an exciting new six-episode competition series, Wizard Wars, on Tuesday, August 19th at 10 p.m. Eastern, and it introduces bright and innovative young magicians who must impress judges Penn and Teller Ooh, nice. with mind-blowing original magic using only a random assortment of everyday objects. Innovation takes center stage as the magicians transform objects such as dog treats, leaf blowers, a pirate's costume, garden gnomes, Gal Gadot's wig into an engaging I'm fucking with you, Frank. <laughs> into engaging magic performances before a live audience. Each episode begins with two teams of magicians going head to head with a limited amount of time to create an original routine. The winning team will then enter the wizard war and compete <laughs> against the expert home team of world renowned wizards to battle it out for bragging rights and a $10,000 prize. <laughs> World-renowned wizard. Yeah. I, I imagine that Teller is going to be like the uh, Simon Cowell of the judges, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Putting everyone down. I wonder if they'll have guest judges on. Yeah, I wonder if they will. That'll be neat. Yeah, but it's a six-episode thing, so Sci-Fi's not investing a whole lot into this. I don't know if they really know how it's going to perform and no. people are going to like it. But if I know anything, like these shows that are really cheap to produce mm – -hmm. Usually the networks like them and they stick around for a while. You know, shows like Face Off and mm. you've got those reality shows and things like that. They usually stick around a while if they get decent ratings. Yeah, they don't need writers. It's cheap, cheap television. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so. so, yeah, for, for, I love Face Off, by the way. I'm a huge fan. I watch every season, but really all you need there is, um, makeup. Yeah, and a camera crew. And a camera crew and an idea for that week. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to Wizard Wars. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, when's it start, did you say? Uh, it's going to start on August 19th at 10 o'clock Eastern, so 9 o'clock huh. Central. Next week, is that, um, is that Monday? Uh, let me check out the calendar here. Sorry. No, you're fine. August 19th is going to be on a Tuesday. Tuesday, okay, yeah. I was close. So, yeah. All right, that's a little bit of my good pop, bad pop. Frank, what do you got this week, man? Uh, this past week they had, uh, GamesCon and- Oh my god, Frank talking about a fucking game! Wow, how <laughs> well, fucking no, this, crazy! This, uh, it, it, this, it goes hand in hand with, uh, movie type stuff, it's- yeah, every week it sure does, doesn't it, Frank? <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, there was a. <laughs> you serious? No, it, it was really, this is a really neat, rev like, way to launch a game. Uh, so, there was a preview put out for a game called PT, uh, put out by some 738 studios that, or 7388 studios that doesn't even, even really exist. And the same day it went out. I'm already confused. It, there's a point. Okay. It was put out as a demo on the PlayStation 4 the same day. And if anybody's heard about this, they already know where I'm headed with it because the reveal at the end has already been spilled out. The game's a horror movie. Uh, it's called PT, and you're walking like, in a first-person view down a spooky hallway. The, it, if you can look on YouTube to find a trailer for it or people playing the game, 
the environment is really scary. I mean, it's legitimately a scary thing. But you what's, go, a, what's scary about the environment? What can you see? What can you expect in the environment? Frank? Time doesn't change. There's a clock that you walk past. Um, it's 11:59 the entire time. Okay. Uh, you can hear things moving behind you. You turn around, you see a door banging. Right. Um, you try to go through. I mean, it's a, it's like an L-shaped hallway, and you go through. A series of like three or four doors might not be able to open them, and then there's one that opens up for you. Right. You walk through it, and it's the same hallway. Mm. And now some things are different. There's a radio playing now, mm-hmm. and you come around the corner, and a door is partially open, and then it shuts. Um, and you go through this like several times, and then you end up in a basement. There's you start seeing like some horror things. There's a, a one point you walk around a corner and then there's a bloody fetus in a sink. It's real, real horrific imagery. <laughs> bloody yeah. fetus. Wow. Thanks for well, lightening up the, <sighs> the mood. <laughs> it, it, as you're going through, there's a puzzle that you have to solve. And at the very end of the game – Is the puzzle, why the fuck am I playing a game with no, a bloody the, fetus in the, it? There's picture, picture pieces that you have to put together to put – The look on Jake's face after I said that was like, Brian, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> like like he's embarrassed for me. <laughs> what has driven people to – what has driven people to download this is the reveal that after you've solved the puzzle, the camera swings out and pans around uh-huh. and it's Norman Reedus. And then on, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. yeah, Norman Reedus is starring in this game. Yeah, and and then you get the names Hideo Kojima, who is the creator of the Metal Gear Solid series, mm-hmm. and Guillermo del Toro is involved with it. And I've oh. tried to see exactly what it is he's doing, but it's being co-produced by the two of them, and that's all I know. Wow, so some big names behind this yeah. project. And then the name of the actual game comes up: Silent Hill. They're, oh they're, yeah, they're yeah, rebooting yeah. Silent Hill, and it, it comes to pass that. PT, the name of the demo, right. stands for Playable Teaser. Mm, okay. And it's the tone. See, I didn't want to say it right up front because I no. heard about the Guillermo del Toro thing first. I'm giving you shit the yeah. whole time, and you actually did have something cool. Yeah. It, I'm amazed well, th- just by that alone. To, I, even if you don't have a PS4, I mean, if you go to YouTube and look up like people playing PT, you uh-huh. get the idea. I mean, it's just the setting, the mood. It's relatively quiet. Uh, I think the ideal setting is if you're going to have like a surround sound or a headset while you're playing. Yeah. That way you can hear when things are you know going behind you and stuff. Right. It's just real creepy, but it doesn't beat you over the head with like having some giant monster come chase you. Yeah. It it does a little bit towards the end of it, but uh, it, it's going to be like a first person puzzler. But I mean, just. Hideo Kojima is a legend in the video game community. Right. Of course, we all know Guillermo del Toro from Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Hellboy. Yep. And then on top of it, you got Norman Reedus who's doing the acting in it. So, I mean, there, that's all that's known about it at this point. And it was a, such a great way to announce a game, to not announce it, and to try to just get people to play this teaser trailer. They have people taking video of people's reactions playing it. So is it a uh, is it just kind of like these people are just kind of like amazed when they see Norman Reedus, or what is it? Well, what, I think it's the double whammy yeah. of Norman Reedus and the fact that it's a Silent Hill reboot. Okay, right. yeah, so yeah. But the teaser itself shows off so much of what they can do with just lighting and environment like in a regular movie. Yeah, it. I get the idea. I mean, the original premise behind Silent Hill was that you weren't some badass 
cop or military agent. You're just a normal person in this horror situation trying to survive. Yeah, Silent Hill's always been a lot more atmospheric and not as like physical as like say Resident Evil. Yeah, the threat's always psychological and not physical. Right. Do you prefer that, guys? And when it's done well, it can be super neat. Yeah. I'm I'm actually scared to play this son of a bitch really? because of the things that I've seen in it. I mean, I, I I want to because I feel like I have to, but I mean, I definitely encourage anyone please look this up because I'm not doing it justice by trying to describe the the mood and the tone and everything that they do that's so subtle. When you try to open a door, you see your hand go out and try to turn it, and you see that it's locked. Yeah. When someone's banging on the door, you can see the door shake. It's just little things like that, lighting, shadows. Um, it, it's it's amazing, and to cap it off at the very end to see who's involved with it, this thing's going to be a masterpiece. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Just PlayStation 4, huh? That's all I've heard it be released for so far. A lot of times they'll try to get something set up to where it's an exclusive. Yeah. Um, I don't see them being able to do this level of detail on current-gen consoles, probably only Xbox and Sony, but um, it really depends on you know what kind of deal they've got worked out. Question, question. I don't want you to turn this because you're like our video game resident expert. And Jake, I can throw you in here too. Between the two systems, Xbox, uh, X, is it Xbox One and PS4. Yeah. Which one? Which one right now is kind of like doing gangbusters? I think the PS4 pulled ahead this time. Yeah. It? Yep. I think I think last gen the Xbox was the winner, and I think um, the PS4 is so far winning. Yep, you're absolutely correct. For seven months straight, it has uh, beaten. Um, the Xbox One in sales. Yeah, and I, I think they recently announced 7 million units sold, which is incredible given the economy. I think Xbox made their big blunder this time by forcing their customers to buy the Connect and selling their system at a much higher price than the PlayStation. Okay, And that was their big folly. It's like, I'll just spend less money and get the PlayStation 4. I also don't think Xbox One is forward-thinking now that they've dropped their original programming. Yeah, uh, I think that's a huge disservice to, you know, the way things are going right now i think that you know i mean i think that they had some original cool programming going forward i just read that like playstation uh four is they're doing this now Hmm. and they've got their first original programming being set to release in december they're going to have a show called powers in which it's a world that is set where super powered humans actually do exist and uh, in this world, they've ca- they've done some really good casting with this. It's not powers based off of the Michael By- Brian Bendis book. Okay. Absolutely, it is. Gotcha. Nice. And they have just cast, and I was fucking thrilled to hear this because he is one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Yes, he does stand-up, and he's also one of my favorite actors out there. Eddie Izzard is playing the villain in Powers. Oh, interesting. Huh. Huh. Wow. Yeah, Microsoft really screwed themselves over with their direction ever since they announced the Xbox One at E3 uh, two years ago. Yeah. Um, Or last year. It was last year they announced it. And um, with with digital rights management where they wanted people to download the games only and you couldn't share them and Sony – uh, immediately jumped right on top of that by putting a commercial out saying, well, here's how you're going to share games on the PlayStation 4. And then there's a two-second clip of one guy handing a game to another guy and says, thanks. <laughs> it From that point, they've been scrambling. They've been trying to play catch-up. They've tried to revise their 
uh, direction to go with the whole system. Now they sell it without Connect. Yeah. Um, games that come out multi-platform don't perform as well on the Xbox One as they do the PlayStation 4 because there's so much of the memory involved with the Xbox One uh, and Connect with it looking for commands and things like that, and they're trying to remedy that as well. Yeah, I think that's a big issue. I think the PlayStation wins because they created an ultimate gaming platform where the Xbox and Microsoft kind of lost sight and they're like trying to create this thing where I can use my body as my TV's remote control to change my channel and make the volume go up and down and stream my Netflix and blah, blah, blah. But it's like what I really want is I'm buying a video game console. I want a video game console. Right. You know, I've got my Roku. I've got my Apple TV. I got my whatever. I just want my Xbox to be an Xbox. They made I this, think, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. I was just going to say, and that's where PlayStation really, really won this battle, I think. They made pretty much the same mistake that Sony did when they released the PlayStation 3. Yeah. They crammed a Blu-ray player into it when it first launched, and it wasn't as popular as it was now. That was during the time period where they were still trying to ascertain which was going to be the dominant They were platform. selling the motherfucker for 600 bones, too. Right. Yeah. That increased yeah. the cost of the system. Plus, the thing was initially backwards compatible, which is what caused it to be so expensive too Mm -hmm. and um it it tried to be anytime any of these things try to be all things to all people it fails right it's got the thing is okay here it is okay check this out you got a playstation 3 playstation 4 whatever the fuck okay all right yeah it does all these things but you know what when uh the playstation 3 playstation 4 goes out you've lost your fucking gaming system console Mm -hmm. and you fucking lost your blu-ray player you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You lost two things in one. It's just like, it's, it's, it's great for that, but if it goes out, and I'll be honest with you guys, I've had two fucking PlayStation 3s go out on me. Uh, same here. I'm on my third fucking PlayStation 3. I guess they call it the PlayStation 3 because you gotta, gotta buy the <laughs> motherfucker three fucking times before you can get one that works. I yeah, went through exactly. four Xbox 360s. Yeah. I, I, you shouldn't. Well, Did you ever get the red eye of death? Yep. That was oh, what yeah. killed it the first time. Then the second time, the uh, laser needle got stuck and wouldn't reposition itself properly, and that was actually my return console that I got from the Red Ring of Death, and that happened a month after the warranty on what that. What a bunch of fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I had to take the son of a bitch apart. You get it fucking replaced for the Red Eye of Death, and they fuck you with the needle. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. So I took that thing apart and played it for like a month with the thing with having no lid and all the guts were exposed. Do you guys do you guys remember PlayStation One when it used to start not working? You had to flip it upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? No, like for the for all the cinematics and cutscenes when they started skipping, if you just took the system and flipped it upside down, it fixed the whole thing. Yeah. And it was but the thing was is it was only a temporary fix. It would work perfectly for about Say six to eight months, right? And then it would start doing the same thing again. What if you flipped it back over? What then like- you could flip it on its side. You could like prop it up with like, with like book, um, <laughs> like bookshelves, bookends, bookends, or whatever. However, you could get it on its side, and you could do it each time on each of its like four sides every four to six months when yep. it started skipping again. So if you called in the PlayStation <laughs> customer service, <laughs> would they say – Turn that bitch upside right, down. Okay. Have you powered it on and off? Okay. You've done that. All right. Okay. Hold on real quick. Let me look here. Um, I'm going to search – could you flip it? I, I know you don't do this with like you know live turtles, but I want you to flip it. I want you to flip it upside down. Yeah, and I'm deadly and serious. Then, and, okay, yeah. six months later, they get another call, and you're like, oh, I've had it. It's working. 
And okay, then would, would their suggestion be have you have you considered flipping it on its side? <laughs> do you have do you have two objects that can keep it propped up in yeah. that position? Yeah, this is like a like a uh, like uh, like I'm not con- I'm not comfortable sleeping in a certain position. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like what the fuck that is fucked up. I have no idea why that was that way, but I'm I can't remember how I learned to do that because we're talking mid to late nineties. Yeah, because the PlayStation Two came out in two thousand and. I mean, the internet, we were all still on dial-up back then, and you didn't have as many forums as what you do now. I can't remember how I found that out. You guys, you guys know that I don't play video games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There is one video game that I think may have me not jumping into the next-gen fucking consoles. What is it? And I posted it on Facebook. No Man's Sky. Mm. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Have you seen this fucking game? I have. They've uh, recently said that you could play it for five billion years and never see everything there is to see because it's all randomly generated. And we're not going to be around for five billion. They can say whatever they want, want, Frank. But, I mean, I guess what they're saying is that it probably has something to do with the algorithms to where it won't duplicate the same thing. But I think it's so cool. Like you go through like these different fucking worlds, these different planets. They all have like different life forms on there. And if you find a planet, don't you get to name it? I think so. Right. I'm totally naming a planet – like just something fucked up, you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna name a planet. Like, well, there could be like, there's gonna be a Tupperware planet. <laughs> Tupperware planet, <laughs> where everything is awesome. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, you could do anything you wanted to. I it, think it'd be cool. It kind of sounded like real life Star Trek when I was reading about it. Like yeah. you just it down to the core where you're just boldly exploring yeah. new universes. Did you watch and, the video yeah. that they released? Yeah. Yeah, shit looks badass. No Man's Sky. Check that fucking shit out. I posted a link on our Facebook page and it just looks badass. So. Yeah. I think that's the video game that might actually make me, like, I don't know, pull the trigger on a fucking PS4. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever own a PS4 or an Xbox One. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm out. Yeah, dude. I've, I, I don't know. I, I've had no... I don't, you got the Wii U. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I have to have my new Mario's and my yeah. new Zelda's right. and my new Mario Kart's. Right. But I, there's nothing on PlayStation or Xbox that makes me want to pull the trigger. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about both of them that made me get them. There's nothing. There's not a single game on either of those systems. Frank, you're more of a gamer, though. Yeah. 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 I mean, I play a lot more games than I do watch movies. And, right. I mean, I got a backlog. I don't even know why we have you on the fucking show. Because <laughs> I do it all. <laughs> Every week when I ask you if you got something for Good Pop, Bad Pop, you're talking about some fucking game. <laughs> I almost didn't bring it up, but you, you got that many – oh, It's going to become his Kevin Smith where he's afraid to bring it up now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you had to bring him up. <laughs> bring up whatever you want. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, guys. So last thing for Good Pop, Bad Pop that I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to see Expendables 3. I will be seeing it tomorrow though and I'll have a full review for that next episode but this week i did go to the theater and i saw let's be cops and it stars two of my favorite tv actors right now jake johnson and damon wayans both from fox's new girl a show that i absolutely adore i love this fucking show yeah me too it also has appearances by comedians rob riggle and uh keegan michael key from uh comedy central's key and peel <laughs> which is a hilarious fucking show if you're not watching it you definitely need to watch it fucking hilarious so i went into the movie hoping that it was going to be great but at the same time i was a little worried that it couldn't you know that it might not be funny you know every once in a while you'll get a movie like uh that's a little underrated maybe actors and comedians that you don't know about uh 
that it turns out to be great, like Grandma's Boy, in my opinion. Okay. I thought Grandma's Boy was fucking hilarious. Can I get a can I get Fuck a fucking yeah. can I get an amen for Grandma's Boy? Jesus. Yeah. Fuck what? you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but watching the Golden Girls or whatever the fuck they were eating those pop brownies and getting fucked up was fucking, <laughs> oh, yeah. that was great. So uh anyway, like a movie some sometimes they'll come out of nowhere. A movie like that, underrated, under the radar, they'll come out and they'll surprise you. Um and uh you know this is no grandma's boy but I'm going to give the movie a taste it. Okay. Uh Jake Johnson he plays an ex football player that you know should have gone pro but after an injury becomes a slacker. Uh, just kind of like his character of Nick and New Girl. I was going to say, it's like the same thing. Exactly. Well, you know, why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Damon Wayans Jr. plays a 30-year-old that works at a video game creation company, and nobody at his work takes him or his ideas seriously. Uh, they both attend it, – it's kind of like a uh, university reunion uh, where it's a costume party and they dress up as cops. But they aren't just using, you know, cop costumes that you would get at like a regular, you know, Halloween store or something okay. like that. Uh, these, these are authentic costumes that they purchased. Actually, they're authentic uniforms that they purchased on like an online auction, like an eBay or something. Oh, that's funny. Uh, now the reunion, it turns out to be a masquerade party and they both look like jackasses in front of their former college graduates. Everybody else is like wearing a mask and suits and, you know, okay. dresses. Okay. Gotcha. And shit. Like the eyes wide shut party or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the reunion, uh, it's really, it's just, it's just a horrible traumatic event for them both. And they realize that things just didn't turn out the way that they wanted to. And, and both are kind of down in the dumps about their lives at this point. Like everybody else from their classes, like moved on and done like big and bad things and shit. Like yeah. bigger and better things. I mean, married families, all that stuff. Yeah. Great jobs, yeah. careers and shit. Uh, on the way back, walking back to their apartment, they're, they're, getting looked up and down by these women because they're still in their cop uniforms. Mm -hmm. Women, like, they apparently love a man in a uniform. Uh, Then they just, you know, tell random people, like, you know, walking across the street, like, you're using their power. They're telling me, like, to freeze. And, like, these people will stop. (laughs) All right, we just need to, like, you know, know, secure the area. All right, you're free to move. And they get addicted to this, and they're having a lot of fun with, like, the power that they have. So Jake Johnson's character, with him being a slacker, he's got all this time. And so, like, he gets obsessed with being a cop and starts watching YouTube videos and how, you know, more to be, like, a police officer. He's learning the lingo, and he's learning, like, the hand signals as well as, like, all the, like, the, num- like, the number codes. Like, okay. hey, I got a 181 here on blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and uh, they get themselves mixed up with a crime syndicate as well as, like, real cops in this. The movie is funny it's not like the hangover and it's not like the funniest comedy of the summer i still 22 jump street is still the comedy of the summer in my opinion gotcha uh but it does have some funny moments where they are working with the real cops and they have to they they have to tackle this uh sweaty 300 uh, something pound naked man who was charging them and that was a funny scene it really (laughs) was it was disturbing and disgusting but at the same time it was fucking hilarious damon wayans jr goes undercover as a rastafarian okay with uh facial tats it's actually played by michael keegan peel but he like dresses himself up like that character okay it's pretty hysterical after he has to take a hit of meth and uh i'm giving this movie like i said a taste that you know you know the question is like should you watch let's be cops in the theaters you don't have to i mean but if you're a fan of these guys and a fan of new girl and want to support these guys then by all means drop a few bucks on this one um the bad thing is it has a nine percent by the critics and a 64% by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Who a nine? 
But despite that, Let's Be Cops went on to make a it went on to make decent money on opening night. Let, uh, Let's Be Cops claimed first place on Wednesday as it earned a solid five point two million on opening day on Wednesday. You know, lining up with like pre expectations of a five day uh, close of like thirty million. So. Um, it, it did. It did okay. Crowded house this week. Um, you know, let's be cops had to contend with the Giver and um, Expendables three. Uh, Into the storm. All four of these movies released between Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. So just to get that top spot on Wednesday is is a good claim. Do you know why the critics are so anti this movie? You know, um, just in a quick. In a way, I, I think, in my opinion, and I, I didn't read any of the reviews. Mm-hmm. Um. In my opinion, I think that they think that something like this is really not a movie. It could have been something like a, like the, the premise of a TV show because of the budget. Mm. But in all honesty, on all honesty, I mean, the guys that they got to play the villains in this movie did a pretty good job. I mean, they they weren't just you know bullshit villains. I mean, they got Andy Garcia to play a villain in this movie. Oh, that's awesome! You know, and I mean. I liked it. I, I, I thought it was fun. It's not the comedy of the summer. I was really hoping it was because out of like Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, I like these guys. I think Jake Johnson's very talented. I think so too. I think Damon Wayans Jr. is very talented. Big fan of him on Happy Endings. Big fan of Jake, uh, you know, Jake Johnson from his work on like the, uh, what is it? The, he does some work on that, uh, High School USA cartoon that they show during that, uh, animation block on Fox. Oh, that gotcha. ADHD thing. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of these guys. I, I really wanted the movie to perform well. Hasn't done so. Probably won't get a sequel. But uh, it was a fun movie. And for people that are like on the in on New Girl and all those other shows, I think they'll really get a kick out of it. Hmm. Another question I got for you. I saw this movie was rated R. Is that language? Language and a little bit of, little bit of nudity. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. No, no nudity you want to see. Just oh, throwing geez. that out there. <laughs> Oof. So, all right. I think this wraps up Good Pop, Bad Pop, unless you guys got anything else. Nah, we're good. All right. We're going to come back uh, with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. All right, hey, we're back. Uh, it's time for the pop culture leftover news. All right, yeah, so here it is. I'm yeah. ready. We're ready. Let's uh, pop culture news it up and shit. Next to the spot. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. I love that drop. I know you do. I'm not, I'm not even feeling my best, but that drop really made me feel better. Why are you not feeling your best? What's going on with you, man? I, nothing personal. I think I woke up today just a little bit hotter than I should be. I think I'm like stage one cold right now. Ugh. I feel like in about three days I'm going to be real bad off. You know what? Even a, even a Jake at half-mast is still better. <laughs> half-mast. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. That's horrible. That's like yeah. somebody died or something tragic happened. <laughs> yeah. I, that's okay. I'm not offended. Yeah. No, I just don't think things through sometimes. Yeah, so I'm just a little, uh, you know, I got the headphones on the head and my head's all stuffed up and right, a little bit of a sniffles in the cough. Think about it this way. It could be worse. You could be Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so. Wow. There is, <laughs> there is that. There is that. Uh, 
<laughs> Frank, <laughs> you're, look, you're looking at me like that. Look was gangster <laughs> as fuck, yo. <laughs> oh my gosh, gangster yeah. as fuck. And I think this is called for. All Every right. time you see him. <laughs> let's talk about some news. Uh, let's see here. So after the huge financial success that was Transformers Age of Extinction, it looks like Michael Bay might be ready to step away from directing the Autobots and Decepticons and focus on other projects. Yay! I have a quote here from USA Today. Bay49 believes he will pass the baton to uh, future Transformers movies to a new director while he turns his focus elsewhere. Bay himself said, there's kind of a new chapter, a new direction in movies and I want that I want to make. And he goes on to say, I have a lot of stories to tell. And it's about flexing new muscles. I'm so. excited. As long as it's not Jonathan Liebsman. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think on both levels it's exciting. It'll be exciting to see someone else have a vision for Transformers. And it'll be exciting to see Michael Bay make some movies that aren't Transformer movies. Because, I mean, believe it or not, Michael Bay doesn't make all terrible movies. I mean, he's no. made a bunch of great movies. And he's really not a shitty guy. I just found this out this week. And, and it's something that I respect. I, I gained a new respect for Michael Bay. He, he does something that I think is very admirable in protecting endangered species. Oh, nice. So I think that's very cool. I personally donate to a wildlife uh, charity. Uh, they protect endangered tigers. So I can connect with them on that level. You know, um, I'm not an animal rights activist, mm-hmm. but I am an animal welfare activist. So I, I respect him for that. That's part of what he's going on to do. Didn't he say he's going to do a bear documentary? I think, I think that's what he's doing. No, he's is, going on to do that. That so. is interesting. Good, that, good that, for him. I want to see a more human side from him because like in his movies, the characters that are portrayed, I kind of like equate them to him and his personality because they're so bizarre and out there. I want to see a more human side from Michael Bay. And just finding out that he donates to charities kind of made me connect with the guy a little bit more. Yeah, I can imagine that Michael Bay bear documentary with the bear running in slow motion <laughs> away from the explosion. It'll just, be called ba- Bear Formers. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of bear cleavage and shit, oh. you know? <laughs> It's gonna be horrible. It's gonna be acting, interesting. Unrelatable yeah. characters, <laughs> explosions. Hey, would you like to, you know, back to Transformers? Like, is there any? Uh, and I'm not giving you a lot of time to think about this, but there is there anyone that you would like to see take over the franchise if Michael Bay steps away? Uh, no one I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, you got something in the in the wheelhouse? I mean, there's you, Frank. Uh, I I could see a. Uh, Guillermo del Toro in there. Yeah, or you know, I was JJ. thinking that too, but that just seemed like such a cop-out answer. The like, obvious choice. If he did Pacific Rim and everything. Well, right, but I mean, really, if you got, what do you got to go on? Yeah. I mean, similar kinds of things, but um, JJ my, could do good too. My, my choice would be Matt Reeves. He was the director of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I, I think he really gave the apes a voice in the last movie. And I think that he, uh, you know, he could finally be that someone that does that for the Autobots and Decepticons in Transformers Five. Yeah, it seems like Bay kind of um, screwed whoever has to step in after him with that ending. Like that's kind of like that's like a jerk move if you're a writer. Yeah, and and like you you write that cliffhanger and then you step away from the project. You really kind of like leave it to the next guy to fix your mess. You Which know? plot point do you focus on? 
Yeah, I mean, Optimus Prime is like flying off into space to take care of business. Right. So it's like, oh, God, the next guy's got it in for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Transformers 5, I'm a little excited that somebody else is going to be able to, you know, put their spin on the uh, Autobots and, and Decepticons. Yeah. That will be, it will be nice. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? They might offer him a ton of cash and he might come back. So. Yeah. I, that wouldn't surprise me either. Nope. He wasn't supposed to come back for four and then. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. Um, any final Transformers thoughts? Yeah, I'm Transformers. They're okay. Thanks, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the worst movies ever. Not the best movies ever. It's true. It's true. They, they are eye candy. Yeah. You know, just like the women he cast in the films too. I find myself if they're <laughs> if they're on TV watching them, they're good background. Yeah. You can have all that, though, without having to slap it all together in one film. Yeah. I could do without them. I'm ready for a new director, a new take on the Transformers. Yeah, let's see it. They should just reboot the damn thing. Let it be Bayformers, and let's see the new thing. You guys don't like my Matt Reeves suggestion, though? I, I like it, but let yeah. Matt Reeves just start over. Like a reboot? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think there's a problem yeah. when, I mean, you say you want Matt Reeves to come in and make these things relatable and kind of humanize them a bit. But Bay's left the thing as little human as possible yeah. the way he ended it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's I, almost up to Bay to finish this before another director comes in and does a reboot. Yeah. So I feel like I don't waste Matt Reeves having to fix Michael Bay's mess. It's true. Just get whoever in to fix this mess. And then because let's... honestly, Matt Reeves, when he took over Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, he actually took over a pretty successful film, in my opinion, yep. with Rise. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, I, I'm not poo-pooing your choice. I just, like I said, that guy's got a tough job. Whoever comes in to do this next movie, if they're going to do a movie that's part five and yeah. continuing off of this storyline, it's like, where do, where do you go? Frank suggested J.J. Abrams, but I mean, you know, I mm. mean. He's kind of high profile now for it, but. I mean, he would not really. I mean, when you, he is high profile. I'm not going to disagree with you there, but like, you know, Transformers is a huge franchise. And depending on if, uh, you know, Star Wars 7, you know, it's going to do great. Of course, everybody in the world's going to see it. But like, I mean, you know, if he did a, a Transformers coming off of, uh, Star Wars, I think everybody, especially if Star Wars is, is a huge success, you know, I think everybody would love to see him take on on the on the uh, Transformers. Yeah, that'd be a huge explosion yeah, of, of fans if if he. It'd be really polarizing too. I don't think everyone right. would be in support of it. And we'd hear a bunch of lens flare fucking Transformers bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, I still that shit's still not better. I'll be all over Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the first fucking lens flare I see, Abrams. God damn. <laughs> Oh, I'm with Jake. Reboot it if you're going to keep going with it. I can't think of a story based on where it was left that I actually want to see. Yeah, don't bring someone talented in just so they have to they work can't, with though. that. Guys, they've already haven't they already greenlit like uh, two more movies? So I mean, it sounds like they with them greenlit green lighting these films that these are going to be sequels. You know, to the second trilogy, which is Transformers Age of Extinction. What bums me out is, and as much as I say I hate them, every time one comes out, I go hoping that I'm going to enjoy it. And yeah. the first one was okay, and as the series has gone on, it's like less and less and less. And where I'm at is I just don't want to be disappointed anymore. Well, yeah, that's true. So maybe a new director will kind of get our hopes up, and we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. They'll probably get Brett Ratner or something. Oof. <laughs> I, I 
I think that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> X Men Last Stand. Anyone? He, he's the go to guy, and then the ha- the third Hannibal movie. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, MGM is planning to make uh, a brand new Ben-Hur remake. Um, The original Ben-Hur starred Hollywood legend Charlton Heston. And guys, in my opinion, it's one of the best films ever. Oh, yeah. I always remember as a kid the movie freaking me out because it was the only movie that forced you to watch it in widescreen. Yeah. Like Ben-Hur taught me to be that widescreen asshole that was always like, you should have the widescreen version. Right. Because when the chariot race happened, they wouldn't pan and scan it. They couldn't, yeah. They couldn't pan and scan no, it. No, absolutely not. And so they the thing would actually turn into widescreen and then return back to pan and scan when the yeah. chariot race was over. Right. And I remember that, that teaching me what aspect ratio was and yeah. how you were actually seeing more even though the black bars. So I'm like the – asshole little eight-year-old kid going no it's not covering up your tv you can actually see more because those bars are there yeah you know? when yeah. i was a kid it never bothered me honestly i never paid attention to it when i was little i mean if the movie was good enough i just keep watching and not really pay that much of attention to it yeah i remember even ghostbusters when ghostbusters was on hbo and pan and scan oh it drove me fucking crazy yeah. even as a kid i was like oh my god the scene when they're all shooting at the same time and it gets all blurry because yeah. they're pan and scan in between so it was Ben Hur that ruined those pan and scan movies for you. Ben Hur like opened my eyes. It was like yeah. you know oh, I could see what was going on in all this pan and scan, and I literally just couldn't take pan and scan anymore. I became that dork. For uh, MGM is uh, looking to cast actor Tom Hiddleston as Ben Hur. If you've never seen Ben Hur, then you've probably seen the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, and they're basically the same movie. Uh, a man is sold into slavery and then forced to compete in games to stay alive in order to take down an empire. Um, I, I heard an eh from you when they when 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 I mentioned the name Tom Hiddleston. Could you elaborate on your eh? You know what? I I had a brain fart and for some reason thought you meant Tom Hardy for a second. Oh, okay. No. And, then, and then as soon as I went, eh, I was like, no, Tom Hiddleston, Loki, not Tom Hardy Bane. Okay, because I was I was a little confused because I was like, maybe you could shed some light on that, but the, the fact is that you're just a fucking moron. Yeah, I just had a moment of... <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it was a fucking moron moment. I was no. like, oh, that guy's terrible. I was like, wait a minute, that Tom- guy's that terrible? <laughs> you think Tom Hardy's terrible? For for that role. For that role. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. yes. Okay. I was like, oh, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> But yeah, Tom Hiddleston, I gotta give that, like, MGM wanting to grab this guy for Ben-Hur. That's, that's a Tupperware, right? Yeah, if I'm Tom Hiddleston's agent right now, I, I am saying, come on, Tom, you're riding the biggest wave of your life. Why yeah. aren't, why aren't you embracing this and nailing some roles? Yeah, well, that's the thing. He does have some roles that he's up for right now, and it's gonna be a very, very critical time in his career to make a decision because, uh, let's see here, John Ridley, Let's let's talk about these films that he's up for. Okay, John Ridley, who won an Oscar recently for writing the screenplay uh, for Twelve Years a Slave, mm-hmm. fantastic movie. Won the Oscar for best film last year. Absolutely fantastic. I- I'll be honest with you, the movie was a very emotional movie, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there was a dry eye that left that theater when I went that day. I can't imagine watching that movie in a public forum. 
I did. And, uh, you know, I like to watch all these movies that are, you know, up for Oscars and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I wanted to see it and, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm glad I was alone because I would have been a little bitch if I would have brought a female with me. Oh, jeez. Because seriously, this movie is very emotional. Um, but, uh, you know, it's very exciting that they got John Ridley. You know, writing the screenplay for this. Tom Hiddleston currently has to choose between this movie and another that's been offered to him titled Me Before You. And it's based on the Jojo Moyes novel. Uh, the story would then depict, this movie would depict Tom Hiddleston as a lifelong overachiever who, after an accident, is restricted to a wheelchair, becoming suicidal as he questions his worth. So the question is, you know, wow, I mean, do you choose the lower budget film that could get him some amazing accolades? Something like, you know, with fucking like mm. Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you pull the trigger on like the big blockbuster like, you know, Sandra Bullock did with Gravity and choose, you know, uh, you know, Ben Hur, which could make, you know, Tom Hiddleston a household name because right now he's pretty much known to our community. Yeah, you know, as Loki, we all know Tom. Hiddleston. I couldn't name another movie this guy is in. Right, exactly. I know exactly. Like he's in a movie about vampires, but it was limited release. I don't even know if it's out yet. Yeah, yeah. But Other uh, than Thor and Thor Two and Avengers, hmm? yeah. Ben Hur could catapult this guy into superstardom. He was in War Horse. Yeah, very small role, but like this Ben Hur movie could catapult him into superstardom. But on the flip side. This other movie that they're talking about, uh, Me Before You, at the end of that thing, he could be standing at a podium in front of his peers holding a fucking Oscar. Hmm. So what the fuck do you pick? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if Ben-Hur is good enough, it's the best of both worlds. It could be in Best Picture of the Year. Yeah. But, I mean, usually, like, think about this. You got a guy who's being it's it's kind of like a rehash story. We've seen fucking Ben Hur, we've seen Gladiator. I can't see somebody else reinventing this role after Charlton Heston. Yeah, after Russell it could Crow. win picture of the year, but you know, yeah, exa- after yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I can't I I I think a new something new like this independent film you know, me before you, where he plays this guy who's restricted to a wheelchair. You've got emotional scenes. It's throwing your emotions all over the fucking place. Right. Could yeah. be a tearjerker and all that shit. This is tough because do you take the big peg check by MGM, become a household name, or do you just hope? Do you throw the fucking dice like you're in fucking Vegas and hope that this fucking movie wins movie of the year and he gets best actor of the year with this other movie? This is fucking huge, <laughs> huge decision for him. Mm. I, in a way, you know, he's got a lot to look forward to, but in a way, he's got a lot to lose. It is interesting, and you bring up Matthew McConaughey. He seems to find the the fucking magic trick to be able to juggle doing both kind of things at almost all times. Agreed. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's got the new Nolan movie coming Interstellar. out. Interstellar. Yeah. yeah, and then in the meantime, doing Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, doing, doing True Detective. Yeah, and doing stuff like that. How does this guy do it? Yeah, but Matthew McConaughey, to be fair, he's got his kind of right now. He's got his. Uh, he's got his. He's really deep, knee deep in Hollywood shit. I mean, guy's a workhorse. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I mean, but uh, you know, Tom Hiddleston on the flip side. I mean, he's kind of new into the game mm-hmm. and things like that. We really only know him as Loki. But this is uh, he could separate himself from the pack. 
The good thing is I want to see this guy go on to do great things. The bad thing is the better he does at the other's films, the less likely it is we're going to see him come back as Thor, as Loki in Thor 3. Yeah. I'm excited. One thing about him as the Ben-Hur character is it will, it'll be fun to root for him when we're supposed to be rooting for him. Yeah. Because he's a very likable actor. Right. So that, that would be fun. Yeah. I think I'd rather see him in the other role. In just the, for in, him as an actor. Yeah. Because, I mean, money-wise, he's never going to have an issue with money. I mean, right. he's making money over money with all the Avengers stuff. And even just doing cons later on in life, he'd be all right. But, I mean, I think he's going to want to show everybody what he's made of, his range. And I think the other role is probably going to be a little bit better for that. Yeah, I've been her. You can just almost get anybody to do that to do that thing, kind of. Yeah. Like, what, what's his name from Avatar and Clash of the Titans? Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Just throw him in there. No, it could no, be anybody, no, 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 right? No, but that's the that's the difference between making a. That's be, that's the difference between making a good Ben Hur and a bad Ben Hur movie <laughs> is the casting. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think what they're going for here is they really. I mean, they've got John Ridley behind it. Yeah, you know. So I mean, um, I, I think they're wanting to cast a big name. Yeah, um, it's not going to be a big popcorn movie, right? It's exactly. going to be it's going to be something serious. Yeah, definitely. Good. Gonna good. Be that's serious. exciting. You know, I mean, yeah, I think they want. It is, it's a tough decision that he's going to have to fucking make, though. Yeah. I'm excited for the chariot race. The oh, new chariot race. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm rooting for Sebulba. <laughs> <laughs> what was the curse word that he yelled when he fucking went down? Uh, Bantadudu or whatever. So, yeah, was yeah, it Ichuta? Yeah. Ichuta. Yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. All right, moving on here. Uh, the World War II tank movie starring Brad Pitt, John Bernthal from Walking Dead. Shane, your buddy. I know you're a big Walking Dead fan, fan Frank. Yeah. And uh, Shia LaBeouf uh, is not coming out November 14th. We hear about all these movies that are being pushed back, right? You yeah, know, Sh- Shia LaBeouf had to have fucked this up somehow, right? <laughs> we'll talk about Shia LaBeouf here in a second. But, you know... You've got all these movies being pushed back, and usually when a movie's being pushed back, it's a bad sign. We we had that movie, The Kingsman, which came out, which kind of looks like a uh, teenage James Bond movie. Yeah. And Kingsman was supposed to come out in November, and now it's getting pushed back to – it's a Mark Millar, Vince Vaughn-directed – not Vince Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn-directed movie. Based Ma- off Secret Service? Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn, of course, the director of X-Men First Class. Uh, the and, first kick-ass. Yeah. So – I mean, uh, this movie is now getting pushed to February, hmm. so it's kind of a bad sign. Maybe they were worried about the other movies being released in November, thought I had a better shot in February. But either way, um, there's a World War II tank movie with Brad Pitt. It was supposed to come out November 14th. It is, in fact, coming out on October 17th now, hmm. and this movie looks pretty damn good. I've seen the preview for it. I personally love World War II movies anyway. I can't wait to see this one. I'm going to give you the official synopsis. It's set in April 1945. As the Allies make their final push in the European theater, Fury features a battle-hardened army sergeant named War Daddy, who's played by Brad Pitt. He commands a Sherman tank and her five-man crew on a deadly mission behind enemy lines. They are seriously outnumbered and outgunned. And they, they give that exposition in the fucking trailer. I mean, seriously Did you see this outgunned. trailer in the theater? Or just yes. A, okay. In the theater. I uh, can't remember what movie it was I was seeing, but I but I, I did see it. Not seen this uh, one yet. They're outnumbered, they're outgunned, and with a rookie soldier thrust into their platoon, 
War Daddy and his men face overwhelming odds in their heroic attempts to strike at the heart of Nazi Germany. Um, we're going to get to see some really cool tanks in this movie. I love seeing tanks in movies. Um, one of the reasons that I love seeing trains too. Like one of the reasons I was excited to see Lone Ranger was because of the train. <laughs> the trains. Yeah. I you guess. must love throw mama from the train. Yeah. I love, I, yeah, yeah. Because it was a cool train. And I was also a big fan of what, what was the, uh, uh, from the, Goonies? No, the, uh, uh, Richard Pryor, uh, the Gene Wilder movie. Oh, was God. it the, the the silver bullet or whatever yeah, the fuck that was that's called? Right. So silver streak or I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, huge plan. Yeah, huge, huge fan of that. Wild Wild West. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of uh, Thomas the Choo Choo Train or whatever. The fuck <laughs> Motherfucker. Is. What about that Denzel Washington one that just came out recently? With right, Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Under siege. Under siege. Oh, the second one? Dark Territory. Yeah. No, I like the first one with the chick busts out of the cake. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we got derailed there. To- <laughs> Another train I reference. Did you see what I did there? But we're going to see some really cool tanks in the movie. And Fury marks the first time a genuine Tiger One tank has been used in the production of a World War II film. Uh, Fury features... Tiger 131, the UK's Bovington Tank Museum, the only fully functioning Tiger tank in the world. That's awesome. That is fucking awesome. They probably had to get like special clearance and shit to use Absolutely. that and everything. That's cool. Very fucking cool. And now when it goes back to the museum, it's going to be able to say it was featured in the movie, movie Fury. Yeah. So good for the museum. Awesome. Um, and I'm looking forward to this movie, but I wanted to talk about the crazy production rumor about this movie from Vanity Fair, and this goes back to Shia LaBeouf. Oh, no. All right. Check this shit out. A source tells the Daily Mail that LaBeouf has been unpopular on the set of Fury, the World War II drama filming in England, because he is maddeningly, quote, trying to prove that he is the most dedicated star. Oh, gosh. Among his reported endeavors in extremity, ripping out his own tooth and taking a clear stand against showers as a means of solidarity with his character, an American soldier embedded in the trenches. A source tells the paper he pulled out his own tooth (laughs) during the first few weeks of filming and then refused to shower for weeks on end so he could better understand how his character would have felt living in the trenches. Yeah, this guy's a nutball. Fucking no shit. A. shit. <laughs> like, I understand method actors and shit. Yeah. I understand, like, Heath Ledger. I understand, you know, uh, what is his name? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and shit. I understand yeah. method actors. But you know what? Take a fucking shower. <laughs> Take a shower. Keep your teeth in your mouth. Keep your teeth in your fucking mouth. <laughs> no shit. Oh, Jesus. That's, Wow. It's bizarre, isn't it's it? It's crazy. I, I can imagine the people. I mean, did he did he do it in private or public? Because I mean, you'd have to think that. It, I'm sure he did it in public. I'm he sure would he want did. as much attention Absolutely. as he could get. Nobody tried to stop him. I mean, what the hell did he do? Tap it out? I mean, somebody could have walked up and said, "Hey, maybe you might want to think about." No, my this? question is, how does one pull their fucking tooth out to begin with? I don't know. Like at the roots and shit. Pliers. Holy fuck! <laughs> I saw on uh, Jackass Three they tied one guy's tooth to the bumper of a Lamborghini. 
You know, yeah, but this is not Jackass Four where they tie it to a fucking Fury tank. This is fucking <laughs> right. Shia LaBeouf in a serious role. And in what scene in the fucking movie does he have to pull his fucking tooth out? I want to know what that all comes down to. Yeah, that's dedication for you. I it's, think he's onto something. Dedicate? No, that's medication. <laughs> right? That's medication. I mean, if there's a part, I mean, if the guy's missing a tooth, they got ways around that. I don't understand him. And then apparently pungent de- – his pungent oh. dedication to his craft was not popular with the crew. Uh, Shia was warned about his behavior by several people on set, including Brad Pitt and the director, David Ayer, and was allegedly moved to a different hotel. <laughs> oh. Quote, he didn't heed any of their warnings and found himself staying in a small bed and breakfast hotel away from the rest of the cast. Wow. That's when you can't even get along with the people that you're on set with. There's something seriously wrong. There are some screws loose in this guy's hat. This guy's going to be blackballed by all of Hollywood yeah. very soon, yeah, if absolutely. not already. Absolutely. I'm just envisioning Reek from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Shia LaBeouf, he's gone off the edge. He's off the deep end. That's crazy. And what is it with, I mean, what was her name? Damn it. Um, blonde hair girl. Oh, yeah, that narrows it down to nobody. Oh, every girl in fucking Sweden. Uh, what? Uh, fuck. Amanda Bynes. She went crazy like this. Yeah. And she, like, had nose jobs, and she's, you know, calling people out on Twitter. And yeah, get, she went Twitter nuts. What the hell? Yeah. And you got Justin Bieber, who's just being a little jackass all over the place. Yeah. What is up with young Hollywood nowadays? <laughs> young Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. She started it. She started the crazy. You can see her naked ass and machete. <laughs> We've gone off topic. No, that's like the last movie I remember her being in. Yeah. I saw Freaky Friday. <laughs> yeah. So, How far we so, fall. Yeah. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, toothless and stinking. Shia LaBeouf, he didn't fall too far. He wasn't that high up to begin with in my... He had all the potential, yeah, though. Yeah. He really did. He was like Spielberg's baby. Yeah. Spielberg just could not like sell him any more than he tried right. to. You know, Transformers, the first one, was successful. He did Eagle Eye, which was was, was okay. And then you had him in, like, the... Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. And, I mean, I don't know. He, he He's really he's really self-destructed. Yeah, definitely. Like this fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's getting like kicked out of like Broadway plays and stuff too. Oh, and then the plagiarism. Yeah. And he did it with a guy that I really respect. I'm a huge fan of Jim Gaffigan and he had Jim Gaffigan star in that fucking thing. And to have Jim Gaffigan's name attached to something that Shia LaBeouf ripped off another author pisses me off. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, that was interesting stuff too. All right, you want to move on to some Marvel yeah. news? Okay, we've got Marvel news, we got DC news coming up and some Star Wars news. Some Yeah, some good Star Wars news. Yeah. Uh, Marvel News, Terry Crews, the actor who recently starred in, uh, you know, he's in, he's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and. He's our new Daredevil, right? Am I Terry Crews is Daredevil? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm thinking of Charlie Cox. Yes, I'm crazy. Yeah, no, uh, Terry Crews is like the, uh, extremely buff African American dude that fucking kicks <laughs> yes. ass. Yes. I'm just so. picturing him as Daredevil. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> no, he's Mr. Old Spice commercials. All right, I told, yeah, I got you. I told you I was feeling unwell. You are really sick, aren't you? <laughs> Gosh. It's okay, Jake. Jake, we, I still love you, man. Terry Crews, Luke Cage, not Daredevil. Yeah. He still is really, really wanting to be um, 
uh, Luke Cage for those for those Netflix series, which we haven't heard any announcements other than the Charlie Cox casting and some of the Daredevil casting. We haven't heard anything from uh, you know like the uh, Jessica Jones front and the Iron Fist front and and the t- and the Luke Cage front. Yeah, I was led to believe that all these would be coming out a lot closer to each other. So I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything like that. Absolutely, me too. And you know. But, uh, yeah, Terry Crews is still petitioning, so he actually had a statement recently, and I wanted to play that for everybody. This is how passionate Terry Crews is about playing Luke Cage. Terry Crews has made no secret of the fact that he'd like to play Luke Cage on screen, and while we were recently talking Expendables 3 with the Man Mountain, the subject of the superhero inevitably came up. They haven't called me. Uh... <laughs> I will be. I would love to play any superhero that they feel I could play. And it seems Cruz loves this whole genre, with the star struggling to pick a favorite. Yeah, I would love to play Luke Cage. I would. I heard that they, you know, they finally greenlit, you know, that whole thing, and I would love to do something like that. Cage was like that original one that you said this was me. This is my guy. This is the character. So he's equivalent to. To Superman to me. Marvel is currently collaborating with Netflix on a Luke Cage TV series, and we think Cruz would be a perfect fit. But what do you guys reckon? Let us know in the comments below, and keep your eyes on IGN for all the latest movie news. All right, so thank you, IGN, for that interview. I thought that was really revealing, like, this guy is passionate about Luke Cage. He wants to play the man with indestructible skin, a guy that can go toe-to-toe with pretty much any fucking powerhouse in the fucking Marvel Universe. What do you guys think about Terry Crews as fucking Luke Cage? Is it not the perfect fucking casting? Is it not obvious? <laughs> it is obvious. I, I thought it was fu- neat how he um, compared it to being his Superman, too. Yeah. So, yeah, this seems like... A match made in heaven. Yeah, yeah it's it's Patrick Stewart, Professor X. Absolutely. Just do it. Pull the fucking trigger already. Call him. I mean, the guy has to get on fucking social media and shit. Not social media, but fucking talk to IGN and say, I haven't received a phone call yet. Do you think that kind of shit works against Terry Crews, that he should just shut up and just wait for the call? Not at all. I think if he kept his mouth shut, he might not get a call at all. They might be looking at an actor, uh, another actor. They might be looking at, like, Morris Chestnut. I know he's been, like, petitioning to play Black Panther, but mm. they might look at Morris Chestnut or somebody else. You know, but with... with with Terry Crews coming out and saying, I want to be this guy, if that shit kind of blows up on Twitter and social media and saying, yeah, Marvel, you need to make the obvious choice, I think it could work in his favor. Hmm. It all depends on how people react on the internet, in my opinion. Yeah, and so far, i got to imagine people are saying, what the fuck, this is the exactly. perfect casting. Yeah. What so. do you think, Frank? I'm with it, and he's not saying anything bad at all when, you know, he's not butthurt because they haven't asked him. It'd be great if they just picked up on it and threw him in there. Yeah, he definitely didn't come off as butthurt. Right. Yeah. He wasn't like the Falcon whining about not being in Avengers 2. Yeah. He's such a great guy, and I've really enjoyed everything he's done from, like, Everybody Loves Chris, where he played the father. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love this guy, Terry Crews. He's funny. He's got a great range. I think Marvel would be silly not to cast him, and I think it would be great if they incorporated Luke Cage into a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, even if it's just for a cameo, because everybody knows Terry Crews. Everybody appreciates him and his work. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, make him Luke Cage. He is Luke cage It'd be a great fit absolutely get so. him a yellow t-shirt Stat. fucking a let's do this shit i want to see, see some gold chains man yeah fucking a. dude he's oh, sweet got, christmas he's got the build 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, he's got it locked down. I mean, this guy's got a range. I mean, he's funny and let's hey, pull the trigger, Marvel. What the fuck are you waiting for? Call this guy. I want to see a Luke Cage time travel movie. Where where a modern day Luke Cage time travels back to the seventies? Yeah, fucking a. <laughs> Someone needs to write this screenplay. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and like do the whole like like what they did in like Days of Future Past. Where yeah. Like when they went to the seventies, like the film even looked different. Yeah, exactly. Make right. it make it totally like that kind of movie. Right. You know? Yeah. So. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about James Gunn, a little bit about updates on Guardians of the Galaxy? Always. Fucking A you do, because it's your number one Marvel film, <laughs> it, isn't it? It is my number one Marvel film. <laughs> yeah. It may be one of my favorite films ever. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love your passion for it. Yeah, I, I just I can't I can't get enough. Alright. Now James Gunn he wouldn't spill the beans while talking to Empire saying he was talking about basically like uh who is Peter Quill's father? Yeah, yeah. All right, so here we go. James Gunn said, it's definitely not the character who it is in the comics. I'll say that much. Yes. So, Jake, you were right. I was wrong. It's not Jason. No Jason. Supposedly, the only people who know Star-Lord's father is in the, is, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are James Gunn, Kevin Feige, Michael Rooker, who plays Yondu, and then Sean Gunn, who played Yandu's right-hand man, Craglin, and is also James' younger brother. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that they're keeping even Chris Pratt out of this loop, uh, but it's understandable why. Um, you know, it's it's revealed that both Yandu and uh, Craglin know the identity of Star-Lord's father, so it only makes sense that the actors should know as well and vice versa for Chris Pratt. So, you know, they're trying to keep it as real as possible. Like Chris Pratt in the movies doesn't know who his father is. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, and of course, like these other characters, you know, Michael Rooker and then his right hand man, Sean Gunn, know. And of course, Kevin Feige's going to know he's the mastermind behind, behind all this. Yeah. And honestly, the Michael Rooker thing is like, I mean, he's best buds with James Gunn pre all this Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, too. True. So it doesn't True. surprise me that it's. His brother and his best bud, Michael Rooker, they're right. the only two people in, in the right. loop. Right, Yeah. But it also gives – it adds a little bit – I don't know. It adds a little bit for the whole film. I mean it adds a little bit to the cockiness of Michael Rooker's character having the fact that he knows too. You know what's It gives inter- him plenty of time to kind of like just like – it gives him plenty of time to just be kind of like cocky about the fact that he does know. I was just thinking that Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it's kind of like a lot of people are comparing the first movie to Star Wars and everything. Yeah. And it's like in episode four, it's like the fun rock movie. And episode five is going to be the Star Lord, I'm your father movie, right? It's the Empire Strikes Back. It is. It is. Is Is Peter Quill going to go, no, when he finds out who it is? It's going to be Thanos. Uh Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So who are the who are who are some of the people that you think might be might be his father? I think number one on the um, Star Lord power rankings, father power rankings is um, fucking Adam Warlock. You'd be surprised, uh, depending on the rankings, because, yeah? yeah, Adam Warlock is a possibility considering that really, you know, uh, they need him to be involved if they're truly going to follow the Infinity Gauntlet storyline with Thanos and the Avengers 3. 
Uh, Adam Warlock doesn't really fit the bill, at least as far as he's written in the comics. You know, Warlock, originally known as him, was a superhumanly powerful humanoid created by a group of scientists known as the Enclave, who were looking to create a perfect race of human beings without sin. This uh, quote-unquote perfect human being rebelled against his creators and traveled into space, coming into the possession of the Soul Gem. Later finding out Thanos is working to obtain all the Infinity Gems and recruits the Avengers to help stop him. Among other things they're leaving out so as to not completely uh, bore us, the fanboys. So what's not in his history is any time spent on Earth, you know. Um, all bets are off, though, at this point, I think. Yeah, true, but it's not its not in the comics where he comes down to Earth and, like, beds any women, like, you know, Peter Quill's mother. Yeah, that's true. Let's hear some more people. Uh, they say that a more likely possibility is Star Fox. Mm, gotcha. One the of, the one charisma of, guy. One of the Eternals. Uh, Star Fox is actually the brother of Thanos, and in contrast to his crazy brother is a fun-loving carefree womanizer and adventurer yeah so um i love star fox he does that not sound like somebody that we know already in the film peter quill himself yeah definitely uh so i mean that could that could be interesting oh i like that answer a lot in the and, and the fact that he was able to hold on to the power stone a lot longer than um you know some of the other characters Gives credence that he could be a fucking etern- half eternal. Yeah, um, Star Fox was in the Infinity Watch too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I always think of Star Fox hitting on Tigra and stuff. So I think I think <laughs> we're you know I think we're da- in my opinion we're down to those two choices. I think we're down to Star Fox. I think we're down to Adam Warlock. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna adjust my power rankings and put Star Fox in number one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Director James Gunn, he's been in Bangkok promoting the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. While he was there, he asked, he was asked uh, by uh, a fan about Star-Lord's father. And as he confirmed elsewhere, he told the crowd, I can say that the father in the movie, uh, I already mentioned this, he's not the one in the comic books. Um, but that's where he first released it. So he didn't even do it to an American audience. This was like a, an announcement made. Probably like know, that umpteenth time. time he'd been asked that. He's right. like, listen, it's not just son, so speculate yeah. away. Right. Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> but there was something that he saved for the Bangkok audience. He also replied – he was also asked to clarify if Star-Lord's father would be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. And Gunn replied – He'll be showing up pretty soon. So, yes. But does that mean pretty soon? We're looking at Guardian. Depends on what your meaning as soon is. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out in 2017. Do you have any other guesses as to when we might see a scene that shows maybe who his father is? Well, yeah, I think that um, goes even more to my... um Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2 being the Empire Strikes Back theory is maybe this character will be someone we'll see in a previous Marvel movie before the movie and then it'll be shown as a big reveal okay. in Guardians 2, you know? Could it be an after credit scene of somebody we haven't seen before without them actually saying that that's his dad? Well, that's Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Okay, all right. Well, it, it, and it may not even necessarily be an after credit scene. It may just be someone that's that's in a quick scene in the movie or something, you know? I was wondering if they were going to do that because, you know, they threw Howard the Duck in on us on 
uh, Guardians yeah. and threw everybody for a loop because as we you know don't yet know it doesn't have any bearing on anything. Are yet. you saying Howard the Duck is Star Lord's father? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he is a player, but no. Um, what I'm saying is like, okay, so they threw that in, and everybody's kind of like, okay, why'd they do that? Star Lord lays an egg like. This. <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of Avengers, somebody two, starts tossing bread at him. Howard is a real ladies' man too. Gamora's tossing yeah. bread at his feet and starts to eat it uncontrollably. <laughs> but I mean, like at the end of Avengers two, if the after credits scene, like we see somebody that we haven't seen before, like you're talking Star Fox, and they don't really tell you why he's there, or what he's doing, they just kind of let you see him. Mm-hmm. So you know they, they lay the egg. Not to pun Howard, but all right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they show you this guy, not tell you what who he is. Next or what time, he's say doing. plant the seed. Plant. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Lady, <Yeah. egg>. Lady. <laughs> Frank thinks it's Howard the Duck. No, I don't. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I think it would make sense, and everybody's gonna be like, "Who's that? What's he doing?" And not make the connection until later on. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. You don't want people just instantly calling it out. That character. I don't want it to be a throw-in, and and I I think it's not going to be a post-credit scene, anything like that in the movie. I think when Avengers: Age of Ultron comes out on Blu-ray, I think it'll be the one-shot movie, the one-shot short film. Gotcha. I got Michael Cornish inviting me to play Bubble Witch Saga Two. Oh, thanks for interrupting my thought for that, that, Jake. Sorry. No thanks, Michael Cornish. What Bubble Witch? What? Bubble Witch 2 Saga. Bubble Witch 2 Saga? Yeah. Oh, dude. No, you've got to play that. Bubble Witch 1 Saga was a fucking amazeballs. Really? No, I have no idea. Michael Cornish knows what's up. I should listen. I guess he knows what's up. (laughs) You should play it, man. No. All right. I don't do that. All right. So anyway, yeah, my guess would be probably like a one-shot film. Yeah. That's my guess, though. But who knows? I'm fucking wrong a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You, you think it'll be the Star Lord will get his own film? Not Star Lord, but Star Fox. No, I think that I, not his own, like, just a short film, like oh, one of those Marvel one shots gotcha. that they give out when the Blu-rays. Like you had Hail to the King, which fucking had you know Sir Ben Kingsley yeah. playing you know uh, you know uh, fucking Mandarin and pr- Trevor in prison, and then you had you know what I mean. I just think it might be one of those Marvel one shot films. I like your line of thinking. Maybe even a, a someone that appears on an episode of Shield. Oh man, but that means you gotta watch Shield. Yeah, but you don't have to. It's just if you did, you got you got to see the character before you saw him here yeah. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mar- Marvel's good at stuff like that usually. Yeah, it's it's no, it's a guess. Yeah, and I'll take it. I'll take it because it is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'll take that answer. Yeah, so, just a maybe. You think you, they could be kind of lining that up along with? I mean, if any groundwork that they decide to do in Avengers two for Thanos stuff. Hmm. I think there could be any kind of I don't of think we're going to see I a think lot we're of backing Thanos. off of the Thanos for a yeah, while. Yeah, I think we are. I think with Avengers 2, it's not going to be a Thanos movie. I yeah. think Guardians of the Galaxy, the way they went cosmic, I think that's our Thanos for right now. Yeah, okay. we're going to we're going to have Ultron and we're going to have the other the other guy. Exactly. Uh, Strucker, right? Yeah, Baron von Strucker at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. He gets def- Yeah, this is my theory. Baron von Strucker he gets defeated. They get control of that fucking gem. They get the gem back from Loki's staff because it's still on Earth. Mm-hmm. Ultron, somewhere, walking around Tony Stark's lab or walking around somewhere, gets control of that fucking soul gem, and that's what he uses to make the vision. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. 
Oh, that'll make Vision a key player when all the Infinity Gauntlet stuff goes down. Yeah, I think I think the Soul Gem is going to make Ultron sentient. I think, and on the flip side, once he becomes sentient, he's going to want to take the Ultron bots, rescue Jarvis, the AI from the bottoms of the depths of the ocean. They do that, and then he gives fucking the Vision a physical body, and then makes him sentient with the Soul Gem. And the Soul Gem being what it is, I mean. I think Jarvis still has a connection to Tony Stark. Mm. So I, I, th- I think it's going to be like, it's going to be an emotional piece where he has to choose between, you know, his, I don't know, creator uh, as far as like, you know, uh, uh, Ultron or if he's going to choose be- between like, you know, who, who actually created like, uh, his personality to begin with, which is Tony Stark. Hmm. I'm excited. Avengers 2. Yeah, it's my guess, but apparently Marvel has a script in hand. Um, and is ready to go on with an Inhumans movie. Yeah. Uh, we just need to hear an official green light on the film. And I think, uh, with the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, it's inevitable that we're going to hear that an Inhumans movie will be announced. I mean, you know, seriously, Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge gamble. It paid off. Characters that nobody had really followed or really known in like the public eye. Are, are are now characters that people are just you know naming off Rocket Raccoon Groot Star Lord you know everybody knows them now characters outside the popular you know Iron Man Captain America Hulk Thor in a movie that didn't even feature those guys <laughs> all it you know carried was the Marvel banner that's it uh, DC has to be kicking themselves I mean gosh they just can't do anything outside of Batman and Superman and everything Marvel does just turns to gold for them they can yeah. do anything. Mm-hmm. It seems like they can't fail. No, it's true. So, oh, man. Uh, the script has been penned by Joe Robert Cole, who came out of the same Marvel's writers program that allowed Nicole Perlman to kickstart development of Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. Um, there was a description of the Inhumans movie that surfaced on some industry boards, and the description was, the Inhumans are aliens who were put on Earth as sleeper cell aliens to eventually call back their race to take over the planet. Ultimately, the group of aliens fully assimilates and don't want to cause war. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see somewhere along the lines in one of these Marvel movies, the Terrigen Mist. Oh, definitely. And it's going to awaken the Inhumans, people that are on Earth right now that have no idea that they have the lineage to the Inhumans. The Kree race came down here years ago, did experiments, created the Inhumans, but there are Inhumans on the Earth that didn't make it to the civilization of Adelan. <laughs> and this Terrigen Mist gets released, and all of a sudden, Marvel Cinematic Universe has their own version of the X-Men. Yeah. Reminds me of, like, Battlestar Galactica, too. Yeah. All the sleeper agents. Yep. You wake them up, flip the switch, wake them up. Yeah, it's very reminiscent. That'll be exciting. That'll be an exciting ending to a movie if that if they introduce the Inhumans at the end of a movie rather than wait till the Inhumans movie. Another speculation that people are talking about is the fact that you know Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch can't be mutants. Yeah. They're being called miracles, but in all actuality, they could be written as Inhumans. Oh, that's awesome. 
So yeah, it's another it's another you know speculative guess. Don't be don't be a jerk, Quicksilver. Don't steal that Terrigen Mist in the uh, cinematic universe. I don't care how much Terrigen Mist that they have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. They're still never going to be able to beat Evan Peters. I don't care if he's fucking eating a breakfast sandwich from Hardee's. That, mother, <laughs> that motherfucker was awesome. Yeah. In, in Days of Future Past, he was amazing. I agree. I agree. Aaron Taylor Johnson too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't exactly. Even, I don't even have words for it. Right. It just Evan Peters is great. Right. You can't you can't stop that guy. That guy is amazing and I can't wait for Apocalypse get to see more Quicksilver. Yeah, you know awesome. they're going to give us more. They're going to they already said they're going to give us more. But I think a lot more. Uh I uh. want to be spoon-fed. I don't want it beat over my head. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, you know, just like the Hulk in these movies. You get too much Hulk and I I think it takes away from like the fun moments of the character that kind of split up the movie and make it really fun for us. You I I think you can still be spoon-fed and still have it be a lot more. I think we can both be right cuz we really only got one scene in the last movie. Yeah. And so it could yeah. be it can be just 20 minutes of time and it's a lot more. That's true. So, yeah, but you know what? We're getting more Quicksilver, but like, can he ever live up to like what he did in that fucking first Days of Future Past? Yeah, hopefully they don't just try to recreate the same joke, you know, but you know what? Evan Peters, fun character, fun, fun performance, fun character. Let's just find some more fun things to do. Let's not, you know, let's not like try to fucking reinvent the wheel here either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let's, let's give people what they want, but. Like you said, Frank, I personally, I'm in your camp. I want to be spoon-fed my, my, my Quicksilver because I think a little – sometimes you you want more, but uh, when you actually get it, it's not really what you wanted. And I've right. always said like with Beetlejuice, he was only featured in the movie for 17 minutes, but every minute counted. And uh, every time Michael Keaton was Beetlejuice, it was just amazing. And, and that's what I want for my Quicksilver. Just like get him in there, make him a memorable performance, but like get him out of there too. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Get him in, get him out. That's what he does. He's Ex- fast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I can understand why they're wanting to put Quicksilver in another movie. Because, well, yeah, because yeah. the audience reaction. Yeah, exactly. And people are going to want to be like, they want to sit down and see what, what's he going to do now. Right. I yeah. think one way they could go about that that's different is because they did uh, draw it out there where, you know, he – time slowed down for him and he was doing all these crazy things to him um maybe flip it on its head and then have things happen and have him be like oh yeah i did that i want to see him do it you want to see it again yeah that's fun as long as it's not lame though like you're saying as long as it's not the same joke a second time yeah 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 don't play another song yeah like just don't do the exact same thing again you know try to think of something clever and new because, I mean, some stuff, they could drop that here and there, and because you didn't even see him do it, maybe that could be the hook. Right. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to the X-Men sequel, man. I yeah, can't wait I to do. see how they realize Apocalypse. <sighs> I can't wait to see a fully realized Apocalypse. That's either. that's going to be a sight to see. Yeah. I, I, hope, I, can't, I, I can't wait to see more pictures. I can't wait to just all the pre-production. You know, it's probably going to be more of the same. We're going to see blow-dryer Apocalypse and get all scared, and then... We're going to see a great movie, hopefully, you know? All right. So, in my opinion, and people aren't going to agree with me, but I think you can only go up from what we saw from Brolin Thanos. Yeah. I mean, I I said in the last podcast, I'm going to give it like a low taste it because I, I, I just didn't – I loved everything about the design except for like 
the the brawling brawling Thanos face. Yeah. It just didn't do it for me, man. I want to see those big black menacing eyes. I don't know. That's just me. And the voice was not there for me. Yeah, the voice. It's always tricky with voices for like Thanos. And uh, what's Apocalypse going to sound like? Oh man, and just the whole thing. Yeah. So. It'll be inter- it'll be cool to see. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing for me, but you know, you think of Apocalypse, and my mind automatically goes back to that '90s X-Men cartoon, the voice that he had in that, and that was a pretty damn good job, I thought. I yeah, mean, I don't think that voice is going to work in a live-action movie, though. I think that's going to come off very like theatrical. I, I think agree. they need to cast Bobcat Goldthwait. Personally, <laughs> but I, I want. I, I agree with you that that exact voice wouldn't work live action. But they need something that conveys the similar kind of tone and feeling of superiority and just ultimate destruction. Yeah, while that's, we're, that's that's what Marvel's done. I think they've done a great job with Ultron and getting James Spader in there. They, even though we haven't heard him, like the people at SDC C got to hear. You know James Spader as Ultron, but I think you know I, I, I think that was a really cool casting. But yeah, who do you get as Apocalypse? Right. Yeah, I don't know. And while we're at it, can we do the Juggernaut over again? Can what? We, can we do the Juggernaut oh, yeah. over again? Oh, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! Uh, yeah, please. Can we get the Juggernaut right? Yeah, that would be awesome. I own X Men number thirty two, which is the uh, first appearance of Juggernaut. By the way, oh, that, that's a great own. Throwing that out there, that's a great own. What's Juggernaut's name? Uh, he's related to Professor X. He's his brother, isn't he? Yeah. Half brother. Isn't it um, Kane Marco? Am I wrong? That sounds right. Yeah, I can't think that of sounds it right. right. Yeah. X Men trivia. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's talk about. You guys want to talk about a little bit of uh, Captain America three? Yeah, sure. that sounds good. All right. SFX recently spoke with Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, the writers responsible for the summer's Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, and they are, they were asked if there were any characters that they really wanted to put into a Captain America film that they weren't able to. And here's their response. I don't know if there's anybody that we had in the wings that we couldn't pull off. There's, there are people that I'm always wanting to bring in. I want to put MODOK into something. Yay! But you can't just drop a giant floating head in. It's not like, oh, we have to go talk to this guy. There's something I should tell you about him first. <laughs> uh, suddenly, the whole movie needs to take on that structure and in order to accommodate him. I never win that fight. So it sounds like it's something that you know the writers are fighting for, but it sounds like maybe like Kevin Feige and some of the other guys are just kind of like, mm, yeah, it's a little over the top. Exactly. Let's get Modoc. Let's get Aim. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, that sounds like fanboys right there. Yeah, you know, and that's what Stephen Marcus, uh, Stephen McFeely, and Christopher Marcus sound like. But it sounds like you know some of like the big wigs in Marvel are still, even though they've make they've taken a lot of risks. Hey, man, if you can have a fucking talking raccoon and a walking tree, you can pull off a floating fucking head, right? Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, I mean, hell, even Star Wars is talking about having a floating hand. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know what we need is Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's have a talking planet. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe he's Star-Lord's father. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for the mother. Yeah. Um but, uh, yeah, Christopher Marcus, uh, loves the character, and last month he was talking to Comic Book Movie, and he had this to say about putting Modoc and, and other obscure Cap, 
Captain America uh, characters into these movies. He said, "There's a it's a it's a little tricky because some of them are theoretically very good. Some of them have great concepts, but are really tough to pull off visually. Like Flag Smasher, who wants to destroy nations, and that's a terrorist and seems like a guy you could work with, but he literally has a cape and flies on flying skis." And then you're like, okay, do we take away everything? And then he's just a guy and we're not fully portraying the character. They're tricky to bring across. I always wanted to do MODOK. He mentions MODOK again. Yeah. But it seems like we're leaving our grounded political arena way behind when you've got a giant floating head on a rocket chair. So sounds like these guys really want to find a great way to incorporate MODOK. It's just that they're having a hard time convincing everybody else in Marvel to pull the trigger. That's interesting what they say about the Flag Smasher and kind of what they have to do to tone him down for the movie. Right. I mean, they did this kind of stuff in Captain America 2 with um, Bat-Rock, Batrock Zilipa. Yeah. Yeah, they took that really hyper-exaggerated character yeah. and kind of toned him down for the Marvel Universe. Right. So you can already, I mean, it's already has been done. You know, they can right. do it. It's, right. They just have to get probably the okay yeah. from the studio. I. I think they've shown they don't have a problem modernizing it. And I think fans have shown that if it's done well, we're not going to... I didn't hear anyone saying, oh, they raped my childhood because they changed Batroxy Leaper, you know? Oh, exactly. So, you yeah. Know. I can't see any, like, people, like, protesting, like, oh, my gosh, that's not my Flag Smasher. Yeah, Flag Smasher has skis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, they ruined, they ruined this movie. That's not, yeah, that is not my Flag Smasher. Where is Flag Smasher's cape? <laughs> 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 so true. So you know, I it just pull that trigger, go for it. But go for but it. But the and but the problem is with Modoc. I don't think there is no toning down. Yeah, it's 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 either a giant floating head with tiny arms and legs, but or see, it's not there. Right? I do. I I do understand. I, I understand like why they want these characters in there because they're huge fanboys of the characters. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's like like it, it is. How do you fit in a like a floating head when like Captain America three, like the main focus is going to be like this winter soldier story again. You know what I mean? And, and they're back to kind of like this political thing because they've already said like, there's like, you know, we don't know every hidden agenda behind the winter soldier. Yeah. Political intrigue, floating head. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the, um, X-Men analog for this character is, um, Mojo. Yeah. Like trying to pull that off oh, and have God, it not yes. be a big, like, you know. Oh, my God, yes. But I'd I'd love to see that done. God, Mojo is such a bizarre-looking character design, right? Yeah, and then to have, like, his whole, what is his world called? The Mojoverse. Right. Yeah, yeah, and to have all that and incorporate all of it. But I've always wanted to see, like, all that, like, Longshot and Dazzler introduced into the movies. Yeah. And I wish X-Men would go that route. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Captain America 3, I'm still very excited for that movie. Um, did you see that David Isaac? I think it was David Isaac posted that thing. Like It said, like, Marvel Studios. Oh, they, they changed the date? They changed the date, <laughs> and they, they moved it back to, like, they moved it forward to the uh, uh, Batman v Superman date. I wish that was true. That was so fucking hilarious. <laughs> I wish that was true. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Latino Review is reporting that there will be cameos in Ant-Man. 
that will connect it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this Star Lord's father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Howard the Duck is in this movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, actually, the 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 reveal is they did reveal it. Um, Howard the Duck and Hank Pym, their love child is Star Lord. I knew it. Yep, <laughs> Frank, you you were partially <laughs> right. No, but uh, they uh, no. This was a big question for you. Like Jake, yeah. you were talking like like this seems like the the most the movie most removed from like everything else that's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely. So how is this going to connect? Okay. Um, there's Latina Review Report, and it's, it's a rumor, of course, but here's what they say. In earlier drafts of the script, okay, Hank Pym in the first act prologue has a meeting at S.H.I.E.L.D. and meets up with Howard Stark, Peggy Carter, Arnim Zola, and here's a cool one, a young Alexander Pierce. Mm. Uh, but this rumor comes possibly just from uh, news relating to the old script. Yeah. Uh, so who knows if these scenes are featured in a film since Edgar Wright left. It has been rescripted. Peyton Reed has done work on the script. Adam McKay did a pass on it. And then Andrew Barr and Gabriel Ferrari are set to do rewrites on the script as well. Which this movie is actually going to start, I believe, filming next week or in two weeks. And then they've got less than a year to get all the post-production stuff and effects added. This is a time cruncher. God, it's always a bad sign when you watch an opening movie credits and it says written by and you see five or more people. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Bad sign. Something's going to – that's just a bad, bad, bad time. Could Ant-Man be Marvel's first bust? Could Ant-Man be Marvel's first wrong move? Yeah, and, and we're not talking about the original Eric Bana film because that was not a Marvel Studios no, film that every, came out before the Mar- before Marvel Studios was a thing. Iron Man was the yes. first Marvel Studios film. So everything post Iron Man could could Ant Man be Marvel's first bust? And we're not saying that Iron Man two was a bust. No. Okay. I mean, as far as making money financially, it was a success. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Purely on a financial level, could be could this be the first movie that's kind of meh? I think at this point, this has the highest chance of being a bust. Absolutely. I feel like people are still upset about the Edgar Wright thing. Yeah, I feel like there's a chance that that upsetness could become even more to the forefront once we get around to this movie's coming out in a couple of months, and that a lot of hardcore people may even not see it they're, right. because they're so upset about the Edgar, Edgar Wright stuff. But you know, something I was wrong about. Um, in a way, I don't know if it's going to talk about the current state of Shield, but um, it, it it sounds like from like the earlier drafts of the script, we're going to get a prologue to like uh, you know old members of Shield and people involved in Shield. Like I said, Howard Stark, Peggy Carter, Arnim Zola, and then a young Alexander Pierce. Alexander Pierce, of course, was the character played by Robert Redford yeah. in Winter Soldier. So it's uh, that's very cool, though. All right? flashback stuff. Is All what flashback stuff, including with Hank Pym. I, they're going to have a, a younger actor play Michael Quite, Douglas. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but I think we can all agree, you know, uh, that these scenes are going to be very cool. And I think it's going to also help to see like more Howard Stark, who's been rumored to be possibly showing up in the Peggy Carter series. Mm, yeah. It'll also like put a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, it'll help Marvel put out this Peggy Carter, uh, agent Peggy, Peggy Carter TV series, put her in a new, another movie right before that show's come out. I think it'll put a little steam behind that. 
um, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So, um, Peyton Reed, I know a lot of people are upset about him taking over as the director of Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to play a little bit of an interview that he had recently. Screen Rant interviewed new director Peyton Reed about Ant-Man. I just wanted to play that here real quick because I actually like the interview. How are you? I'm nice to meet you. Um, obviously, the movie's been in flux, but now we're here. Can you talk to me about what the thematic art of the movie is for you in this form currently? Current? Yeah, I mean, the thematic arc really is like, it is a sort of passing of the torch movie. I mean, the idea that Michael Douglas and, and Paul Rudd are playing this kind of bent mentor and, and pupil, where Rudd's character, you know, is an ex-con, he's a thief. Um, that's appealing to me. So it, it has that aspect. And it's also got the structure of like a heist movie, which is which is really good. And it's also like a, a real personal dynamic to the movie, too. It's, you know, in the comics, Scott Lang has a daughter, and that's part of the movie, too. And that's, you know, something so it... You know, on that, in terms of the character dynamics that are going on, that really appealed to me. Can you just talk a little bit about what the fun is of playing with a character who can command an army of ants? Yeah, I think that's the number one question when you see like the Ant Man posters of like ants. What, what would you do if you could command an army of ants or fly on an ant? And I think, and I think the movie is going to answer that question. I mean, the great thing about ants is that you know he's created the helmet where he can control them, and it's like mobilizing an army, and they can have access to certain places that we wouldn't be able to, or you know the flying around, or just you know it's almost like being invisible, like just being able to get somewhere without being noticed. Was there something you've come up with when you were just laughing yourself like that's a great idea? There's a lot of it. Yeah, no, I mean we sit around and 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 most of the days as we're sprinting into prep is just. You know, coming up with what the crazy, like from the comic book years of reading Ant-Man, like, I want to see that. I want to see this moment and trying to get them in the movie that way. And also being supported by a visual effects team that can actually really do it. Yeah, a visual effects team that can pull off ants. Yeah, I I like that. I, Peyton Reed sounds really excited. He does. He really does. And he does. sounds really passionate. And he... Yeah, yeah. I like that. If it's anybody's good. gonna, if they're gonna pass it on the project to anybody else, I think Peyton Reed was a good choice. I really do. Yeah, f Edgar Wright. That's what I say. No, I don't say f Edgar Wright. I wish that Edgar Wright would come out publicly and say, "I'm happy for Peyton Reed." Yeah, and I hope that the movie does well. He's a jerk. He won't do that. Man, really. You think so? Yeah, I, I. The more and more I think about this whole thing, I think if we ever find out anything, it's going to be that Edgar Wright was not the team player here. I just have a hard time believing that Marvels just were that hard to work with. That Edgar Wright couldn't make it work. Other, you know what I'm saying? If it was something so bad, he'd be all over talking about it. Well. It's just I don't know, especially with the success James Gunn had with Guardians of the Galaxy. And how much freedom he had with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a good point. And, and all he does is talk about how Marvel did nothing but support all of his decisions and what he wanted to do. And how much of his... And he's coming back to do the sequel. Co- yeah. And how much of his sensibilities he got to put into the movie. You know, he his brother's freaking in the movie. He's yeah. doing the motion capture for this and that. You know what I'm saying? I He was able to just have the run with these characters. Yeah. And Ant-Man wasn't so sacred. I, what could Marvel have done that made Edgar Wright so upset? And it kind of put Marvel in a bad position now with this because it seems like it's becoming like a rush job at this point because yeah. they haven't even really started like, 
you know, they've started like pre-production and things like that, you know, filming set locations and things like that. But I mean, actors really haven't gotten on stage. The San Diego Comic-Con footage that was released was just voice acting. Yeah. And it was just like concept computer graphics. I mean, it was not actual actors in those scenes. So yeah, it's, uh, Marvel's really going to have their work cut out for them when it comes to this Ant-Man film. I, I hope Peyton Reed can really pull this vision together because I want the movie to succeed. I want it to succeed too. Yeah. What's but, the release date? Next year. It's coming out in July, two months after uh, Age of Ultron is released. Right. Yeah, the more I let this marinate, the more I, the more I think Edgar Wright was probably the bad guy here. I mean, I have nothing to pr- to prove that. Right. No evidence to support that. Right. But I just, I don't know. Wow. I, I feel like he just said F it and stepped out. You've slowly been kind of leaning towards that way from like even podcast statements that I've meant that we've, that we've been on. I've yeah. kind of noticed that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of anti Edgar Wright at this point. Wow. Okay. I, I, I still like his stuff, you know. No, you have valid points and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna battle you on this. I'm not so passionate about Edgar Wright that I'm gonna be like, fuck you, Jake. I love the Cornetto trilogy, which I do. Yeah. But on the flip side, I'm not gonna be like, fuck you, Jake, for your belief in this. But no, you have some really valid points. I get really upset when, like at San Diego Comic Con, there's the protesters with their Edgar Wright was right signs and Peyton Reed getting lukewarm, you know, reception. Yeah. And it's like, Edgar Wright was right. We don't even fucking know what happened. Yeah. So what the right. fuck are you protesting? What was he right about? Tell right. me what he was right about. You you have fucking nothing. You don't know. Yeah. So that that you know, if you're gonna make it, if they can make a stance and say he was right with no evidence, then I'm making a stance and saying he was wrong with no evidence. I don't even care if you're like you're fucking like pre cold is talking right now. You're making 100 percent sense. You really are. You are. Yeah, I, so, I don't know. I hope, I really want to know what happened. I would love to be a fly on the wall when Edgar Wright walked out. Yeah. And he made that final phone call. Yeah. And he had that final discussion with Maybe Peggy. he's the one that's hard to work with. Exactly. Maybe he is the one that's hard to work with. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. And I, th- yeah. I think it says something that he's not coming out and really saying anything about it. Well, I mean, you know, um, on the flip side, though, we do know that Marvel has been hard to work with. You know, talk to John Favreau sometime. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah. But you take a little bit of a mix of them being somewhat hard to work with, and if he's being really bullheaded, I mean, that at least John Favreau put out Iron Man 2, even though it wasn't the one that he wanted. He didn't walk off set. And Edgar Wright knew what he was getting into. You know, when you're going to take on the job of creating the story using someone else's tools. Yeah. Then you have a certain responsibility to those tools. This happens to comic book writers all the time, though, Jake. Yeah. Right? It, it does happen to comic book writers all the time. You know, but- we saw it recently happen with Matt Fraction, who was going to be writing the Inhumans comic book. You know, Marvel didn't like the direction he was going to be taking the Inhumans, and so they got Charles Soule to take on the book. Yeah, and I side with Marvel. I mean, and I think Matt Fraction is um, amazing, an amazing writer. Oh, absolutely. He's terrific. And But, you know, Marvel has to – they have to take control of their characters because at the end of the day, they are their characters and they right. are their bread and butter. Right. And they can't just have anyone doing whatever they want with them. They have to have somewhat of a responsibility to those characters. Right. And, you know, tend to them, take care of them. Yeah. And so who knows what Edgar Wright – maybe Edgar Wright wanted to do things in his script that Marvel just did not want Hank – they said this is not Hank Pym. Right. Maybe that was the argument, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know what, but – 
you know, maybe Edgar Wright wanted to make Hank Pym a cross-dresser for Can we all agree sake. that we just want to see the best Ant-Man movie possible? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I hope it's great. I, I do too. Unfortunately, I mean, given the time crunch, it's highly unlikely that it's going to be anywhere near as good as what it could have been. And mm. that's less than a year. I mean, they're still doing rewrites from what you said. Yeah, but I mean, they've had a screenplay in place. And we've known this Ant-Man movie... There's a there's a little bit of a foundation. It's not like they're starting from scratch. You know what I'm saying? It's an anchor filling in the pencils at this point. Yeah. And they've been they've been penciling it for a long time. It's not like they're just starting from ground zero. Some of the best directors out there, they rewrite, they rewrite, they add scenes, and then they come out with a movie called uh, Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas, and their names are Martin Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, Martin Scorsese is a perfectionist, and until he gets the movie that he wants to put out, Martin Scorsese has said that, like, some of his movies would, if he could go back and do scenes from Goodfellas again, he would, because he's never 100% satisfied with the movie that he's put out. He's always wanting to make it better and tweak it. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing that you're getting rewrites, but sometimes it is. Yeah. yeah. And as far as the directing goes, I'll go back to what Brian said earlier. I mean, Matt Reeves had to basically do the same thing and come in and do a job on, yeah. the, on the Apes movie. Boom. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Great, great, yeah. And I feel like Peyton Reed is basically doing the same challenge here. And maybe right. just like Matt Reeves, his vision is going to be better in the in the long run. No, I think you have the best handle on this movie than my opinion or, or – uh, Frank's opinion at this point. Honestly, I think that you've got the better handle on this. Yes. So I'm, I'm siding with you. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I, I, I wish the cast and crew all the best, and I hope they have a good product. Yeah. I don't want it to be the first Marvel bomb. Right. Absolutely not. No. I don't uh, ever want to see a Marvel bomb that I really, really regret having seen afterward. Yeah, I want my Squirrel Girl movie. We got to keep going. <laughs> we got to keep this snowball rolling. Yeah, I, I just want to see some of the most obscure characters that Marvel can pull out of their yeah. fucking hip pocket. Dupe. Yeah. Oh, Dupe. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Steven Soddenberg presents Dupe. Oh, yeah. my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. We're going to come back, and we're going to do DC News, wrap it up with Star Wars News, and uh, yeah. Fucking old school. Damn, these beats are so fresh. Snap. All right, hey guys, we're back. We're going to be talking about a little bit of DC news. We didn't really get to talk a lot of DC news last week because we, that portion, unfortunately, of the podcast kind of got uh, fucked over, right? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I was probably hating on Man of Steel. No one wants to, <laughs> no one wants to hear that shit anymore. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Claude Miller wants to hear that shit all fucking day. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I, Aaron Claude Miller's like my favorite listener. I yeah, was, yeah, I was. He was liking all my Superman bashing Fuck comments. Hell yeah, he does, dude. He'll back your shit all fucking day with that. Me and Aaron, we get along as. I mean, seriously, <laughs> me and him, we get along, but we are oil and fucking, uh, we are oil and water when it fucking comes to fucking Man of Steel, but. You're you know. gonna, you're gonna be on the same page as us. Just give it some more time. Let it marinate longer. Yeah. Fuck up. I don't God. think so. No. <laughs> you're gonna be, a, I, I you, can't you, wait. Didn't you say like t 10, 20 years from now? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. You're on gonna that be shit. like, you're gonna be on your deathbed and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like Brian the Leftovers. I'm so glad we did it. And you're gonna be like, you were right, Jake. <laughs> 
You know what? I'll be suffering from dementia. I'll be suffering from dementia. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'll be Frank's Aunt Myrna. Oh, oh man. Oh, my God. Frank's Aunt Myrna making more Facebook appearances. Aunt oh. <laughs> Myrna, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some DC news. Uh, where am I here on my notes? See, that's what I love about this podcast. We're so organized. We're so unorganized, I mean. As Marvel refers to them, the distinguished competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Distinguished competition. Yeah, you ever heard that? Th- is that what they say? That's what Stan Lee called him in Stan's Soapbox back in the 80s and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he always yeah. referred to him. He, anytime he t- said something about DC Comics, he wrote out Distinguished Competition. DC Distinguished. That's, yeah, I remember. That's funny. Yeah. DC News this week. Hellboy and Pacific Rim director Guillermo del Toro has not given up on directing a Justice League dark film. This guy is everywhere. I fucking love Guillermo de Toro. What about the strain? Fuck the strain. But I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I popped that fucking balloon. <laughs> I still love Guillermo de Toro, guys. I do. Uh, Justice League, he's still not giving up on uh, uh, directing Justice League Dark. It's a movie that features characters from, like, you know, the Hellblazer comics and and uh, from the upcoming NBC TV series, you know, John Constantine. Is Zantana a member of the Justice League Dark? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. Let's get Zantana. I, I love Zantana. Uh, the League, it also features other dark characters such as uh, Swamp Thing. And I also believe, like, Animal Man um, has been a member. Has he been a member of the Justice League Dark? I don't know. My new 52... Justice League Dark is only New 52. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? I thought it came out before 52. I thought it was a New 52 launch title, and that was the first time it ever existed. Uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I I could be wrong then. But I love it because it does explore the darker... It it feels like it's outside of like the DC 52 universe. Yeah, yeah. It's like a team of misfits, kind of. There's not many books that are in the DC New 52 that that feel like they're outside of that 52 universe. Like Wonder Woman with the the Brian Azzarello shit felt like it was outside. And of course, like the... uh, you know, the uh, Justice League Dark, it kind of felt like it was on the outside of, like, the regular DC 52 canon. And yeah. I, that's why I like those books. I think Animal Man, Animal Man and both Swamp Thing were yeah. both like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like those kind of books, too. I get – I'm not as lord in my DC as Marvel, so when it gets heavy DC mythology, I get kind of like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? Agreed. I agree. So, yeah, I like, you know, the singular stories a little bit more when it comes to my DC uh, here is what Guillermo de Toro revealed about the prospect of, uh, the, uh, the new, uh, proposed, uh, you know, Justice League Dark film. Uh, he was in an interview with IGN. I wanted to play this because I just fucking love Guillermo, uh, minus the strain. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been asking you to be part of the show. Let's go to our Facebook question. It comes from Edward. Edward said, would you ever do Justice League Dark on TV or Netflix? Well, uh, right now the plans are to make it a feature. We are uh, we are deep in the in the screenplay writing phase. We uh, I think we see eye to eye, Warner's and DC and myself, on what the movie is, and uh, I think it's really really well served as a movie. Yeah. And then you can expand it. The characters are so great. Yeah. I mean, I literally am having fun with the characters I most love on comics uh, in the superhero because they're all monsters. 
more supernatural. Yeah, who, Demon, who, dead man, yeah. uh, swamp things, Zitana, Constantine, uh, uh, the Floronic man, you know, Woodrow, uh, many, many others. You know? Is it is it interesting for you though to see sort of like Constantine coming to TV mm-hmm. and there's talk we we've heard that mm-hmm. the Spectre actually may show up on that show as well. Um, I love the Spectre. I don't have him on the, <laughs> but he is a badass. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think? I mean, it's funny because it seems like in the DC universe they really are separating television yeah, and film. Yeah, there's movies and there's TV. So they could yeah. exist in both those realms. Would that yeah. be of con- interest oh, to you or conflict for you? No, you know, it, it really to me uh, the ideal form was without a doubt to, to develop the movie. Because I get to have fun. I mean, I would love to have the Spectre in it. Yeah. You know, I would love the Spectre because he's, so, he's one of the most absolutely uh, beyond moral characters in the in the DC universe, and he does crazy things. You know, but but um, I, I'm happy with them. With it. If they want to do like they're doing that with Constantine, right? The only thing I made clear to them is oh, the TV series will not affect the movie, and they said that's okay. They said that that's totally it's, fine. They said you, you can have independence. Now, if we see the TV series and we can mesh with it or cast the same actor, depending on, on where the movie is going, I would be happy to consider that. Would you keep an eye on that series, sort of oh, yeah. watch it to see? Oh, yes. As a fan, first of all. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's the first. I will watch it and, and I will keep an eye. See, and you're, you're dealing with the Spectre and all this crazy supernatural stuff. You could be the one property that crosses over to TV and it would make sense. You look through a portal, there it is, that Constantine meets could, our Constantine. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we're pitching things right now. I mean, how active is that, though? Is that sort of on the... You have so much on your plate, like we're talking yeah. about. Is that sort of on the back burner? And- no, you, what you do is it takes a while to... Look, uh, it sounds easy, but you don't want to use a template that anyone has ever used. So we came in... And I tried two or three different structures for the screenplay. I wrote um, a 75-page structure for the, for the, as a template for the, for the universe, for the dark universe. And you try this, you try that, that is a year. You know, it, 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 it seems easy, unless you say we're going to do, do the arc from issue 112 sure. to 125 of X which we didn't do. We needed to create a new story. And we said, this is how they need to intersect. So that takes a while. Then you go to screenplay writers. One draft takes, if it's not fast track, it takes between six and eight months. And there's another year, basically. You know? So it, it is not, it's not as swift as... Uh, um, you think, you know, it, it really takes a while. I've never thought making movies was simple. No, so <laughs> I'm glad to hear it all spelled out. Guillermo, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank now, you please, so much. Now, stop, leave Comic-Con and go go make the Justice League movie. That's what I, you got to go. go make I, Justice League. I, I'll take the next plane. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ladies and Yeah, nice. Can we all agree, number one, I want to talk about a few things that he said, but yeah. can we all agree, number one, that Guillermo de Toro is a cool ass motherfucker. That's what yes, I was thinking. This dude knows his shit. Yes, he does. He is one cool ass motherfucker. And if I could hang out, like I love directors, dude. I love Sam Raimi. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love Sam Raimi. There's a lot of directors out there. But if I could fucking pick one director to go out and have fucking drinks with and have a good time, like party in Vegas and shit, Guillermo Totoro is the motherfucker I'm going to hang out with and get fucking trashed with. This dude would be a riot. He knows his shit. I'd love to pick his brain. He is very, very smart, 
loves the projects. Every project that he's involved with is a project that he is passionate about. He was talking about in the same interview about Pacific Rim and how he was in Hong Kong and how he saw one of those huge ocean liners. And he thought to himself, you know what? That would be very cool to have that ocean liner being used as a weapon. And then just that one fucking thought, we get that scene in that movie with fucking Gypsy Danger dragging <laughs> that ocean liner behind him and beating the shit out of that fucking kaiju. This guy is a fucking visionary. He's very smart, very imaginative. And oh my God, the shit that would come out of his mouth when he's fucked off off a bottle of UV vodka would be fucking amazing, Frank. <laughs> That's funny. I'm surprised you'd pick Del Toro. I would have thought you'd pick Kevin Smith. Oh, oh God. Now, now, now you've really got me thinking. Oh, you know, shit. Kevin Smith, honestly, I think if I hung out with him, he would, I, I think he'd be a lot of fun. I would like to talk to him sober. Yeah. Okay. Guillermo de Toro's the motherfucker. I want to take out the Vegas. I want to fucking shoot craps. I want to fucking play slot machines. I want to play blackjack. I want to get fucked up with. That's yeah. the guy I want to get fucked up. I want to wake up in the hangover suite with a fucking tiger in the room. But <laughs> Kevin Smith is the guy I would just like to sit down and pick his brain. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's talk about some of these points. I'm sure what you said are the points, or I, I got stuff to say about this here too. Yeah, um, I, I some of the things that I fo- I felt that were kind of interesting that Guillermo del Toro brought up uh, throughout this was that uh, number one, he's going to be watching the Constantine NBTV show. This, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Oh, I got bad news. You're not going to be using this actor in your movie, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, the, the pilot has not gone over well. No, and, and we already know. It's going to be kind of Constantine light. Yeah. Where it's, oh, he, absolutely. He's not going to, and, and Del, Del Toro is going to want to go all out. The reason he loves Justice League Dark is because it goes all out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you know, but okay, on the flip side, guys, I mean, we are talking about, yeah, the pilot, it's been seen. People have seen the pilot. And it usually takes for the pilot to be seen before, like, you know, you get a critical response from the audience. That's where they can make some tweaks, make some changes. So you, typically always wait for around episode four, episode five, episode six while they're still filming and you get some critical response from fans before maybe the show will actually turn around. So sometimes you got to stick with these for a while. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I know what you're saying. They can't do what they can do. Like, let's say like this was a Showtime TV show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're, you, you, there's a great chance that you're going to see the Constantine, John Constantine that you saw in the Hellblazer comics. <laughs> You know, it's not like Hellblazer was a fucking like flash in the pan comic either. It went on for three hundred issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, and and all three hundred issues, depending on who the writer was, they were still really good. I don't think any of them were shit. They yeah. were really good. Yeah, Hellblazer is a highly regarded comic. Absolutely. So. so, I didn't catch the pilot, and for you, it's already out. You said no. They've just been showing it like cons. And yeah, stuff. Exactly. And, and they've yeah. shown it to a few like. You know, focus groups and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've only caught like parts of the Keanu Reeves Constantine. Yeah. But I mean, am I guessing correctly that he's kind of similar to the Punisher? He's real dark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You could say that. Yeah. All right. The trailer sold it for me when I saw the trailer. See, I've not seen the trailer. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the trailer, hmm. but uh, you know, 
trailers and watching the full episode are two different things. Yeah, that is true. Um, See, it's kind of rough to try to tackle somebody like that when you can't do everything that they would do. Mm. But I thought it's interesting that Guillermo de Toro said, as a fan, yeah, I'm going to be watching the show. And from there, not only did he say that, but he said he also wouldn't be opposed to casting the same actor. I think he was being polite. Sure. Sure. That's what, That was my first thought when he said that. I was like, right. this guy is so polite. Yeah, <laughs> but the fact that this is it, this could be Justice League Dark. You know, they did announce nine movies that are going to be DC movies. This could be one of those movies that they do announce up and up until uh, twenty twenty, which is like uh, that. That's as far as they've gone out right now. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I kind of <laughs> I got bad news for for Del Toro. Maybe the reason that they're not going to greenlight Justice League Dark is because. David S. Goyer is writing Justice League, and it's essentially going to be Justice League dark because right. all this guy can write is dark screenplays. Yeah, yeah. So they don't they don't need two dark movies. Um, I I wish if you know because like Warner Brothers is talking about you know doing this movie possibly, and Guillermo de Toro kind of revealed in this is like yeah, discussions are being talked about, and and Warner Brothers is is behind him doing this movie if it does come out. Yeah, the guy's got a fucking what do you say seventy five, right. seventy eight page script. Right. Would you want to see Warner Brothers bring back Legendary to do a Justice League Dark? Yeah, movie. I think I, that's what I would want to see. I'm more excited to see to see that movie than I would be the TV series the, or the Justice League movie. Oh yeah. Oh oh hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, I'm not really sold on like the direction of uh, you know every all the rumors and stuff that I've been hearing. So yeah, I got a question though about uh, the DC schedule that was released. Uh-huh. So. Okay, we've got another movie coming out in 2016 on top of Batman v Superman, right? Right. Do we have any information on that whatsoever? In the 2016 movie? Yeah, the one it's untitled. No, none of them are titled. Okay, Not, we don't even know when Justice League itself is coming out. People are speculating 2017. Yeah, right. the rates are gone. This whole thing could be just all rumored to begin with, too. No, it's an official. It's an official list from Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay. It's the official list from Warner Brothers. They they waited until after San Diego Comic-Con to announce it, though. Well, what I'm wondering is, okay, so we get all this information that's leaked about who's been cast and, and as what. Is that – I mean, do we know for sure that all of these people are going to end up in Batman v Superman? I mean, they're being – they have to be filming if they're ba- filming Batman v Superman. Well, we know Aquaman's going to show up. No, even Snyder himself said he's not he's not revealing that Aquaman's going to show up in the movie, right? Yeah. I, I really feel like Aquaman's going to show up in Batman v Superman, really? right? Yeah. Do you think any of these other people like um, – uh, I can't think of his name – Cyborg, instead of showing up in Batman v Superman, could he be a part of this other movie? Instead of Batman v Superman, I know we've all been worried about everybody. No, Ray Fisher has been cast for Batman v Superman, but he's probably going to show up not as Cyborg, but it's going to be like uh, the origin story of him playing football, probably getting injured, and then LexCorp getting ahead of him, uh, getting a hold of him because they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to be putting it. Was it Star Labs? Yeah, I don't think Star Labs is going to be a part of this. They'll probably make it uh, LexCorp. Yeah, that'd just be too much, right? I just kind of find it really odd that, I mean, we've been hearing about Batman v Superman for over a year. I mean, it was August last year when Affleck was cast. And we've got nothing on this other film that's going to be released the same year. 
Not a thing. Well, it, yeah, we do. I mean, they have announced that, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is possibly going to be doing a Sandman movie. Okay, so. so I mean, it could be the Sandman film. Gotcha. Yeah. You see, that's what I was wondering is I didn't know if we had any details on anything else outside of Batman v Superman. It's, I think Brian's on the button here. I think it will be the Sandman film. You do? Yeah. Okay. It, it makes sense with the December release. Yeah. 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 I mean, it could be that Joseph Gordon-Levitt Sandman movie. Gotcha. You know, based on the Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, graphic novels. Yeah. I hope that goes over well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's going to be a real polarizing thing when we uh-huh. start seeing imagery from that. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of had a re- uh, revelation the other day. I was just for shits and grins. I started watching the original Cap, and I got to thinking, so Captain America is the first Avenger. That's the subtitle to the first movie. And it, it really kind of makes me think how stupid Dawn of Justice is. Yeah. Because it's like they're trying to tie in the same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to have the Justice League because they're going to have hate, the Avengers. I hate that it's called Captain America, the first Avenger. Even the fact, well, it makes more sense. Well, okay. Well, at the end of the yeah. uh, Iron Man movie, Nick Fury talked about the Avengers initiative. Right. So we knew it was coming. Well, right. Right. Yeah. We knew that was coming. So that wasn't as bad, in my opinion, as like making a movie where it's supposed to be Batman versus Superman in a movie, but then calling it after that Dawn of Justice. Why not just call the sequel Dawn of Justice the Just or Justice League Dawn of Justice? Yeah, Brian's absolutely right. By the, by the time we called Captain America the first Avenger, we had already name-dropped the Avengers in the movies. And the difference here, like Brian said, is that we're – it's Dawn of Justice before we even fucking have the shit introduced or even the concept that there will be a Justice League. Oh, right? they'll try to say that, no, it's the Dawn of Justice between the battle of Batman versus Superman. Oh, they'll try That's to fucking open. say whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, whatever. Yeah. It might have had to do with when I decided to rewatch it. but it Fuck was, you. It's still a piece of shit title. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, as far as like the correlation between the subtitle of Cap, Cap 1 and – Dawn of Justice because I looked I watched that again right at the same time that it was revealed that they had all the, these movie dates mm-hmm. so I got to kind of thinking oh okay so Marvel's scheduling out so now DC's going to say oh yeah me too we're going to schedule out also and then now you got this I mean we've already had that subtitle for a while it just kind of gave me you know stupid funky feeling of me too itis like oh we want to do that too subtitles versus numbers what do you like better Subtitles versus numbers. Yeah. For the event films, I don't mind a subtitle. It's just weird. Like, Iron Man is Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. But yeah. then all the rest of the Marvel movies are all right. subtitled up. Right. Like, oh, there's, wow. it's not called Captain America 2. It's not called Thor, Thor 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's not called Avengers Thor 2. the Dark World. Right. Yeah. But right. I, I guarantee you when yeah, Iron Man 4 like, comes they, out. They could have called, like, Iron Man 3, Iron Man Extremis. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And same thing with Iron Man 2. But they're actually numbered sequels. And I guarantee Iron Man 4 will be Iron Man 4. It's kind of weird. It, it is, is weird. So, yeah, I never noticed that before. Yeah, just pointing that out. No, huh. that's a good point. Yeah. Because yeah. they can be confusing. Like, we a few weeks ago when we were doing Dawn and Rise, and we couldn't keep straight which one was the first one in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. true. I'm a fan of the numbers. I wish they'd just bring back the numbers. If it's You can have a subtitle, too, but throw the number in there. Right, yeah. I, and I love posters with the numbers. You're a huge fan of the numbers. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Caught you there. This just kind of jumped back into my head. Uh, had you guys heard that for the Blu-ray release of uh, Edge of Tomorrow, they're actually 
talking about retitling it. I did hear that. Live, yeah. die, repeat. Oh, nice. And I saw the picture of it, and I mean, at first you think, okay, well, they're just, you know, it's what they had the tag is for the slogan, but on the cover of the Blu-ray, it's huge, live, die, repeat, and then at the bottom in real tiny print along with the actors' names is The Edge of Tomorrow. I think that's kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah. No, I still like Amazing Spider-Man 2 better than calling it Amazing Spider-Man Electro or oh, Rise yeah. of the Sinister Six right. or whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I just, I like the, I like the number titles. Yeah, I don't mind it either. That way you know which movie comes first. It gives it legacy, too. Yeah. Like, if you can, if you get to six and there's six good ones, then it's like part six. It, like, gives it legacy, you know? Okay, on the flip side, what about the uh, Nolan Batman films? Did you like, I liked how they called it Batman Begins. Yeah. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I did like that. Well, there yeah. it's easy to um, to keep track of, mm-hmm. unlike the previous Batman movies where you have to, like, even to this day, oh, think about yeah, it for a second. Yeah. It's like Batman, Batman Returns, and that that one's easy, but then it gets tricky. Then it's like Batman Which Forever, first, yeah. Batman and Robin. Right. And it, with, at least with the Nolan stuff, like, it doesn't have the numbers, but through the names of the movies, you know which one goes where. Right. It like does. It's like does the numbers without having the number. Right. You know, Thor: The Dark World does nothing to tell me whether it's before or after whatever the third movie is going to be called. Yeah, it's true. It's just kind of weird, and I wish they'd number them. And I feel like twenty years from now, it's really going to make shit difficult. Like people are going to really going to need their. IMDb to know which one comes first when yeah. you got a bunch of movies with no numbers and all subtitled up. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Do you remember that rumor a long time ago where they were talking about like a Loki film? Yeah. 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 I'd still like to kind of see that. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess if Ben Hur bombs. Oh, man. I Well, or if he goes with the other movie. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would, I want, I, God, I, I want, to see more Loki. Please, Tom Hiddleston, do not leave the Thor franchise. You are the best thing in Thor The Dark World. Well, we started talking about Marvel during the uh, DC <laughs> that, news. God, that's okay. All right. All right. Let's go back to DC. Let's go back to DC. All right. We're Bring gonna, it back. Bring it back. All right. Yeah. Reel her back in. Okay. So I do have more DC news. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting stuff about uh, Justice League Dark. The Warner Brothers, they've ordered a uh, – they've ordered I – want, I want to know what you guys' feelings on this. Positive or negative? That's my big question after I uh, after I introduce this little bit of news here. I want to know if this is positive news, negative news. Warner Brothers ordered two separate scripts for an Aquaman movie, which are being written by Will Will Beal, who I believe was the original uh, writer for the Justice League film that got scrapped years ago. Now they're going with Goyer's script, but Will Beal was the original writer for a Justice League movie. He's also done Gangster Squad. Uh, and Kurt Johnstad, who wrote 300, the sequel, Rise of an Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, THR, The Hollywood Reporter, they first broke this news. So the idea here is to have two guys write a script and hope that one of them is good. Um, my personal opinion... No, go, Jake. Or just smush them both together. <laughs> And make make one one screenplay, right? That seems to be the go to. Yeah, yeah. Hello, uh, Ant Man. Back to Marvel, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Just I mean, that's just such a popular go to, you know. Yeah. That's crazy that they're making these guys compete for a job. They're in their own fucking reality show. Well, Will Beal already got beat out on the Justice League script. So what the fuck makes us think he's gonna 
win this battle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, are they giving these guys a direction? Because it seems such a stupid prospect. It's like they have no real solid plans for Aquaman and where he's going to fit in. So they're like, okay, go ahead and see what you got. It's a great point. Warner Brothers is such a factory to me. It's like factory, make these movies, mass production, make DC movies. It just it seems like the creativity just is lacking. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. That's bad news. It doesn't really instill any confidence in me that these guys have any confidence in Aquaman, the character to begin with, that they're doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, not at all. Get get someone that's passionate about Aquaman to write an Aquaman script. Where's the guy, where's the Del Toro of Aquaman fans? Well, where's our announcement that hey, we're going to do an Aquaman movie and, you know, we've got this writer. He's very passionate, just like a Del Toro is about his projects. Yeah. He's very posh, passionate about the uh you know, uh, prospect of doing an Aquaman film, writing an Aquaman film. And on the flip side, we've also went out of the box and we've, you know, contacted Jeff Johns as a consultant for the film. And uh, that is going to get characters behind it because Jeff Johns did, in my opinion, reinvent the character for DC New 52. He did make Aquaman a relevant character for this generation, in my opinion, for the people that did read that fucking series. That fucking run was amazing. Yeah. Where are our announcements that we're getting somebody that's passionate about Aquaman? That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that, oh, we've got two guys in here, and, uh, you know, we're going to wish in one hand shit in the other and see which one's better. It's fucking Robot A and Robot B, too. Exactly. Let's give it to Robot A. Let's see what he does. And And who's the final decision maker when they do read these scripts? Robot C. <laughs> That's what he's programmed to do. Oh man! So I I don't know about this. I don't I don't know. Do you, do you think it's good news or bad news? Ultimately, that they got two different guys writing the script, or do you think it's like we've got lack of confidence, a lack in faith in the character itself, and lack of faith that we've got you know two uh, competent writers that could write a good Aquaman film? Yeah, I think it's bad news. I mean, it'd be okay if it was two passionate writers. Yeah, that were writing Aquaman scripts. Yeah, but these, yeah, I agree that it's bad news. But from the the standpoint that there there's no clear path for him, they don't have any kind of a vision. Obviously, if they don't care who's gonna, I mean, they're gonna have two people write two different stories. Call your shots, DC. Look at Marvel. They call their shots. They just name the damn movies and tell yeah. you to tell you. Call your shots. It's like they won't tell us more than one movie ahead of time, right? And it may it makes it questionable. It makes it questionable how, like, if they really are thinking ahead. Who's the most passionate guy that we've heard about Aquaman recently? Who's the most passionate guy at fucking Warner Brothers? Who's the most passionate about Aquaman? Is it Momoa? I say it's the motherfucker that called the radio station last week that we played, Uh, Zack Snyder, Snyder, who who fucking really cares about the character and says, yeah, this guy actually has a fucking triton that he can fucking use, and he can actually fucking stab and pierce the skin of Superman. That's the guy who's the most passionate about this. Do I want fucking Zack Snyder writing the film? Fuck no. I don't want him writing it because I fucking watched Sucker Punch. I didn't wasn't a fan of the screenplay of that movie. Visually, that's the kind of guy I want behind an Aquaman movie. But I want something with I want somebody with his fucking passion writing the fucking movie. Yeah. You know what? I the more I think about it, Aquaman is a real big challenge cuz filmmakers always say it's like 
you don't you know you don't do movies with children you don't do movies with animals and you don't do movies in the water and you hear a lot about that the challenges of making movies that involve a lot of water right like you know how hard like titanic was how hard the abyss was right and you just don't see a lot of movies that are primarily water-based movies water world was the same thing oh god and that was production hell at the time i mean water world was the biggest budget for a film ever because of its production hell and how hard it was to film on the water yeah and And, but those toys sold like gangbusters didn't they remember the water world toys (laughs) Yeah, those have those have gone down as like some of the worst action figures ever put out. (laughs) But I think, and and I never thought about this until now. I can't, I can't believe that I never thought about this. But I think that goes a long way in in the Aquaman man man movie. If they don't even have confidence in the character, I mean, how are they going to spend all this money? And it is going to be a lot of money to make an Aquaman movie. Right? It's not. They cannot CG all the water. They're going to have to film on location. They're going to have to build a tank like yeah. they did in the Abyss. Yeah. They're going to have to do something, and that's expensive. You know who I think they should cast as Aquaman, not Momoa? Who's that? Rob Lowe, man. That fucking Shark Week commercial where he's riding the fucking sharks and shit, <laughs> yeah. like their skis. Yeah. That was fucking amazing. I'm being sarcastic, of <laughs> course. That's hilarious. But, you know, that's what they need. They need, they, need, they need Aquaman not to just be summoning dolphins and shit. They need sharks flying out of the water. They need seahorses. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> so, you know what would be cool if they did? See, I think they're going to have to combat public opinion on this. I mean, most people's impression of Aquaman who haven't read the comics is all the jokes like robot chicken and done, that exactly. have done over the years. I agree. So, yeah. they need to come up with something to present showing him being badass around the same time that they actually announce it because when you just hear Aquaman well they cast Cal Drogo they got Jason Momoa in there that's a great start he is a badass right yeah. seriously and nobody's gonna go up to him and be like you're a bitch no right. you're gonna get bitch slapped and then he's you know what I mean yeah. he's gonna punk your ass because Jason Momoa is a badass motherfucker right. if you want somebody in there playing Aquaman which I thought was crazy at first because yeah I thought they were gonna go for the blonde haired blue eyed motherfucker like Charlie Hunnam or somebody like that to yeah. be their Aquaman but they said fuck that we're thinking outside of the box we're gonna get cow fucking drogo in here we're gonna get fucking conan he's gonna be our badass aquaman and i think it's fucking i think it's brilliant casting to have somebody in there that is a badass mm-hmm. right okay i think that's fucking cool but you're absolutely right besides the casting they're gonna have to change the image of aquaman it's it's the fucking name, yeah. Aquaman. Right. Right. And and I really respect um what Jeff Johns did with the new Fifty Two stuff. And I like how he kind of made the cheeky in jokes about like Aquaman yes. knowing. But, yes. And I I like that, but I do not want to see that in, in, the, in film. the in the film. Yes. And I and I think the comic fans, the people that read comics, they're already in the know and they know the reputation. And this played towards that crowd. But I think you do the character a disservice. Right. If you admit to the entire movie going public yeah. that these are a thing that we need to address. Let's talk about this, okay? Yeah. Let's talk about this because, okay, number one, I'm going to tell you one motherfucking thing. You can say whatever the fuck you want to about Aquaman and the character and, like, you know, he orange and the green outfit and all that bullshit. <laughs> Ocean is a scary motherfucking place. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're watching Jaws. I don't care if you're watching The Perfect Storm with Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney. The fucking ocean is a scary place. If you can make the ocean a scary fucking place and then have a badass like Aquaman that can control most of it, that can be a good movie. Right. Yeah, I agree. 
I, yeah, I'm, I hope they pull it off. I hope they do something really neat. Yeah. And I wish they'd have the balls to say we're going to do it. Yeah. Just say we're going to fucking do it. They have seven fill-in-the-blanks on a fucking wall. Yeah. Grow some right. fucking gonads and fill in one of those fucking blanks instead of the one that's right in front of the last movie. And then come out with the confidence to say, and we've got the writer to do it. Get us excited. I mean, if you get people – who cares if it's three years down the line? Right. If you get us to keep us excited the whole time – then that that's just all the better for you. Good point. Uh, DC needs to really grow a pair and throw out some of these movies. Yeah. It makes it feel like it's all, they're just deciding on the fly. Right. But they have no clear direction. Yeah. And that's the image that I get by them never telling us anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As no. opposed to Marvel, who labels everything out to fucking, what, 2018 now almost? 2,028. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so. I knew about 2020, but damn. No, 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 no. Excuse me. It's either 2000. Uh, yeah, 2028 is what Kevin Feige has a board going out to, I believe. Um, they have definitive, uh, I think a definitive list out to 2021, perhaps, that they haven't released. But they have other projects that are untitled uh, going all the way out, I believe, till 2028. Yeah. Now, Incredible. I could be wrong, but that's what I, that's what I remember. With you guys being big comic book readers, I mean, I had this realization the other day, um, when I watched Guardians because I watched Thor 2 and then Cap 2 recently, right before I jumped in on that. And you really see how everything's coming together. Are you guys getting the feeling? Of an actual like comic book arc out of all of this because it's all connected. I mean, is it feeling like the same experience of following your favorite characters and then see them join up and then go their separate ways and come back? Mm, it's as close as we're gonna get. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the biggest feel that I've had that they are gonna be like, uh, if this is what you're asking, Frank, is that they are trying to follow like uh, some comic book source material. Is the fact that uh, what is in his name uh, Harry Lennox uh, that starred in the original Man of Steel came out and made that speech? You know that was actual like lines from the Dark Knight Returns from the Frank Miller series when they announced you know Batman v Superman at San Diego Comic Con, quoting from the actual comic book. Yeah, but uh, everything past that, I, I don't know if they're going to be going. You know, is, is that what you're asking? No, he, he. What Frank is asking is if do you see the Marvel movies as a living comic book in the way one ends and one picks up. Yeah. Uh, and I would I have see. to say no. Not really. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like, a, yes, there's a timeline. We're back to Marvel, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I was comparing that better. to DC because DC has no clear-cut strategy and path. It's like you said, all on the fly. Everything's just hodgepodge thrown in together. It doesn't mean anything to me that they have got their list out to however long of, oh, we're going to put out these movies because they haven't proven they can be connected. It doesn't feel cohesive. All of Marvel stuff does. I think, well, I think the fact that they have a list out now of, you know, updates means that they've got something in play. A need for money. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what that's what makes the Marvel movies so great. It doesn't exactly replicate the comic book experience where you have all these titles going on at the same time yeah. and everything crossing over, but it does the best it can. 
I mean, it, its timeline is consistent, and the date and the year the movie came out, you can watch them all in that release order. Right. But it, it also it isn't necessary. It's not like if you can just watch all three Iron Man movies without watching all the movies that came out in between each one, and you just watch three Iron Man movies. So and you know, yeah, yeah. Marvel movies. Marvel. Back to Marvel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get back into some DC. Um, Geek Tyrant posted some possible spoilers concerning Lex Luthor's character in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, I don't know how credible the source is, so we're taking all of this news with a grain of salt. <laughs> According to um, an extra, uh, the ending of the film has already been filmed for Batman v Superman. One of the scenes shot featured Batman breaking into LexCorp to steal kryptonite. And apparently LexCorp had somehow gotten a hold of General Zod's body. Lame. This is all lame. <laughs> if you could see me now, I'm nodding. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had talked about in episode eight of Pop Culture Leftovers, which was our Man of Steel episode, and, and I gave my theory that LexCorp would find the suit that Zod was wearing. Um, I never Im- even imagined that they'd use the body. <laughs> okay. I thought that LexCorp would supply Batman with the suit. Zod was wearing so that, you know, he could battle Superman and have armor that could hold up against Superman. Uh, so then after Geek Tyrant dropped this bit of news, uh, another media outlet, Badass Digest, comes out and says that both parts of this rumor are true. Mm. They say, quote, I can confirm this. Lex has been gathering pieces and debris from the world engine and he has used them to synthesize kryptonite. Meanwhile, he has also gotten a hold of Zod's corpse, and it is the key to his master plan to defeat Superman. He uses that tissue to, well, that would be spoiling, but Superman hasn't been defeated many times in the past. You can probably connect the dots from here. Okay, if... You're still not putting this together. I'm going to help you. Skip ahead if you do not want to be spoiled. Um, I'm going to wait five seconds. One, two, three, four. Spoilers. Five. Spoiler <laughs> time. Okay. They are saying that LexCorp is going to use tissue samples from Zod to create the monster we know from the comic books in that famous 1992 comic book where Superman battles Doomsday. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you guys think about this direction? <sighs> classic classic DC. Every movie is just a uh, big setup for another movie. There's so much wrong. Man of Steel 2? Yeah. I don't like... Um, Hopefully, Batman breaking in to get the kryptonite from Lex at the end of the movie isn't the only time Batman has his hands on kryptonite Thank this movie. you. I want to see this shit happen like halfway through the fucking movie. You and everybody fucking else, man. Not the end. Not the fucking end of the movie. Leading into another movie, leading into another movie, leading into another movie. Because don't we want to see Batman... Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. We want to see Batman kick Superman's ass in this, right? Yeah, Batman's yeah. definitely the hero here. Absolutely. 
absolutely. So that's what we want to see, and we want to see Kryptonite be a part of that, right? Yeah. It's not at the be. end of the movie. Not at the end of the movie. Come on. Come on. What the fuck? I think this this has to be wrong. Yeah. I hope so. Well, I mean, what what what's kind of got me fucked up over about it is that Geek Tyrant released the news, and then Badass Digest backs him up. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm not buying this. Maybe it's just pure me not wanting it so much, you know? I'm not trying to bash these guys and their sources. I mean, you're yeah. going to have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but okay. So Krypton, the reason why Kryptonite hurts Superman is because it was irradiated by Krypton's red sun. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, the world, the world engine didn't have the opportunity to transform the entire atmosphere. We haven't seen we haven't seen Kryptonite in the movie yet, right? No Kryptonite yet. There's no right. Kryptonite in the right. movie yet, except for there were the effects that um, that took place um, on the on Zod ship. Right, um, Krypt- uh, Superman did. He was affected by being on that ship. It did make him disoriented. It did make him weaker. That was because they altered the atmosphere inside the ship to match what they were used to, though. Mm, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking that it's bullshit that they're saying that it was kryptonite that the world engine had engineered because (laughs) it wasn't irradiated by the fucking red sun. Yeah, I see what he's saying there. Yeah. So I think that's bullshit. Yeah, uh, it might be getting too sciency, but I mean, I just think that's a cheap way of trying to come about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh yeah, it made it, made it last movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're retcon, retcon the kryptonite in. <laughs> well, you know, Zack Snyder did come out and say that, um, like, there was rumors that he said like kryptonite was not going to exist in this universe. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And then I think he did say that that's not the case. You know. He don't. Oh, fuck. Do you think it'll only be a substance made by Lex Luthor? That's. I don't like that. No, me neither. I hope not. That's why I'm asking. I hope not. You know, it sounds like they're taking liberties, like uh, like uh, Sony does with uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah. I don't like it when they take liberties and they kind of stray away too much from the comic book source material. I don't like Lex using Zod's corpse to make Doomsday. I don't like that either. No. (laughs) You know, because like Doomsday, he was. Doomsday was created, but he was not created by Lex fucking Luther. I mean, Doomsday came from like a, a race that was released on Krypton, like you know, millions of years, like during their like Stone Age and shit. Yeah, and uh, they kept uh, experimenting on him over the years and experimenting on him over the years to the point where they experimented on him so much it made him like this fucking diabolic, diabolical, evil fucking creature that was hellbent on destruction. Honestly, I think the whole thing works movie wise with no exposition, and that's when it worked best in the comic books. Yeah. I yeah. just blast this guy just fucking hits and yeah. he's big and fucking scary yeah. and Superman has to take him down and then oh my god he doesn't right. that to me that's when Doomsday worked the best I mean that's how it was in that issue in Superman 75 it was just yeah. all all splash pages right no time for exposition yeah I think that's good stuff yeah that is good stuff and I think that's right in Zack Snyder's wheelhouse right. I don't I don't think given Zack Snyder a shit ton of exposition that he has to dole out 
is really um, right. Is really in his wheelhouse. Let's, is it, and that's going to be like that's going to be like our teaser for fucking Man of Steel too. Yeah, the fact that he like that's what he's working on. I don't. I think that lessens Doomsday's impact. That he's like make him the make him the unknown. Right, and that's what's scary. Right, that's cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I like it when when writers have the balls to not explain everything. I, I think that's a better right to. In most cases, I, I enjoy that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the direction that they're headed in. If these two reports are true, agreed. Yeah, I hope this shit's false. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, you ready for some Star Wars news? Yeah. All right. So we're going to be moving on to Star Wars. I'm glad we get to, did get to talk some DC this week, though. Uh, even though half of the time we were even though we diverted <laughs> Marvel. to Marvel, Marvel most of the time. All right. Yeah, but it's time for some uh, time for some Star Wars news. What is this <laughs> God, what are you saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcasts. That's not true. That's impossible. Is Darth Vader saying that Jar Jar stood him up for a date where they were supposed to listen to Pop Culture Leftovers <laughs> together in that clip? No, it was actually supposed to be um, Luke Skywalker was supposed to be watching Pop Culture Leftovers with his father. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but the way the clip sounds, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Those two would be buds. What's the use of saying? <laughs> that we were supposed to be watching Pop Culture. Yeah. Yeah. I like All it. right. I like it. All right, hold on. I don't know why my fucking computer keeps doing this. It keeps going back to Marvel news. Apparently, it <laughs> it's on the same page as it's me and Frank. Weird, yeah, dude. it's weird, dude. I got it like queued up for fucking Star Wars, and it just jumps back to Marvel news. Oh, like, I got, I got some Star Wars news for you. Yeah, please hit um, me up. Some real exciting news that I just learned about today from um, Star Joe's on Facebook. Yeah, Star uh, Joe's podcast with Ryan Drost and uh, you know Chuck. Yeah, good guys, good guys, good guys, and it's great news. They are Disney is releasing the original unaltered Star Wars movies on Blu-ray. We are going to get them. Um, we don't know when yet, but insiders say that definitely before Episode Seven. Okay, so let me ask you this, Chief. Yes, Han's going to shoot first. Hot, everything original. Um, <laughs> they say they're having a hell of a time cleaning up the original prints because they're working with all the original negatives and everything right. and cleaning all that up. Yeah. And that they're in really bad shape. Oh. So it's going to be an amazing – not only is it going to be all the original, but it's going to be an amazing restoration of it. I mean, okay, um, anything that looks cleaner – and I'm not saying that they look bad. They looked really good. But anything that can look cleaner than the fucking Laserdisc versions is going to be fucking – Amaze balls to me, man. I think they're gonna be. I yeah. think I think the our, the Star Wars Blu-ray we've already seen has already proven that because yeah. there are still scenes in you know Episode Four that haven't been altered at all. You know that we still see, and the restoration on that is what we're gonna expect for the whole movie, right? So I, we're gonna be blown away. That's here. great news. Thank you, Star Joe's, because we wouldn't have known about that had they not posted that on their Facebook. Correct? <laughs> no, not at all. I well. I, 
Yeah, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Probably eventually. Yeah. It would have been widespread. Yeah, but thank you, Star Joes. Yeah, they're on top of it. Yeah. If you're not listening to the Star Joes podcast, you really should. They have great chemistry. It's a great fucking show. I listen to all of their shows. They're really good guys. So definitely check out Ryan Drost and fucking Chuck from uh, Star Joes. Good shit, man. You know, I have... um I have lost track of how many times I have bought Star Wars in its different forms and ways. Like, God only knows. I've probably bought it five or more times now. Yeah. It's the uh, only bad thing about this is I know I'm going to buy it. It's like, oh, we're <laughs> buying <laughs> Star Wars again. Right. Uh, so you're telling me Ewoks are blinking now? I fucking hate it, but I'm going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Star Wars Episode Seven. Actor Domhnall Gleeson, who we were speculating at one time, could be the son of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was doing some interviews with Michael Fassbender for their new movie. Check this out. Their new movie, you know what it's called? Let's hear it. It's called Frank. Yep. <laughs> I've heard about this. Yeah, they're doing a movie called Frank. Nice. Does this require a drop? Um do <laughs> the Jake drop. No, I'm <laughs> talking about hammer time. Does it require a fucking hammer time? Yeah, drop? that's the hammer. That's the drop I was doing. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow, you've got no fucking rhythm, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Stop hammer time. All right, so yeah, um, Domino Gleason. Uh, got it. We went back to fucking Marvel again. <laughs> It went back to fucking Mar- – I got to scroll down to my goddamn <laughs> no, notes. No more drops. No more fucking <laughs> yeah. drops. All right. Yeah. Uh, Domino Gleason, he was doing interviews with Michael Fassbender, who they're both starring in this movie called Frank. Um, and Domino Gleason, he admitted that uh, he's only allowed to say certain things about Star Wars 7. I wanted to play that audio. So you're going to hear a little bit from uh, Domino Gleason, and you're also going to hear from a little bit about a uh, little bit from uh, fucking uh, Michael Fassbender here. So yeah, was shooting a little bit in Ireland. So did you get to be a part of that part or no? Look at his face. That's That's my commenting on Star Wars face. That's your Star Wars Man, face. That was such a. That's, that's your so Star Wars. This face. is me in the movie. Now what we'll do is we'll gift that, and then we'll just be like, readers, what does this mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of hits. But don't read the comments, obviously. Exactly. yeah, no, no, I, I can't. I'm not allowed to talk about anything. Yeah. They sent me a page saying what, like, they tell you what you're allowed to talk about in the film, and it just says you are allowed to say that you're excited to be in the film. Okay, that's the wow. whole piece it's of like paper. A whole that's page it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole page and then so I'm allowed small to say writing. Yeah. Like, oh. What? <laughs> they're ex- they're that's what they are, are are able to say. People that are being cast in Star Wars Episode Seven, there is a contract, a legally binding contract. That basically all they are able to say is that they are excited about being in Star Wars Episode Seven. Good, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a it's a love hate relationship, Jake. Yeah, it really is because I, I'm having a lot of fun reporting all these rumors, and every week that we do talk about Star Wars, I'm having a lot of fun reporting them. I am. It's frustrating some weeks. But I'm having a lot of fun because I think it does – I think even though some of them may be spoilers, by the time we watch the movie, it will be interesting to see what's real, what's not. I think that's what makes this kind of fun. I agree. And on the flip side, 
Um, it's not all just rumors. It's that JJ himself seems to be in control of what officially gets leaked out and everything. Yeah. You know, cause he himself has already given us stuff. It's all JJ because I mean, yeah. this is how JJ operates. You know what I mean? I mean, um, this is just how he is. Do you think things are gonna, are, do you think things are gonna change that they're gonna be more forthcoming with information once Ryan Johnson He's the director for Star Wars. I think they're going to. I think they're going to keep it up. Are you? If this if this movie is a success, I think that's the. If this movie is a success, a, a critical and a fan success. J.J. Abrams, we know him, yeah. and we know how he likes to keep everything secretive. Ryan Johnson, though, on the flip side, I think this guy is a kind of a guy who he he wants to talk about this stuff. I, I think that he does want to talk about. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I gotta feel like there's going to be someone on top of him saying that this is the way it goes, buddy. Yeah, yeah. We're keeping hush on this stuff. You know, Ryan Johnson, they actually invited him to some of the set scenes for Star Wars Episode Seven. Oh, nice. So he's actually been behind the scenes and i think that's really smart for them to get him kind of involved in star wars episode seven so can't hurt absolutely it can't hurt so that's encouraging news and i was really happy to hear that so that's very cool um let's see here but yeah domino gleason can't really uh talk about what's going on with star wars episode seven so i thought that was really pretty interesting what do you got up next do you got um do you got the stormtrooper helmet on the agenda it is on the agenda absolutely gotcha something a little bit more fun though but joseph gordon levitt was interviewed by yahoo movies about director ryan johnson who is directing star wars episode eight who was his director for the time travel film that we saw last year uh looper um here's joseph gordon levitt's reaction to uh, his buddy, Ryan Johnson, his director from Looper, uh, being able to be the director for Star Wars Episode Eight, You've got to be excited for Ryan Johnson. Dude! Oh. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I couldn't, I couldn't speak to you about how superlatively happy I am that Ryan Johnson is going to make Star Wars. <laughs> it's, it's so cool, man. It's so cool. And the reaction to it was like universal. I, I don't know if there's a more beloved young filmmaker out there. They're going to be real good movies. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. <laughs> so I love I love Joseph Gordon. He's so real. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. cool. Fucking a, I love it. I love it. So that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. And and me, I'm 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 a Ryan Johnson fan. I am. I love Looper. It was I, a good movie. Looper was a great movie. It was a surprise there, for me. There were some fucking fucked up time travel shit that went on in that movie. I'd watch it again. I could tell you, like, you know, some of the stuff that didn't make sense. Yeah. But overall, it was a very successful time travel movie. And I'm a huge fan of time travel movies, like Terminator, shit like that. I love the time travel stuff, which was another reason why I loved X-Men Days of Future mm-hmm. Past so fucking much. For sure. Because it dealt with time travel. Back to the Back future, to the man. Future. Don't even get me started on 1.21 gigawatts of flux <laughs> capacitors, man, because I'll talk all goddamn fucking day. Time cop. Time cop. Yeah. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van fucking Damme. Right? When that guy gets his arm froze and kicked off by Van Damme. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I just, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt's reaction to, like, his, that was great. his director, Ryan Johnson. I think man. you'll, you'll hear all of us laughed as soon as that happened. Right. Um, Han Solo, we saw the... Uh, 
I posted it on Facebook, the Han Solo costume from IndieRevolver.com, as well as the Stormtrooper helmet pics. That uh, Those pics look exactly like the artist rendition pictures that were drawn by the artist Tom Hodges, who I released on uh, Facebook earlier in the week, those pictures that mm. were online. Um, but there were some pictures of the new Stormtrooper, Stormtrooper helmet pics that were released. And uh, they matched up exactly with those Tom Hodges pictures. He's Tom Hodges, the artist, said he was on set and saw these fucking pictures of the Stormtrooper helmets. And these match up 100%. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, what do you think? I mean, before, if, if Tom Hodges hadn't released any of these pictures... I would have just said that it was some kind of like guy who was fabricating helmets and trying to get his name out there. But since they match up so well with the pictures that Tom Hodges put out, I don't think Tom Hodges has any connection with these helmets, these pictures that come out. I think it could be really legitimate. And um, Latino Review is kind of backing that up, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love the, I love the new helmets. Definitely um, little modernized tweaks to them. You know, bring them up to the modern day. I think they look real nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look a little bit cleaner than what we've seen in the past, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, even the uh, Darth Vader helmet, when they did the Darth Vader helmet in uh, Episode 3, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the helmet that they made was, uh, was perfect. You know, um, each – I don't know how to, how to say this. But each, like, section, each, each segment. Each segment. When if you split it down the middle, each side was perfect. Yeah. Oh, oh, symmetrical. Symmetrical. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It was one hundred percent symmetrical when they did the Darth Vader and these stormtrooper helmets. They look perfect in every sense of the word as far as symmetry. So yeah, I think they look really nice. They look nice. Those Han picks really look indoorish, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And that one pick, he's like wearing his like indoor cloak and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you whether or not what my feelings are on the duster. I'm going to have to see him in that. <laughs> I saw a lot of posts about like uh, like Firefly Solo stuff like that. Yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, I posted some pictures on Facebook. Indie Revolver. Not only did they post pictures of. Could you pull them up, or do you want me to pull them uh, up for Jake? I missed this. Because okay, let's pause. I want I want you to see these pictures before we uh, move forward. All right, so yeah, we're back. Jake, yeah, apparently you saw those. I'm a fucking moron. You were, <laughs> you were already talking about them as we were recording. Yeah, that's why yeah. I was confused. Sorry yeah. about that. No, I was confused because I'm a fucking moron. So. Yeah, I think those concept designs have a very indoor look to it. At least the one. One's a very indoor look and one's a very Hoth look. Right. No, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the Hoth look makes sense, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um as for the stormtroopers, the pictures that we saw, here's what Latino Review had to say. Yes, that's the new stormtrooper at the top. The helmets that have been floating nose region and the helmets have a uh, that floating nose region and a lot more black across the face. I'm not sure at this point if the nodes on the chin area mean this is a different class of trooper. But this is the basic design of your generic stormtrooper, the one we'll see the most of. We've been getting confirmation of this for a while. <laughs> um, then they go on to say the the bottom stormtrooper from the Indie Revolver post is not a sand trooper, but a snow trooper. Mm. 
the background is generic enough to make it hard to tell. But when you see that design, it'll be in a cold atmosphere. No trooper with crazy gas mask like face place, uh, gas mask like faceplate is complete without his customizable weapon. So these snow troopers are outfitted with flamethrowers. Yeah, that's happening. That's awesome. Number three, they say, these aren't the only variations on troopers. We'll see if you remember, and we've talked about this before, guys. We have been chasing rumors of a black and or chrome stormtrooper. And I'm going to double down on one of those. There is a chrome stormtrooper, and he slash she appears this way because that armor has the power to cloak invisible troopers. Ooh. Mm. Good for stalking. Much wow, is what they say. Um, so, we've got stormtroopers, snowtroopers. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. Nothing says Star Wars like stormtroopers. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen them in all three, uh, all the first two trilogies. Technically, they're like the first things you do see in a way. Like you see the the people on the ship and then the stormtroopers come busting right. in. Yeah. Right. Speaking about snowtroopers, uh, there were reports months ago, and we've talked about it on the show because we're all over this shit, like, you know, flies on that stuff. <laughs> uh, but there were reports that uh, in Star Wars Episode Seven, it could take us to an ice planet. Um, they, of course, can't confirm that it's Hoth, but if the rumor was true, that's what everyone was speculating, of course. Now, the rumor, as I recall, came from a tweet from someone that said that they were involved in the production who said that they had seen snowtroopers on the set. So here we go with some of those rumors. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Badass Digest is reporting a plot where Han Solo and Chewbacca are not flying the Millennium Falcon in the film. The rumor has it they lost the ship while gambling, and Oscar Isaac's character has it, and they'll have to get it back. But Han and Chewie need to travel around in something, and according to the site, do you remember when we talked about this last week? Yeah, we what, talked about like. Uh, w- do you have any guesses on what they're flying around now? Yes. You you ready to hear what this fucking rumor is? Let's yeah. hear it. You ready to hear what they might be flying around in? Han and Chewie are piloting a super star destroyer. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Badass Digest goes on to say, "I believe the Falcon is in the hands of Oscar Isaac's character, who is very much the Lando Calrissian of this movie." all the way down to wearing a cape. There are familiar spaceships in this movie, including three variations of TIE fighters. There's a classic design, the TIE interceptor, and a new generation TIE bomber. The pods on these are stacked, not side by side. Oh, nice. And then they tease this very exciting piece of Star Wars episode uh, Star Wars episode seven news. The episode the rumor goes back to Han. You will get to see him use a lightsaber once again. Oh wow! 
when did we get to see him use a lightsaber? When he shoves someone inside of a tauntaun. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Does this little bit of news make you think that he's not going to be shoving someone into a fucking dead animal? <laughs> Does this bit of news make you think that he might be wielding it as a weapon? Yes. It I does. hope so. Does that bit of news make you pretty fucking excited? Yeah. Uh, I don't need to see Han with a lightsaber. I think it'll be kind of fun. It will be. I think it'll be fun. Because I don't think he's going to use it the way that you think he would. It's fucking Harrison Ford. He's holding a lightsaber again. Yeah. And we get to see him wield it. <laughs> I'm, cool. fucking, I'm fucking happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, eh. It doesn't do nothing for me. Ah, God damn you. <laughs> Is this your cold speaking? You fucking cold hearted son of a bitch. You're fucking, you've got the heart of Hoth, don't you, you son of a bitch? I do. I'm not the biggest fan of all the oldies in Star Wars. They gotta really use them really well or I'm just, I'm just not gonna be a fan of that. But his personality, I can see him like, I mean, not having any kind of training or anything with it, trying to use it, but also not chop off his own arms. I can tell you one thing. If the rumors are true that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley's characters get a hold of this fucking lightsaber, Han Solo is going to demand that he is the one that holds on to this. And so with him holding on to it, it's going to make sense that he might be the character to use it later in the film. And I am going to fucking pop a huge major chubby if I get to see Han Solo fucking bust out a lightsaber in a scene where his life depends on it. I am going yeah, to be, be cool. with his back against the wall. I get to see fucking Indiana Jones motherfucking Han Solo fucking bust out a lightsaber. Yeah. I, you know what? There's nothing that makes that news to me seem like it's fucking not exciting. I am excited <laughs> as fuck to see a fucking lightsaber. <laughs> fucking Han Solo, motherfucker. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm I'm only excited if they think of a good reason to do it. If they do it just for shock value alone, then I poo-poo the whole idea. I think it's going to fit. I think if they're going to do it, it's going to fit. It's it, not just going to be in there. I like your scenario. If it's your scenario, I'm just as excited as you are. Yeah, I want Han Solo backed against the wall and everybody to forget that he's got it on him. And then, bam, holy shit, everybody's like, oh, my God. He just – Han Solo with a lightsaber. It's like Yoda using the lightsaber in that fucking third film. But if it's just a cheap thing to get people excited – I don't want a like, gimmick either. Like we're seeing it in the trailer for the first trailer Fuck that hits. Fuck that. Fuck that. No, I I want you to fucking knock my socks off and surprise the shit out of me. Yeah, I hope they don't show any of it at all until the film. No, but seriously, think about it, guys. You're sitting in the fucking theater and you have no idea it's coming except for that asshole on Pop Culture Leftovers. (laughs) Okay? I'm the asshole that predicted it. But other than that, you're just a regular viewer. And all of a sudden... Han Solo busts out a lightsaber in a fucking, you know, this is a live or die scene. That is fucking awesome. It gives me chills. If that's the way it goes down, I'm fucking happy. Yeah. If that's the way it goes down, I'm happy too. It'd be one of those holy shit moments. I think so too. It's Han Solo with a lightsaber. You're used to seeing Jedi's with them. Come right. on, Jake, you cold-hearted son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just until I see it. I'm holding, <laughs> I'm freezing it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, let's see here. Now, uh, this news is directly from Latina Review. To catch you up on what we think we know about Episode Seven's plot thus far, Luke's lightsaber and maybe hand but probably not uh crash lands on a planet leading daisy Ridley and john boyega on a search for luke which leads them to han and chewy who aren't in the millennium falcon because oscar isaac has it all right we've gone <laughs> over that the party is looking for luke who has been missing in action since jedi 
But Luke isn't hiding. Luke is a captive, which we talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's push our understanding past the first act and into the second act of the story. What we've been circling around are the villains of the piece, occasionally coming up with buzzing from the set about bounty hunters or, quote, Sith witches. And those aren't entirely inaccurate, but the truth is much more. The Inquisitors Mm -hmm. that we've heard about in Star Wars Rebels are the villains of Star Wars Episode Seven and the name of the main villain in Star Wars Rebels, like I mentioned. They seem to be loosely based on the now-deleted Expanded Universe Inquisitors, mixed with the hardened Sith look of Rebels villain. The Inquisitors are defenders of the Sith Order, and they've been around for a long time. Just how long is what turns Episode Seven's story on its head? Um, here's some more information for our listeners about the Inquisitors from the Expanded Universe. The Inquisitors was a secret division of Imperial Intelligence consisting of dark side force-sensitive agents known as Inquisitors, uh, sometimes also as Inquisitors. How do I pronounce Inquisitionist. Inquisitioners or truth officers. Under the control of Darth Vader, these Inquisitors were considered the highest ranking of the Dark Side Adepts, outranking the Emperor's Hands, Prophets of the Dark Side, and Lesser Jedi. Yeah, that's 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 interesting stuff. Now, where's all this expanded universe stuff coming from? Is is this stuff that existed pre-Rebels? Let's have Ryan Drost hit us up with an email after this podcast. Okay, because I, I had always thought that the whole Inquisitors thing is brand new. From, and we're getting yeah. it all from upcoming shows and stuff. From Rebels. And you're, you're, yeah, so I'm curious where all your history is coming from or yeah. how we've gotten so much history already. Right. Apparently, uh, from this article, they said that there's expanded universe Inquisitors, <laughs> that now deleted expanded universe Inquisitors. And now deleted. So where, yeah, where are those guys from? Right. And so like even my description of like the Inquisitors from expanded universe, that could be now deleted. Yeah. So kind of gets confusing if they're going with the same name. Well, the, inqu- well, it, it sounds like, the Inquisitors that they're wanting to introduce into this universe are people that have um, – I don't know how to say this. People that uh, – it's kind of like a religion and like uh, they're, whole, they're hell-bent on bringing back um, somewhat a Sith Lord to fulfill the prophecy. I agree with Frank on a level though. It's like if you're going to go through all the trouble of saying we're not going to use expanded universe – then why call all the stuff? Why have the names be like analog names of all the things? Yeah, like, well, Sith witches as well. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing. It's like why? Why right. say none of that existed if you're just going to call it all? Yeah, that same but then stuff? you know they did say that at first, and then I think Kathleen Kennedy came out and said that they may pull some things from the expanded universe. So yeah, yeah it kind of muddles know. though. You know the history of it all. Well, they didn't muddle it. That's why they said none of it exists anymore. Well, right, but what if they're taking some of it, what exact parts are they taking and what parts are they leaving on the table? But only what they take exists. Only what you see on screen is is canon. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. <laughs> only what you see on screen is canon or, you know, like anything from the Star Wars magazine, anything from the Rebels TV show, and then the Marvel comic books coming out. 
Yeah, whatever you you thought you knew is not for sure anymore. Yeah, anything if that Dark Horse has come out with in the last twenty plus years is not. Yeah, it's yeah, not canon. any of the novels that you know Zahn came out with, yeah, yeah. or any mm-hmm. of them, any of the yeah, yeah. any of the writers. <coughs> um, this is the big one though, and we're gonna end on this here. Okay. Oh, you're fine. I I had to take my headphones off. They're like squashing my glasses against my head. Oh, you're just, fine. You're fine. I'm not going to be playing I don't any more audio drops so you don't have to hear anything. Yeah. So uh but if you are a, if you do not want to hear any more spoilers about, you know, Star Wars episode 7, you need to turn off the podcast now. Um and then just wait for the movie to come out in 2008 uh 2018, 2015. December 18th, excuse me. People have already probably turned the podcast off for other reasons besides not wanting Star Wars spoilers. No shit. As soon as I started talking, they were like, fuck this. This guy's an asshole. Whatever. And our podcasts are too long, apparently. Talk about that next week. Anyway. More to come. uh, Yeah, more to come. So stick around. Uh, But yeah, get get out now if you don't want the big spoiler. Um when our heroes find Luke and the Inquisitors are revealed, Luke's explanation on the history of this order is going to trigger a flashback to explain that the Inquisitors have been tied into the Sith all along. Remember when we broke Billy Lord's casting? Lord, of course, uh, we talked about that um, a few weeks ago. Lord is the daughter of uh, the biological daughter in real life of Carrie Fisher. Um, That's not so she can play a solo kid. It's so she can play a much younger Princess Leia uh, than we've ever seen before in this flashback. Um, This Lord will be a royal. I will see here. This is what this is what Latina Review had to say. They said, "I make myself laugh like all the time, but a young Princess Leia is not all this flashback reveals. The Inquisitors will be seen serving Darth Vader in flashback. Yes, Darth Vader will be on screen briefly in Star Wars Episode Seven. We're not done with the Dark Prince of the Sith quite yet. That's all for now, but it's now exceedingly clear that the sequel trilogy requires a retroactive continuity adjustment to the other two. Wow, exciting. So do you think they're, they're going to bring back... I mean, this is set up. Do you think they're going to be bringing back Darth Vader using that fucking hand are you th- is that what you think's going on here i have no idea i i don't think darth vader's coming back i think we're just seeing him in these flashback scenes okay i really do just if to, it happens to, yeah if it happens the whole nature of it is to retcon the inquisitors into the main storyline does it seem like every week that these rumors get less and less exciting that we're hearing about them. Like I was really excited with a lot of the rumors that we heard before. I, I liked the direction it was going, but like the more rumors that I hear, the less I'm excited about these films. You're not excited to see Darth Vader on screen again. I'm not excited to see a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the yeah. flashback thing that bothers me. There hasn't been one. We've never had a flashback in star Wars, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want them to, you know what I mean? I, if they do a flashback and it, it makes sense, that's I guess that's okay. But I don't want to see it do, do them do a flashback and kind of like uh, maybe like they'll use the force to show the flashback. 
Like yeah. Luke will like, I want to show you something or some character will use the force to trigger the flashback. Like kind of like a mind meld or something? No, just, I don't know, just to trigger the flashback, yeah. Maybe it's going to be a Pacific Rim crossover where they drift with one another and then we get to see some flash. No, I'm fucking with you, Frank. Frank's <laughs> actually thinking about this. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture how they might make it work and have it seem cohesive. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not opposed to having new, new things. You know what I'm saying? New force powers. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I guess it's it's exciting if I guess if we see a Darth Vader appearance in this I guess but it's like I don't want to see them bring Darth Vader back I, I want them to invent a new villain right yeah, it that, sounds like we're getting that too though I hope so I'm, I'm hoping they're not using him as like a crutch but I mean it would be kind of neat if there were things that Darth Vader put in place while he was around. See, this is why it's like you're no. calling Darth Vader a crutch. My whole point is that Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are crutches. Why are they a crutch? I mean, it's organic to the story. I mean, this is 30 years later. How are you going to – are you just going to have in the crawl like, oh, yeah, Leia fell down a flight of stairs and died and <laughs> fucking like Luke, you know, Luke Skywalker, he fucking like uh, slipped into some depression and fucking, you know, became an alcoholic and uh, – fucking on a planet and fucking killed himself and then fucking like Han Solo you know yeah him being the badass he just like like went out in a blaze of glory like fucking Bon Jovi I mean what the fuck are you talking about Jake it's organic to the story that these guys got to be included in the movie somewhere and they should have just gone further into the future go 200 years forward then you're talking about Star Wars Legacy which I'm not opposed to but if you're going to call it Star Wars Episode 7 you got to have these characters come back yeah you got to have some kind of tie. Even if they all die, you got to have them all come back, in my opinion. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule as to how much time has to or has passed between any given Star Wars movie. And you can just... Yeah, of... but I like how they're doing it. They're saying, you know, 30 years has passed, and, well, 30 years has passed pretty much since the last Star Wars film. So. Yeah, I mean, but between episode one and two, 19 years had passed, and that movie came out three years later. Sure. So, I mean, there's, like I said, there's no hard and fast rule to it. I know, but, I mean, you know, yeah, if you do jump ahead into the future, um, call the movie Star Wars Legacy at that point. I mean, I know that that's expanded universe stuff, but, I yeah. mean... My, my, only, my only point is that it's unfair to say Darth Vader is a crutch when I, th I think it's all a crutch if you're bringing back all these same Well, people. no, what I mean is give us a... A real no, no, solid you're villain. Not, it's not a. It, I I, I kind of disagree with you, man. Yeah. These characters are still alive in this fucking universe, though, Jake. I, well, I guess you're still it's misunderstanding. Like it, I'm not. saying if you're calling Darth Vader a crutch, to me, it's all encompassing. It can't. You can't say I'm okay with you know Harrison Ford and all these people being in it. I'm okay but with them coming back because they're still alive after 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 they fucking uh, party with the Ewoks. It's not like they all fucking got they like like they they fucking like uh, oh my god alcohol poisoning and they all fucking died and shit. You know, that's not still, what I'm saying. But, but like Darth Vader's dead. I mean, he let's died. say hypothetically Darth Vader comes back not in a flashback and they bring him back to life somehow. If they brought him back as a Force ghost, I'd be fine. Yeah. 
if I saw a Force Ghost scene of Darth, Darth, uh, of a guy that looked like the guy that played the original Darth Vader, not Christian Haydenson or whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> Hayden Christensen, Hayden Christensen, or whatever the fuck his name is, you know, if, if I saw like a guy that could come in there and play a Force Ghost of Darth Vader, I'm cool with that. But I mean, he fucking died, dude. Come on, let's move on. In a, in a flashback, it sounds like they're. I mean, not that they're going to do a Force Ghost. That they're going to be doing something with. Darth Vader when he was Vader. Mm. And what I mean by the crutch is give us a real villain that we can fear in this movie in this time. Don't make it out to be Darth Vader was is the one that who is still pulling the strings somehow. But I I think that's that's a you shouldn't worry about that. There's obviously has to be a villain that our heroes can face. And so Darth, it's not going to be just Darth Vader pulling the snakes from the background. We talked about Darth Plagueis. Why not do that? Exactly. Right. Well, there's going to be something, though. I, I, to think that it's only going to be Darth Vader and the movie's going to fail on that level. No. That it, I, no, but I think Frank, Frank, in a way, I kind of agree with you. It's like, do do we as fans really need? Do they really need to pander to fans just to give us a fucking flashback scene so we can go? Oh, it's Darth Vader, fist pump, yeah. If, if it yeah. works, I like think they're know. already pandering to fans. So that goes back to what I'm saying. It, still- well, bringing back those original characters, it, they're still alive, Jake. I mean, let's finish because the story. they decided to do it 30 years later. I think you well, got yeah, it. Yeah, they decided to do it 30 years later because, like, if they're ever going to do it, they're going to do it now. I mean, if you're going to do something that's set like with you know the the solos and the Skywalkers, which that's what fucking Star Wars is all about. You're going to be doing a Star Wars legacy film where it takes place like a hundred years into the future. Yeah. To me, that's the hardest sell of the new Star Wars movie is, am I going to enjoy Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford? Well, or I, are they going to be a distraction? I don't think they're going to be a distraction. Number one, because when audience wants to connect with a new character, it's always nice to see that these old characters that we've formed to grow a bond with over the past 30 years since these movies have been out, if they can, if they can have a real bond with these new characters to the point where we get the fact that like my care, I love Luke Skywalker. I love Han Solo. I love fucking, you know, uh, Princess Leia. If they can, if they have real relationships with these new characters and we can feel that they have a bond with those characters and can pass that bond on and their legacy can live through these new characters, we're going to connect with them better. I don't right? – I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I know, no, no. But that's a hard mountain to climb in my It is eyes. a hard – but OK. You're a J.J. Abrams fan. J.J. Abrams fan. Do you think J.J. Abrams can do that in this film to where it's like, OK, you know what? Um – Luke Skywalker is going to be able to teach John Boyega the ways of the Force, just like Obi-Wan taught him the ways of the Force, just like Yoda taught him the ways of the Force, to the fact, to the point where you're just like, oh my gosh, John Boyega learned from Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I 100% agree. Listen, when I watch this movie and I walk out of this movie, I 100% hope you're right. I 100% hope I am wrong. And what I don't say, what I'm saying isn't how I want it to be. It's how I fear it will be. Fair enough. And fair enough. When I walk out of that theater, if I'm saying, "Oh my God, they passed the torch perfectly. They had to film it now, or they could have never done this. This is cinematic brilliance." Right. They, you know, if that's what happens, then oh my God, I'm I'm okay. in love with that. Fair enough. I get so you. don't confuse what I'm saying with with you know what I want to happen. Right. I think I right. thought of a better. It, no, way no, to- no. You, it's 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 because you love Star Wars so much that. 
you have fears that they could really, really fuck this up by bringing back those characters. Yes. Because you don't want to see them shit on the original trilogy. Yes, exactly. Fair enough. I get your point now. I thought of a better way to explain what I'm trying to say with it. When we went into episode one, The Phantom Menace, and the only real Sith Lord you had to deal with, aside from Darth uh, Plagueis, or uh, Palpatine, was Vader, and we got Darth Maul. You don't come out of episode one thinking anything, you know, about Vader really in the future so much as you do like, man, Darth Maul was a badass. I want that feeling when I get out of episode seven. I don't want to be like, oh, well, he was, Vader was, you are definitely, I, and I already, I think I said this already. I think it's preposterous to think that that'll, that that's going to be a problem. They're going to blow our socks away with a threat for them to fight in the last 20 minutes of this movie. I, I, right. I mean, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. And, and the one thing that they're not going to reveal, that they're going to not show us, that they're going to make do everything in their power to not let us see, is the badass, awesome threat that's right. going to be the main um, antagonist. I mean, right. that's that's yeah. sealed away in the fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And I, if Darth Vader shows up, the rumor says it's going to be a flashback. It's not. They're not going to fight Darth Vader's ghost at the end of the movie. There is going to be something amazing. There's going to be this movie's Grievous, this movie's Darth Maul. My biggest fear is just them showing a Darth Vader flashback scene just to show a Darth Vader flashback scene. Right, yeah, just to have him in the movie. I agree. I I couldn't agree more. See, that's the thing. I think like we're all kind of on the same page. I get what you're saying. I feel the same way that you feel about Darth Vader about the other actors too, right. though. Right. It's like we got to have no, a no, big no, no. There's that. a lot that can go wrong with them bringing back these characters. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. No, I think the more we talk about this, the more we kind of like are on the same page. It's just we have, you know, different fears about different things. But in all honesty, we all have the same fear about how all these things can come together. Yeah, it's our it's our beloved Star Wars, and we it want it to, we want it to be good. Don't fuck it up, man. And I don't want. By bringing the old actors back, not only do I have the fear that it's going to make me not like this movie, but that it's going to give me a bad taste in my mouth about the other movies. Let's look at this, though. Okay. In my opinion, what I think, what they've done is I think they know where they're going with this. I think what they're doing is they're giving it to the right guy first with J.J. Abrams, a guy that has a clear love for the characters mm-hmm. and he wants to do the original characters justice okay if they eliminate the original characters after this movie then i think they've given a great choice in getting ryan johnson who i am all pro ryan johnson and letting ryan johnson run with the new characters that they're introducing in this movie yeah i agree with that that makes perfect sense so we'll see we'll see star wars episode seven we got a little bit of ways to go before we watch it but man some interesting news coming out. Who knows what's real? Who knows what's fake? Whatever. Not much longer. Year and some months. Year and some months. So 2015, December 18th, I believe, is the date. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, I think this is episode 55. Yeah. We you want c- me to do the same Hagar again? Yeah. Ugh. I can't drive. <laughs> 55. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm sick, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, it was good having you back, man. Good. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's really fun. All right, guys. Uh, episode 56. 56. Yeah. Episode 56. I ain't singing about no 56, man. <laughs> yeah. Ain't got no time for bird sex. <laughs> ain't got no time for bird sex. Uh, 
But yeah, episode 55, our uh, double nickels episode is down the drain. So I hope you enjoyed it. And episode 56 coming up. Uh, if Episode 57, send us some emails if you want them read. I'm going to catch up on some old emails that I need to catch up on. We're going to knock those out. So uh, I don't know. We'll keep you posted as things uh, develop. Remember, if you want to join the uh, NBA Fantasy League, the Leftover League, send me an email, popcultureleftovers at gmail.com with your uh, subject, Leftover League. Just say, uh, Brian, I want to join the uh, fucking NBA League. The draft is going to take place. It's going to be a live draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be able to interact with one another. It's going to be on October 4th. I am going to be participating in the league. Frank and Jake give a rat's ass about it, so they're not going to be in it. But What's basketball? What is basketball, <laughs> apparently? If no. it was a football fantasy league, I'd be down. But I'm a Bulls fan. If there was a Quidditch fantasy league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a Bulls fan, so of course I might be picking Derrick Rose first. One of you motherfuckers probably heard me say that, so you're going to snag him up before me. <laughs> But I gotta pick Derek Rose first. Um, I'll kick you out of the army if you pick him first. Just fucking with you. If somebody picks him first, whatever. But he ain't fucking. He'll kick you out. I'll kick you out. You'll be gone. Boom. Or I'm gonna actually. I'll I'll trade you like Carmelo Anthony and fucking Kevin Durant or something. Like oh, I'll be able to draft those oh. two together. But whatever. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening to this piece of shit show. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Peace out, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it, good it taste Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Original and good have already been done before. 
things that we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft of crap Even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture, leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.